My friends, it has been a long and arduous journey through the Palhauri Desert filled with scorpions. You're right. The Okidoki Swamp and all of its Ustokwadilis wasn't much better. Let alone the horrible Mandis Mountains where mean chinzillas and stalking birds attacked. We're safe now, though. The town of Hitsburg, right in Ono County, surrounded by the state of New Hampshire. It'll be great. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And this is RPG Backtrack number 201, Return of the Dragon. I am Phil Willis, and this is Mr. Mike Minky. I'm supposed to say something here, and I completely forgot what I had in mind, so... Uh, 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 cool! There. Yeah, yeah well, we got we got a couple people on our podcast with us today. Uh, I think we have Miss Relly Mayan. Real-life Pokemon Trapper, Relly Ryan. And we have uh, New Guy Matt. He's been recently re-demoted back to New Guy. It happens. Things, things took place that we shouldn't talk about on the air. Yep. Yeah, he offended me before the show began. Bill knowing how to get to Bill and Ted's time booth, and he used it. So, Matt, you, you've actually not experienced the last few months. You are, in fact, a guy again. Ooh, there we go. And to be fair, it's, go ahead. It's funny, I've watched that movie recently. <laughs> and to be fair, we are going back in time to talk about a couple of Dragon Quest RPGs where... We got our blast from the recent past segment tonight, and we got a lot of comments to read on the final lap to talk about our big 200 episode. We had our our filibuster of a show that ran over five hours, even after time compression when I ran on it. So, hey, lots to do. So we're going to cut to this musical selection. And well, you know, Phil, I think it ran a little longer because there were a whole bunch of score pieces for Final Fantasy VI that we just couldn't stand to leave out. Yeah, well, that certainly helped. Uh, though I think it was our long monologuing of every single character in the game that also helped to push it <laughs> past certain goals. Well, it's a good thing we didn't try that with Chrono Cross. 
Oh. Ooh, that could have ended poorly. Uh, but anywho. Of course, we wouldn't be able to sustain much talk about most of those characters. I was gonna say, I don't think any single Chrono Cross character had enough of a personality to go on for more than, like, what, a minute a character? This Ooh. person, this is what they did. The end. There's the French Harlequin. I think we could talk about her for okay, a page you, and a half. You've got Harl <laughs> and Kid. Okay, this is not the Chrono whatever podcast. No, we're not going off track on the back track. <sighs> okay, we're going to take a break. Chrono Cross musical selection. No, no, no Chrono Cross music. We're only going to be playing Dragon Quest music. Dragon Quest. Oh, right? no. How Dragon horrible. Dragon Quest. Right back after these commercial mess musicals. Like, whatever. Hold on. We'll be back. talk about uh dragon quest uh 11 switch edition looks so good you can go between an old mode and a new mode it's really cool have you guys played it yet uh not the switch edition the ps4 edition but isn't it a little bit too recent for backtrack maybe as in the future are are you trying to say that you don't want us to talk about games from way back when anymore you want to talk about brand new stuff no, no, you don't understand, guys. This is Phil from the future, so for me, Dragon Quest XI Switch is already way in the past. Sure, Phil, what, I have a question. What Final Fantasy are we on in 2025? Well, um, I think I stopped because I kind of did it like 13 at all, so I really haven't been paying attention to that series. Wow. Well, well Phil, I, since we're about 12 to 20 hours away from a Pokemon Direct, what happens? You know. What's going to happen tomorrow? Okay, well, they got this really great new new gimmick with the with that series. It's called "Gotta Catch Them All." It's just mind blowing. Hey, I wow, want they them to went troll there, didn't everyone. They? Yeah, and announce Pokemon Snap too. <laughs> Make it happen, game. Oh first. snap! Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King, developed by Level Five on the PS2, Square Enix on the 3DS. Uh, this uh, was released on PlayStation 2, Android, uh, Apple, iOS devices, and of course, as I mentioned, the Nintendo 3DS. Originally released in, in Japan on November 27, 2004, and in North America on November 15, 2005 on the PlayStation 2. And then we got 3DS versions later on in 2017. This is a single-player RPG experience with a beautiful still sheeted graphics. They are beautiful indeed. That, a little I mean, less beautiful on the 3DS, but... Yeah, they I don't hold up really well. Yeah. They they the look first... just fine to me on 3DS. I think fine the for first the screen official they're on. 3D entry in the series, if I'm not mistaken. Quest well, 7 was definitely 3D. 
You know, you're right. I'm going to pop it Dragon in. Quest Seven is the game that you show everybody when you want to show off just how good Dragon Quest can look, isn't it? Exactly. You point to that and you're like, this is the height. No, no, you point to it and it goes, look, this looks awesome. Slide. And it only goes uphill from here. Hey, to, to be fair, the battle sprites in Dragon Quest Seven uh, are are pretty damn good. Oh yeah, yeah. All the actual character sprites, not just so much. whatever you do. Don't get out of battle. Just show your friends the battle screen, but never finish the fight, and you'll have them hooked. Well, wait a minute. You've got to have them sit through two hours of uh, stuff before you get to that. Oh, this is true. You got to kind of like, you got to rush there before you show them the game. Don't don't start at the beginning. Unless you're playing the original PlayStation version, then you got to sit through four hours of stuff before you can fight. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh, right. I, I actually used a guide because I knew what I was in for, so I, took, I think it only took me uh, two hours. There's no 3D functionality on this. I want my money back. Uh, I, but not a lot of 3DS games have a great 3D functionality. But, but, I mean, like, at least Persona Q tries. It's not great. That's what I've been playing lately. But with, with Dragon Quest VIII, there is zip, zero zilch. I think they had to Correct. sacrifice the 3D in order to have a better draw distance. Oh, well, that makes sense. It does do extra processing power because it has to, like, double the draw screens or whatever to make that work. I mean, I mean, back in the day, the thought of having a game with PS2-level graphics on a handheld was just unheard of. So the fact that they even got that thing running on a 3DS just blew my mind. Oh, my gosh, guys. I got the ship. I got the ship. And I have no freaking clue where to go because I've... It looks like I've explored all of the eastern continents, and now I've got, like, three huge western continents to pick from. What do I do? Matt, you you remember everything in this game. Tell. Yeah. You just got the ship, right? Yeah, I just got the ship. I played a little harp, got cutscene on the ship. I went to the little island in the north, and everything kicked my ass there, because it's, like, level 58. So that wasn't the place to go. go Well, I wish it would have told me that. Uh, maybe surrounded it by a magical nice. range of mountains like it did this other big, huge continent. Well, that's the thing. You need to go to that big continent and find the uh, quite possibly only area on the entire continent that uh, is not surrounded by mountains. Oh, jeez. Dragon Quest is very good about using those mountains to be barriers for keeping how, you in line. How many continents in the, in, 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 the, in the Earth today are like just surrounded 98% by mountains so that we can only dock? And, like, certain parts of it. Well, you know, the cliffs of Dover are not famous because there's millions of them throughout the world. <laughs> I, I haven't take, I haven't seen much in the way of Antarctica, but I'm going to say there are some mountains on it. You know, living in Florida, nobody can enjoy our beaches because they're... Surrounded. Close. Yeah, they're surrounded. Yeah, yeah totally. How do, how do all those people cross the Caribbean in order to get to Florida? With, what with all the mountains that surround you? Ships are the size of mountains, so you're fine. You just board from the upper deck. And then you jump onto the mountain from the deck of the ship. You step right off. There's no wow. the, the ramp goes up. You're walking up off the ship. This sounds like a very specialty piece. type of boat that you wouldn't see very often. Well, you don't see it in Dragon Quest because you surely cannot land where there is a mountain. Are you disappointed, Phil? Hmm. I'm sorry. This calamari is too busy doodling on the deck of my ship to attack me. <laughs> They, they they get a little bit distracted, those little guys. They, they've got the little rattle. Yeah, He's I'm playing with his rattle. Pretty glad they did, because there was like eight of them. There was yeah, a lot of they, them. Well, they do come... It, you can get uh, you can get yourself handed pretty uh, well if you don't go in the right places. There are... Uh, I think there's three zones of monsters here once you're on the ocean. I, the other night I saw that weirdly color-coded 
Well, Phil, just whatever you do, um, if you get stuck, don't buy the Brady Game Strategy Guide because, wow, that thing was worthless when it came to actually figuring out where you needed to go in that game. Stupid strategy guide. Okay, okay, okay. Is Brady Games bankrupt and defunct now? Yeah, that's um, probably they were, why. They're shitty they Dragon Quest by, 8 minutes. They were actually bought by Prima Games and then Prima Games defunct, so... Okay, you speak, as I'm flipping through the Brady Games guide as you say that, I thought it was pretty okay. It was spoiler-free, because most of the gu- guides I had before that were really heavily into it. This one was... I free. remember... And it, I maybe remember. it's too spoiler free for that yeah because i remember hitting a point in the game in the main story where i had no idea where to go next oh, and... yeah that be that becomes when you need to maybe go back a little bit yeah but since they've already had the map of that town there's nothing in the guide to indicate that you need to go back to that town yeah and place. hey this place to, to me the sign of a bad guide is when i have to actually you know put down the guide and pull up the, something on my phone might might that have led to the bankruptcy? Could have been either that or, you know, just guides kind of being low sales all around. That couldn't have helped. Now that we have game facts, guides are less and less mandatory in paper form. Okay, so, yeah. so, so now that we've got a full history of strategy guides, uh, let's talk about Dragon Quest VIII and start off by talking about its story. Who wants Story. to? And I don't want a spoilers because I'm still like right here trying to find my way into this island. So I'm gonna do the full story okay. of Dragon Quest Eight with no spoilers, right? Right, with no spoil. <laughs> or at least up till I get the ship. You can spoil away up to the ship. And after you get the ship, there's a bad guy. No, okay, no, see, be- that's oh my god. Yep. Okay, see, you, you done spoiled it. Okay, f you. Where's my e- eject? You just button? ruined Phil's experience. Oh my gosh! I don't know how you did that? I just, I gotta find a way to kick people off on Discord. I know there's a way to do it. Oh, well, we, we definitely need to talk about our lead, who is apparently, what is he nicknamed, 8? Yes, I think by this time it was uh, pretty name? much defaulting just to the numbers. His name is Phil. It says right here, Phil. Well, then we'll talk about Phil. Yay, it's all about me. Woo! Dragon Quest Eight opens with Phil. Yay, me! And a, a, a chubby, chubby compatriot, Yangus. And uh, they're walking into the Fairbury reason, region. Um, they're looking for someone. Um, they're coming across a town, uh, which I, the name is Fairbury, thus the Fairbury reason. And uh, they're trying to find this jester. Um, something's happened. Jester, they're looking for a wizard and um, this little green guy with you. And the green guy is leading a horse in a caravan. And you're going to find this wizard because apparently... The green guy is a king. Frodo has been turned into almost like a toad. Yoda. Imagine a Yoda crossed with a toad, and you can get a visual of what has happened to this king. And he does not sound like something Yoda has been fallen. Sounds very appearance pompous. only. He, uh, yeah, he sounds like a king. He he really does continue to talk like that, even though he's a monster. A little bit high pitched. Mm-hmm. I think we need to mention that there. Apparently, was no voice acting in the Japanese version. It was added for in the localization, and we got an entertainingly over the top British localization team. It's so good. Uh, you could duplicate that for Dragon Quest XI a decade later. Say the same thing. They, they love adding the voices for us uh, Westerners. I guess we, we... Well, didn't we also get an improved soundtrack, whereas we actually got pieces of music performed by an orchestra instead of synth. I Correct. believe it... so. Yes. 
two version did com- um it was all orchestral orchestral i'll leave that word for phil to pronounce um got a completely uh new ui too for the game pan it was the traditional dragon quest black box white text pick everything from a menu where um the north american version we got full icon based menus see a little picture of your cypress stick and equip it with somebody or you saw the boxer pants that Yangus would equip. Now you didn't play dress up very often. It didn't go fully down that method. Uh, there were a few outfits for each character that would change your appearance in battle and on the world screen. Apparently um, it works most often for Jessica. Is that right? Definitely did get the, uh, the bunny yes. costume. Oh, they, there were quite a few. And of course she must have a puff puff move. She does. She does. There, there's some there's some great moments with the puff puff in this game. Akira Toriyama I think loves this, his puff puff. <laughs> this game might have been where the puff puff finally gained a little bit more prominence than the just text versions you got in uh, Dragon Quest one through six. Two years from now, we'll have to talk about all the great puff puff tricks in eleven. They come back from the previous games. Yes. Yes, but those are excellent. We can continue. <laughs> All right, so back to the story. We're going into Fairbury. Um, you go into the town. Uh, the king decides, after some town folk see this little green guy in a wagon, that maybe he'd better wait outside. He, he doesn't exactly look uh, like everybody else, and uh, I think they throw some stones at him or something. Um, but you, you go to find this wizard to see if maybe they could turn a... You find the house burned down, though. And you hear that a jester has been through, and there was some sort of fight, and... I can't remember if they, right at the point, they start introducing this jester as somebody you're looking for, but um, pretty soon it becomes, we're looking for this guy. Something bad happened. We're following the jester. So you start exploring. You're going around this region. You solve a problem um, with the waterfall cave. There's a boss in here. Get a crystal ball. Bring the crystal ball back. Um, a local fortune teller and his daughter give you some ideas of where you need to go next, and you head into the Alexandria region. In the Alexandria region, you uh, encounter or the next main character, Jessica. Uh, Jessica is quite the busty maiden of the game. Uh, she's definitely the sex symbol of Dragon Quest VIII. Um, out that her brother has recently died. Um, something's befallen him. He's disappeared, he may be dead, and a little gameplay mechanic comes into here, because you're trying to help her out and explore with her, but you can't get in to see Jessica. Her mom, she's locked herself away in grief or something, and as the hero, Phil, you happen to have a nice little mouse friend. His name is Munchie, and this is one of the few times in the game where you actually get to play as the mouse, Phil, hero Phil lets his mouse run loose and you get to play the mouse going through a mouse hole and drop into uh, Jessica's room where you find out she's actually not hiding in her room. Her, uh, and the puns start pretty quickly here. Her friends, bangers and mash the local, uh, the local town, the local town boys are guarding her door and will let you in. But little Munchie proves that Jessica's not even in there. And she's left a note that she's gone to the tower in the region you go to the tower, battles ensue. Jessica, you've learned um, from the ghost of her brother that he was killed by a traveling jester clown. And you're like, hmm, okay, this is even more so at this point that you're starting to uh, 
of the story that you're after this guy. You also learn that uh, I think this is where you start hearing that the people that have been killed now are two descendants of the seven great sages in the world. Hundreds or thousands of years ago, they just have been killed by this jester. You're like, okay, well, to continue moving along, we need to... This You've pretty much explored where you can. There's uh, a rock slide that blocks off the rest of the continent. So you head to Port Prospect. And after a little bit of story going on there, you take a ferry. And right here is the first difficulty spike of the game. Because while you're on the ferry going to the next continent, you're attacked by a gigantic octopus, squid, tentacled creature, kraken or something. And that, this is the first the first time I got a game over. Um, I think me too. Yeah, it, it was pretty intense. Um, I, I, if you weren't using Yangus and you weren't um, Dragon Quest XI term pep, um, what was the term in? Tension? Yeah, yeah you, you really needed to get Yangus doing better damage here in certain rounds and keep your healing up. And yeah, that, that one hit hard for a party of three. And you had just gotten Jessica and she's not joining at any huge level. And, you know, you're, you're in like hour 10 of an 80 hour game. So um, you're still pretty low level as it is. Eventually you cross the strait, you end up in Paragon Quay um, and you make your way to the Myella Abbey. And you enter the Abbey, and a little story there. I think as you're entering um, one of the, I'm not going to say that right, Templars. Templar? Yeah, I think it was Templar. Okay. So Templar kind of brushed past you as you're walking into the Abbey, and you have some conversations there, and not much goes on. Um, But very shortly thereafter, you walk into the town of Simpleton, and you find um, your next get him right away, but uh, I guess his name, is it Marcello? No, Marcello's the uh, brother. Angelo. Yes, the womanizing Templar, Jessica. And is this where the bar scene takes place? I believe so, it's been a while. It's quite the funny scene here where something gets thrown, something else gets thrown, you get the comedic little, almost anime bar scene, but uh, your hero Phil, at one point the camera just focuses him on like being plastered to the wall, people flying past his face and things going past his face. And in true Dragon Quest hero, his eyes are just wide open and like no expression and, you know, foods flying by and the beer and the bar stools and everything. And uh, you head back to the Abbey um, only to find out that it's caught on fire. Something where the uh, head of the, abbot francisco is has caught on fire and you're trying to you have to pass through an underground ruined abbey because nobody will let you through to see the abbot and get through and uh scenes in the game you finally are actually one of a few because it shows quite a bit um at this point you you have your first encounter with dual megas and he is the jester clown mess of the game he's the only protagonist of the game Antagonist, sorry. You mean antagonist? Antagonist. He, he, he's the antagonist here. Phil's still looking for him, so we'll leave it at that. Um, see him kill the abbot in shadow. You kind of see him stab um, the sh- in shadow form, and the abbot dies right there. And he takes off. There's a great scene where um, through the... Uh, there's a cool scene 
thing and you guys running through the fire to bust down the door and you're too late. And it's on to the next town, as it so often is in uh, Dragon Quest games. And at this part, you've now got your party of four because you've got your Templar. And in the original game, this was it. Your entire party. It's about differences with the 3DS version. They add a couple of characters later on. Um, together, you head off to the kingdom of Escanta, Escanta, something like that. And uh, this has got one of the more heartwarming stories in the game. Um, you get there, and the king is super depressed, died, and he's just beside himself. You're trying to ask for permission for something um, here. There's there's some reason, some favor you need from the king, um, the next area, but he's just heartbroken. Sits on the cry. I think you have to go see him at night, and he's just on the throne, just weeping. His wife has died. He'll never see her again. He just wants to see her one more time. So, uh, for the first time in the game, you, you head up to Old uh, Wisher's Peak, and there's a uh, where um, you can enter the dream world with a a harp that you meet in the dream world, and kind of the realm between life and death or something like that, or he can grant a wish and you can get the, uh, the queen or spirit to come back and talk to King Avon. Um, and she talks to the king, she talks to him and assures him that, and one day she'll see him again. And it, it, it solves a problem in the city for the time being. And you move on. Um, the next couple areas you come to are some great, comic relief um one of the f- first things that you can do way to the next town is the monster arena is there i don't think you can open it right then you just see this guy kind of standing on top um flamboyantly dressed and uh, don't you have to you, bring him some monsters this is where the uh monster collection starts yeah in the original dragon quest 8 for the ps2 you can't see monsters in the field in general it's all uh, random encounters except for they have monsters called infamous monsters. The guy that I got here has a whole map of the infamous monsters. And this also goes into some of the, uh, were really introduced big time. And there are infamous monsters across the world and they unlock at different points in the game. But two game, you can see as far, the draw distance is incredible. Like if you can see a mountain in the distance, you can walk up to it. Um, and you've started in the early regions where you've seen these monsters and you're like, whoa, it's the first time you could do that in a Dragon Quest game. And when you fought them, they would drop um, either bronze coins or silver coins. Um, but nothing really happened before that. It, you could fight them, you could get a cool coin that you could sell for money, and nothing else really happened. Um, after meeting Mori and hearing about his monster arena, you start getting the ability to collect these monsters. And it starts off where you can only have a party of three. Then later in the game, once you've beaten a few levels of Monster Arena, um, one of the prizes is he lets you have six monsters or nine monsters. And um, you can start using these monsters as an ability in battle. You can call the team in um, in the battle system and use them. Um, good way to get a few thousand damage in and just take a couple rounds off. And Oh, Matt, I want to mention, yeah. in the 3DS version... You, you have visible encounters, and it works 
considerably better than it did in Dragon Quest VII on 3DS in dungeons, just because you actually have enough room to maneuver around things if you want to, instead of being kind of stuck going through a hall with a monster oh, yes. in your path. Quest Seven on the 3DS was nice to see the monsters, but couldn't avoid very many of them. Well, on the field, you could. Yeah, on the field. In, but in yeah, dungeon, you're right. It, no. Dragon Quest Eight, yeah, in the 3DS, you can avoid encounters all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I think, and that makes it a lot easier to go metal. Except where you're in this bloody slow ship trying to find this thing that a certain someone told you to land on, and you can't find it, and the ship is so slow, and you keep triggering random encounters, and then you have to start over because there's this wizard chick who does her little psych up thing and gives automatically to fifty tension and cast a boom spell and wipes your whole party out. Not that I'm bitter. Oh, did you go to that little island? No, no, I'm doing what you told me oh, to do. She was, on the... I, she was in the water. There was two of them, oh, along yeah. with like 15 other enemies. And her first turn, she psyched up to 50 automatically because she's got specialness. And then her next mm-hmm. turn, she cast, you know, boom. And then, or whatever it was, fire, whatever, which fried all my group for 90 points each, knocking three of my characters out. And then the other chick, of course, she knocked out Yangus. So it was a total party wipe. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the fact but that you mentioned... Phil, Phil, this is Dragon Quest, so you didn't get a game over. You just lost half your money. Oh, but no, no. Wait. But the worst penalty of all is it sends you all the way back to Simpleton. <laughs> That's the worst penalty because now you have to get back in the incredibly slow ship and try to get back to where you were at before. I can't I remember. Think... Is there a mayor of Simpleton? He's a simple man. Mayor of Simpleton needs to get me a freaking airship that moves halfway decently. It's an XTC. Phil, I thought in the 3DS version that you could dash in the ship. Really? I thought so, too. I'm going to try that. Hold on. First, got to heal the whole party. Try one of the... It's got wiped out again. Phil brings up something with the uh, spill names. The spell names. He mentioned Boom or Fire. Up until Dragon Quest VIII, the game used very descriptive uh, spell names, like Blaze, Blaze More, Blaze Most. Um, when it switched Boom, and level kaboom. five did this, you started getting Frizz and Kufriz and Kufrizly and yeah, Boom, Bang, Kaboom, Kaboomly. Um, okay, okay. At try- least it's better than Shimigami Tensei. Okay, okay. <laughs> I try- played hundreds of hours of SMT, trying- and I still sometimes can't remember which is. Trying yeah. to make the ship speed up actually brought up another funny moment. Because I guess I hit the party chat button, and and my party wants to, you know, they all sit there, all standing there, like, who do you want to talk to? But the funny mm-hmm. thing is, they're not standing on the deck of the ship, they're standing on water. They've been learning from Jesus, and they're walking <laughs> on water. Wait, are they yeah. walking or standing on water? Well, they're kind of standing at the moment, but I'm sure they could walk, because how else did they get there? Uh, a miracle. Yeah. Zoom. They zoomed there. They zoomed onto the water. Onomatopoeia. A lot of these apparently came from the Japanese onomatopoeia. Um, and the, I mean, obviously some are in English, too. Uh, back in the old days, it used to be return. Go to different towns using the return spell and actually return to old towns. Okay, the, the, the boat does. Before no, it came on, it was zoom. There's no speed button boat. Um, I'm trying. And... So your location is northeast where you want to go, not the most northern east one but towards the northeast you can go around the world too right no you're going northwest sorry i'm looking the wrong way you're going northwest but if you want to go east and circle around the world all the dragon quest games are interestingly representation what it must be and it's a weird shape 
cylindrical, but, but that, it's also cylindrical on the top and bottom too. Because if but, you go too far north, you end up south. But the big north, the big northwest continent is all surrounded by mountains, right? Because I can't seem to figure out a way to get in. No, well, there's a way, but you isn't that where you told me to go? Is the northwest continent? Maybe I should put a picture here in our chat for you to. Uh... Well, they do say that a picture is worth a thousand words, and yeah, that might be a we, good we've thing. We've said many more than a thousand words, but most of them weren't directed specifically at the map of Dragon Quest VIII. <laughs> so, well, while I get this picture here, I'll continue on. We're um, going back to the monster collection. Yes, uh, monsters you get to pick. They also have a lot of uh, hilarious names. You get the uh, little guy with the hammer called MC Hammer. Um, you get the evil tree. His name is Twiggy. Um, trying to think some of these other ones here have a couple different names like he's a pain in the neck he's one of the Drakis. Uh Mecha Boo Boo is an automaton avatar he's a robot I, it, they have some uh, here in the game alright Phil I think I've got this picture where I want it to be there you go my finger should be pointing you to the right place so you can stop do a little um, monster collection at this point I don't know if it opens right before or right after. But the next town is the best town in the game by far. You're going to pick them. Is where Yangus is from. And it is a town of rogues and cheats and of the disreputable reputation. I know one of the first, if you go straight into the town when you go there, the guy wants to charge you 10 gold for walking past him. Easy enough to just walk down another alley and around, but... uh. It is pretty funny. After a while, I'm just like, no, I'd rather just pay the 10 gold and go through here. Um, happens here is a little bit annoying. You go and you stay at the inn, and for once, with all these disreputable characters around, um, the king, King Trodane, is like, hey, I can walk freely in this town. I mean, I'm a little green guy freak, but whatever. Everybody in this town's pretty much a bum, a cheat, a place. So he walks in, and for once... He leaves the um, the wagon alone, and you're in there drinking a beer, and all of a sudden you realize the wagon's been stolen. It's either at this point or maybe earlier that it's been implied there's something special about the horse of your wagon, and the way the king freaks out here, saying this wrong, but I think by this time you know, you find out your horse is his daughter, the queen, whatever mm. befell the the princess, the castle, right? the princess, yeah, the princess. He, he's been turned into this little green guy into a horse and you've been traveling around with the princess the whole time and now she's missing so going through the town you hear from other liars and cheats that uh, she was to Red and Red's and her band is a little bit southeast of there um, and Yangus starts to clam up a little bit at this point because and it becomes pretty obvious, you go, you meet Red, that something once went on between them. They dated, there was something there, and they've got choice words for each other. And she does have the horse, and she tells them that um, she'll give the horse up if they bring their, her this jewel. And, of course, there's a lovely dungeon right nearby called the Swordsman Labyrinth, and there's a jewel there that you can bring. And you bring it, you get the horse, and at that point, in the original version, that's the end of Red. Um, a little bit of the differences. Later on, both in the 3DS game, the guy at the Monster Arena and Red, this master thief, um, are two new party members that they added to the game, the 3DS version of Dragon Quest VIII. And 
I know when I played it, I, I was like, I, I've played this game three times. If I'm going to do it a fourth, I'm definitely using the new party members. And they were pretty good. Her dagger skills were quite amazing, and Mori always had hilarious stuff to say in the party chat. Um, it's not as overt as Silvando is in the Dragon Quest Eleven, but he says are quite sexually charged or have that double meaning. All I remember is that they both had a number of new armaments specifically for them that none of the characters otherwise could use in the game, and they you could switch between them at any time once you had them in your team. In your team, I like that. Yeah. Like a lot of people well integrated they jump in and out. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah, they they put them in the story very well. I, and they I, they felt differentiated enough that if you wanted to play as them, you would get a distinctly different experience than you would if you kept the standard the original four. I remember Mori being just a beast in battle. Oh yeah, he had some great abilities. Just to throw something out there, Mike, I, it, it occurred to me when you said it how it made the monster, um, the metal monster hunting better. I don't know if they meant to do it or it was just something that wasn't. <laughs> the way they wanted in the game, but if you rotated your field of vision and there was a monster in front of you, if you rotated it, that monster disappeared. And then if you rotated back, spawning spot, there'd be a new monster there. So you could go into places where there were metal slimes or liquid metal slimes or the metal kings and just basically turn, look at a monster. Oh, that's not a metal monster king? Scroll. Yep. I do remember doing this, yes. Oh my gosh. It was extremely useful. I also remember Chase trying to chase the bastards down and like chasing them halfway across the <laughs> map because once you get them in view, they they pretty much didn't despawn. Yeah, they they went quite a ways before they hit some invisible wall. I think there there was some distance that they would run, but for the most part, you could get them pretty well. I mean, unless yeah. you were in the middle of a field. But I know I, I'm just thinking of later in the game where the uh, couple places where the king metal slimes were it. They were in narrow paths anyway, and yeah, mm-hmm. you could easily you you would scroll back and forth for under a minute and see one. I mean, running into these in battle, looking course, at my playtime doesn't on the, mean that you're going to kill it. Those things are always a pain. Oh yes, that's the thing. They might very likely run away in the first round. Compared to the olden days, I I want to say I probably beat the 3DS version 20 to 25 hours earlier of the game, just because I I, I specifically knew where to monster doing that and the ability to run around a lot of other random encounters mm-hmm. or not, or not so random encounters that, that just, you know, I didn't need to battle as much at this point. You've uh, got yourself your, your wagon back. And this is a place looking Kelly, as you mentioned, flipping through the guide, this would not tell you what you need to do next. Mm-hmm. Somehow you were able to get up to the kingdom of Trodane, and this is where the story took place. You 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 get up to the um, area, the castle where King Trode, and when you get there, you see the whole castle is covered in vines. As a matter of fact, you see the town folk and the castle population have been turned into plants. Plant, and it looks like a guy, and it's a, you try talking to him, it's like, and he's a plant. Um, no, c- Go go ahead. Did, did we skip a town? Because what about um the, the bit with King Char or with Prince Chomless? We're not even on that continent yet. Okay, <laughs> sorry. It, it's because... been a while, and because all these towns kind of have their own stories that kind of run together in my head. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and it, it's a lot. That's why I'm flipping through the guide just to try to keep these all in order. But 
long story short, you do something at the castle. You start to get the flashbacks here, too, of what actually happened. At one point, the uh, Kingdom of Trodane had a mystical scepter looking and wanted to see it, and the king turned him away. But later that night, there was a disturbance. Um, Phil, the hero, is one of the ca- is one of the castle guards. You hear the disturbance. You're not there, but the king and the princess go to stop the jester from stealing this magic scepter in the basement. Oh, the jester gets the scepter into the little green guy, um, turns the princess into the horse, and he raises from the ground the vines that cover the whole thing. Now, everybody in the kingdom turns into a plant, except for you, the hero Phil. That's Phil, kind of a little mystery. How did you manage that, Phil? Phil doesn't very, know yet. He hasn't reached that point. Yeah, very <laughs> carefully. Too busy being pissed right now. Phil, have you not been eating <laughs> enough greens? Do you just not photosynthesize? Mm. <laughs> very dark area. It was very overcast in the world at this point, too. They make this whole kingdom pretty uh, to be. So, after this, you yeah, go on a little I, I want to chip in and say that while I don't remember a whole lot of the specific story beats, the look that, that it came up with to differentiate each area was very effective. It, it does. The yeah. uh, landscape, that many different landscapes and appearances for everything. The whole game just had a scope to it that was kind of unmatched for, I mean, not just Dragon Quest games at the time, but just... PS2 games at the time because it come out came out a little bit later in the PS2 life cycle, and it was interesting that other than entering towns, screens, yeah, you could walk a long, you could walk for ten minutes through areas. Um, there were very few points where it would stop and load the next area, trying and and you would just keep going and going and going. Um, there's a little bit of story beat here where you got to go fight Don Mole. Yeah, one of his friendly little harps, um, Don Mole. That's to raising up the boat. And here we come to Phil's area. So getting the boat, a lot of different areas open up. But where you're supposed to go is across the ocean to a town called Baccarat. Baccarat is the next place where a tragedy has um, misfallen. I don't know if it happened there yet. This is another one where you have to circle back a little bit later, too. Um, a casino. And the head of the casino has been killed. It was closed in mourning. Um, up to this point, there has been no casino in Dragon Quest Eight, and casinos are a big part of the Dragon Quest. So get through the Baccarat. You find out again that an evil clown has gone through here and decimated the area. Um, Sons of the Golding was the name of the guy who ran the place. I mean, of course, Golding would run a casino and be rich. And his kids are cash and carry. <laughs> they, are, uh, they, they fight over the fortune quite a bit. They come back to later, circle back around for story purposes. But this opens up a whole new continent. And you thought this was big so far. This continent is twice the size of the one just that big uh, that you've already spent. 15, 20 hours on. Way there's an area here. Um, you've got the uh, Chateau Felix. Meet a guy there, and he's the king of the saber cats. And you can get a saber cat and do a little job for him, and you get a little whistle or something like that. And you can start riding, riding the uh, saber-toothed lion all over this continent. Sped up this part of the game, because up until then, you've been walking and walking and walking. And as Phil knows, you've been boating and boating and boating. Um... 
up a little bit. This is where you head down to the kingdom of Argonia. And this has got one of the funny parts of the story that uh, ends up being important later. Um, yeah. And the king there, of course, gives you something to do. And it's He's got a son named Prince Charmels. Now, Char- <laughs> Charmels is spelled charmless, but with one less S. And uh, Prince Charmels is quite charmless. Uh, that, that is the pun with his name. He's afraid. He hides. Uh, the couple times you're supposed to take him on an, his uh, right of ascension to be king, to go defeat this big lizard and get a jewel from its body. And I, th- I think there's two or three times he goes and hides. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, the story drags a little bit. You got to search the whole castle. And he's in a hiding in a barrel or hiding behind this place. And at one point, small. At one point, you got to uh, get out your mouth again to go chase the lizard down a hole because apparently he's terrified right. of lizards. Lizard goes into a room or it goes into the hole and chases him out. That's exactly right. And by this lizard, we're talking about the ones that are outside eating your uh, cockroaches. At least in Florida, they are. Um, he's but free to these guys. But eventually, you you have to agree to be his escort. Um, in the story, and you escort him to an area. He, you end up fighting these argon lizards to get a argon heart, and he starts every battle lined up next to you because we haven't talked battle system, but you, you see all your characters there on the battlefield and he starts every battle there as a fifth character and he runs away round one. At, just at take f- off. At first, his whole side bit is really funny. But then as you start spending more time with him, you realize, man, he's a little prick. And oh, then he's completely a prick. Yeah. And then he starts uh, being nasty to your horse and then nasty to King Trode. And, you know, he doesn't know what you know, so you're just watching how horrible he is to both of them. And you just want to just kick his little ass. And um, you find out later that, uh, well, at one point, you, you have to spend the night with him in this, the lizards. And, yeah, you wake up, and he's, like, beating the horse with a stick, trying to get her to ride. And, yeah, you know uh, yes, that she's I'm, the princess. I'm remembering him fairly well now. I'm remembering that King Trode was starting to have some severe second thoughts about betrothing his daughter to this guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he is betrothed to um, prince- the princess. And uh, Trode has been telling you this all along. He's like, oh, we got to go to this kingdom. And I made a deal with this guy's dad a long time ago. And I guess I got to marry my daughter off to him. And so, uh, and to his credit, the dad is a much more reasonable fellow. Although oh, yes. that, that doesn't seem to have done anything for his son. Yeah. So you you get a big argon heart here. You beat a big lizard. You take it back to the city, and then the, you bring it to the king, and you see him like buying from a black market dealer crystal, even bigger than the one you found. And he brings it to the king. There's a like good job, um, but at the same time, the king tells you he's like, I know my son bought this. I know he didn't do anything. I know you guys did it all. The the king has seen these things before. He can tell a genuine. Oh yeah, he knows his son. He also does. Yes. Point. You've uh, pretty much tracked down quite a bit that you need to do to find the uh, uh, jester. Um, You you find out he's gone to an island off the coast. You go there. Fog. You can go up to this area. You go back. Cash and carry help you get through a labyrinth where you get a big mirror. The mirror reflects the sun defeats the fog, and you get to about the midway point of the game here. You fight Dual Megas. 
I'd, I'd like to mention here that Duel Magus, unlike some previous Dragon Quest games, is actually a fairly strong antagonist. In that you oh, see he him, is. You see him numerous times, and he actually is quite villainous. Yeah, Instead of, I, say, Dragon Quest Seven, where you um uh you eventually meet the villain about seventy hours in. Yeah, yeah, and my, my one, first time through this game, um, when I when I received it for Christmas, I got to this point and I couldn't beat Dole Magus because he was so hard, and I never ended up picking it back up until like years later because he was just such a brick wall difficulty DPS check. It's right around here where Angelo might learn multi-heal if you get to that. And if you can hit that level with him, battle. But yeah, I think you got to fight him twice, and he splits into three at one point. And the battle itself is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I've died versions multiple times on it. But you beat him, and you're like, hey, Magic Scepter back. Everything's good. And you see Jessica. Hey, let's go. Um that you haven't visited half the world, you know, there's things to come. Um, as and you, you, you may remember that Dual Magus wasn't much until he took that scepter. Correct. He grew with that scepter. So at this part of the game, um, Jessica disappears. You go to the inn one night somewhere, and Jessica's gone. You have to go track her down. And this leads you farther north through the towns of Arcadia, um, to this gigantic Rhydon Tower, which is quite the puzzling mess of, like, 9, 10, 11 floors full of levered... Um, uh, you eventually find something that lets you beat Jessica, knock the... There's a whole story bit with a wizard and his... Um, who he treats like crap, and... His apprentice is named be- Crap. That's an unfortunate name. <laughs> I think it's David, actually, but um, like trash. And actually, this is one of the few differences they made in the game between the PS2 version and the 3DS. Um, and he makes this little boy eat dog food for disobeying him or something. Oh, I remember that now. In the 3DS version, they did away with that. Maybe you just had to bow down and beg, but away with that. Speed things up here. Um, you beat evil Jessica. Ed. But she drops the scepter, and in dealing with her and whatever, the um, belongs to this wizard that you were battling at his house. He picks up the scepter in his mouth. <laughs> he turns evil. He sprouts these big wings. His eyes um, turn red, and he flies off. And you follow him up to the north, up into an icy region. And I think this is about the uh, where he ends up killing the last of the seventh sages, or second the last of the seventh sages, um, eventually following him because he flies off, and you head up to the Sevelia Cathedral, which the religion of the church plays a big part of this game, especially with Angelo being a Templar. Um, and the dog ends up killing the, basically the Pope of the church. The uh, scepter drops. And someone we haven't talked about, Marcello, who is the adopted brother of Angelo, picks up the scepter, Italy turning bad. This guy's got a little got a little evil streak in him anyway. He kind of masters the power of the thing. Completely wrapped up in it. But um happen you end up um having to go to the dark world with the uh the bird at a world. Um the, 
you end up fighting um, in the town of Neos, which is a holy town. You end up fighting Marcello later on, um, defeating him. But in his defeat, he's the real bad guy of the game. Because it's been hinted, obviously, that there's some power behind this. Um, and behind what's been going on. And you get pronounced, and he becomes the big bad guy of the game. To go through a lot of, a couple d- more dungeons, and uh, what's pretty neat is the final battle, you're you're on the uh, god bird. You're actually on the wings of the bird. Okay? Um, battling this guy. It was a long battle in the PS2. Yeah, it was. You, you had to re-go through the world and pick up an orb where every one of the sages died, and you had to use each one of those orbs in the battle. Otherwise, you couldn't even hit the final boss. Orbs, his powers diminished, and then you can take on the large battle, and yay, you win the ending of the game. Um, endings and some post-game count that deals with uh, Phil's little guy, Munchie. I don't know if we want to Do you have a cat that, named or... Munchie, Phil? No, nope, uh, still there? Doesn't sound like no. I put the headset down because I was trying to avoid spoilers. So there, and I'm getting pissed at the game. So man, <laughs> kind of rushed the end there, but I know we have a lot more to talk about tonight. So uh... yeah, and there's even a little extra content on the 3ds where you get to go through a bonus dungeon that um, I got about halfway through and got my butt kicked, even though I was in the 70s level wise, and said, uh, you know what? I'm done. Yep. Yep. Um, I've I never do the post game content. I'm always kind of done by the time the credits roll. Um, did you do any of the Dragovian stuff? At least the original post game that was in the PS2. No. All right. Um, I think I can sum this up in two minutes. Basically, you get a little bit more story about your hero. You find out why he wasn't turned into uh, like everybody else was at the castle. Um, he's actually the son of prince's dad he, he he's like a, basically he's a half cousin to this prince that was supposed to be married off the uh, good old charmels he's half that and half of this dragon breed race and the post-game content because the original game ends with uh prince charmels getting ready to get married to the princess you end up stealing her and running away whereas if you do the post-game content and find out that you're actually kingdom long time ago your mom got mad ran away with away with somebody um and had you and died in childbirth um you uh you all unlock an alternate ending where you can actually marry us at the end of the game i believe i didn't i believe i managed to do that actually yeah it it wasn't too much more i mean it might have just been another two or three hours It, it wasn't where you need to go and be level 73 and die halfway through and give up in rage. It did. It was a nice post game that actually added story content, a background on the hero. Even though I think I rushed the end half there. There we go, Phil. There's your uh, summary. You know, I think we talked about Yanga several times, but I don't think any of us has ever said "Cool Blimey." Oh, yes, that, that running that gag. In the game, he every time he got he got surprised, and it was mainly the king. Mm-hmm. Rodane, they'd be having some cutscene, and all of a sudden, up and say something, and Yangus would be surprised, and he'd look like and a little girl. He'd do a classic double. Like, oh, 
I loved Yangus's voice. I loved his cock- Cockney accent. He 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 was so cute. Um, I've I've actually got one of the action figures they uh, put out from him when the, when that game came out. Him and Angelo, because for some reason those were the only two characters that Suncoast had at the time. Uh, they didn't have Busty Jessica. Unfortunately, no. I I really wanted the hero too. People must have been buying Busty Jessica, and you just couldn't find her. Well. <laughs> but I, I liked Angelo and Yang just better anyway. Uh, Jessica, they, they mention her uh, Her endowment is mentioned quite a few times in the game. There's even one of the monsters that tries to do a puff-puff, and if they try to do a puff-puff on Jessica, back and it's like, Jessica's were bigger. It's negated. <laughs> I, I, there's some clever dialogue there, but it's like, nope, that didn't work. Not on her. <laughs> Isn't there, I even, when I was doing your research, I even saw a cutscene where they were like, va, va, boom, when uh, yes, King, chest. Uh, um Something about King Clavis, and he says something to his son, Charmels, and he, he's like, you know, you, you got to do this to marry that Princess Medea, and, uh, you know, from what I've heard, she's va, va, boom. But he's saying it looking at Jessica, and when it says va, va, boom, it basically just keeps zooming in on her chest. And there's a. Now, there's now a since I didn't little... play it up to where I get Jessica on PS2, I can't speak to this, but apparently her voice actor changed on 3DS because the original person retired or left the industry and she has new lines on 3DS. Is the change as jarring as it is in Tales of Asperia? Not sure, since I haven't played Tales of Asperia. Okay. I know, I really should have gotten an Xbox 360 for all of its RPG goodness, but I didn't. Well, I mean, I mean, side tangent, but the new Tales of Asperia, that or the new version of it that just came out, one of the main main voice actors changed, and they did not get it somebody that sounds even remotely like who it originally was, and it's very jarring. Well, they blended them together too. They did it. Lines, some new lines. Yeah. 3DS version was completely revoiced. Oh, I I didn't know it was completely revoiced. I thought that they just combined. I, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was. Because some of the actors are still in the industry and didn't need to re-record anything, but for additional scenes, they came on and did extra stuff. But for mm-hmm. Jessica's actress, I would have to look, of course, to find out exactly why, but she was recast on the 3DS, and rather than have scenes with her old actress and scenes with her new actress, the new actress recorded all of it. Ah, uh, okay. that's the way to do it if you have the budget. Well, we know that when it wants to... Square Enix can use money effectively. Indeed. They did. They put a lot of effort into this. This kind of relaunched Dragon Quest as a brand in the West. Um, well, let's see. I I know that on PS2, <clears throat> selling better than previous localized Dragon Quests isn't all <laughs> that much of an accomplishment, but it did sell fairly well. well Although, to be, to there be was fair. a final... Twelve demo in the in the case, right? Yes, I know that's one of the main reasons why I wanted it. Though I think I ended up playing Dragon Quest more than the demo. I think I popped in the demo and got stomped by a T Rex and never played it again. <laughs> um, they they spent some money on. And actually, this is when the series switched from being Dragon Warrior to Dragon Quest. Yes, apparently and the, first the, the, the what is it the 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 Dungeons and Dragons trademark that refused to allow mm-hmm. use of the Dragon Quest name, expired. Mm-hmm. And this was also the first Dragon Quest game that Europe got. Apparently um, they the even did a... Left out 8 at all. It was just Dragon Quest, Journey of yeah. the Cursed King. 
Which, hey, if you're going to have a first game in the series, have one of the best ones. <laughs> they well, even we... hired a marketing firm to create an entire website and community around this game. Uh, it was called SlimeNights.com a couple years before being shut down. And they had contests um, for different holidays. Uh, I'm actually holding an envelope because all of us that stayed until the bitter end, um, we could send in our address and there was always this, the great hope that one day the community could come back together if there were more Dragon Quest games and they paid this company to do it again. But I've got an envelope um, mailed to me back in November 30th of 2007. So was that two years after the game came out? Slime Nights. And we were told it, it had, it was sealed and we were told never open it until the community meets again. Mm. Well, uh, here it is 12 years later. I've never opened the envelope. It's been safely tucked in my strategy guide, but it, they, they spent some money on that. I, I ended up winning a t-shirt in prizes. I got physical goods. I got a, I ended up with two t-shirts um, for Dragon Quest eight. I ended up winning a um, PlayStation two blue slime controller. Oh, where you wow. played with the slimes naughty bits to uh, control. <laughs> it, it was, it was that. not comfortable. That's where more of the comfortable thing. Um, where's everybody's tiny bits? Because <laughs> I think they brought back a version of that controller for Dragon Quest Eleven for the PS4. They did. From what I understand, it's a lot more comfortable. But the PS2 one, I think I used it for 10 minutes here and there and was like, great, this goes on the shelf. <laughs> comfortable. I can't believe it. I, you never know. But, I mean, talking about the scope of this game when it first came out, I remember getting it for Christmas that year. And I, I, I was I was probably either in college or I just graduated college, and I remember sitting up in my room Christmas morning, just playing through it and going through all the different doors and um, areas in that first area, and realizing that man, this game is huge, and you can explore so much and get lost so easily. And you know, I back then I was the type of person that like I had to look at every bookshelf and oh, break every pot and stuff like that. And I think it took me a couple of hours to get through that for, that well, first easily, area, that first region. Mm-hmm. And there were treasure chests everywhere in this game. Mm-hmm. If you went, if you went as far as you could in any one direction and around a corner, there was usually a treasure chest. Yeah, it really kind of paid off. Behind this. And that's something I appreciated about it on 3DS is that because the enemies are visible, you aren't getting constantly accosted by random battles when you're going way out there around several circles to get to the top of the mountain. And, hey, there's a treasure chest. And, ooh, that's pretty good. But I didn't necessarily want to go through 50 fights to get here. And I correct me if I'm wrong, you have the ba- the map on the bottom screen in the 3DS version, don't you? Yes. I believe so. Oh, okay, good. Because that, that really it, helps. The 3DS version also, in the PS2 version, when you went in dungeons, you didn't have a map of that dungeon. It was usually pretty quickly, but you would find a map of the dungeon in a treasure chest somewhere. I forgot about that. Yep. In the 3DS version, it was just given to you. You walked in a dungeon and you had the map. And it, it, it's, so that sped common, things up. it's pretty commonplace now, but having a map on one of the screens for the DS and 3DS games over the years has become so incredibly useful that... I find it hard to go back to games which don't have a second screen to let me look at the map whenever I want. I, I know. It's it's frustrating. It's one of those features that you get angry when they don't have that. Uh-huh. 3DS also offered a little bit more, uh, other than just the extra playable characters, there was this photo quest that you could do 
um, at the first port town you came to, you found some guy and he gave you a camera. He's like, hey, can you take pictures of stuff for me? And oh, yes, I did this. I, I did this got, too. I think I got about all of his challenges and some of them were not easy. No. And there were, what, there were two or three golden slimes in every town that you would visit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'd have to be standing in a certain place and turn and angle the camera up a certain way just to see where the golden slime was and take a photo of it. And there were things where there were monsters or recolorings of certain monsters out on the field that you had to take a picture of. Didn't and they didn't always to... spawn at the same thing at the right say, time. Didn't you have to fight like several of the normal ones to get the strange right. colored one? Yes, that is true, and I think it told you that. But weren't the rewards Number worth? Or... Yeah, weren't the rewards worth it though, just to get like some of the extra alchemy recipes? Yeah, it could be. Oh, that's something else I didn't know this since I didn't get far enough to use alchemy on PS2. But apparently, you had to wait a while in order to wait for something <laughs> once you put it in there to actually pop out on 3DS. Conversation earlier this week. Yeah, on the PS2, if you wanted to do alchemy, if you wanted to make a better herb, you threw two medical herbs in the pot, and then you had to go like walk a hundred steps. Difficult an item you were trying to alchemize made it farther. And at the <laughs> towards the end game for like bonus bosses, I wanted to make a ring that like blocked all status ailments. Well, to do that, you had to make like the four rings that blocked paralysis and blocked poison and blocked this. Well, to make each of them were like a couple thousand steps. And then putting all four of them were in the pot or three of them in the pot was another couple thousand steps. You had to find places to like jam the controller and it didn't work in town. I think, you had to like walk around and. I think I ended up like going to that very first town where most slimes would run away from you because you were so high level and just um, rubber banding the analog stick in a direction and just having a book there and you just waited and turning the volume way up so that I would hear the ding. Oh yeah. I used a rubber band on this controller for that and the uh, casino, the uh, slot machines, because just pressing up would keep putting coins in and also trigger the beginning of that. So, Oh my goodness. I so miss I missed out on this. How do I, how did I survive? Oh, yeah, and 3DS, you would just pop it in the pot. It would go, do-do-do-do-do. Ten seconds later, you'd have your item. Yep. The, the, 3, the 3DS version is definitely an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And I, okay, so let's see here. The the graphics, I suppose, if you're comparing them directly, the 3DS doesn't look quite as good. But, the sounds were downgraded. And, you know, I kind of expect that because, well, the 3DS... It has some pretty good audio fidelity, but especially if you're using its speakers, then they're just not going to compare to what mm-hmm. comes off of a disc. Very much so. But those were really the only two things that you could consider a downgrade in that version. Uh, everything else. The other... Oh, and, and there's a very, very important one that I don't think we brought up yet, and I know Phil appreciates. You can turn up the speed in battle. Yes. Oh, I have. Yes. I have no idea... Between the fact that the game is already slow, which is one of my criticisms, and the <laughs> fact that you had, you know, like like you guys were talking about the melting pot. I actually played the PS2 for like a dozen hours or so. So I remember th- what you said about the melting pot definitely was totally a thing. Uh, you had to wait for it to pop, which uh, I have no yeah. I-, I have no idea if you want to make uh, like, you know, 20 rose, uh, rose uh, herbs or whatever they were called. I don't even know how long you'd have to wait. Like in the DS version, you just pop all 60 herbs into the pot and bam, there's your 20 rose herbs. Um, oh. 
Whoa, we're getting Matt. some major, major fidelity issues there with you, Matt. You've been attacked by digital demons right now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Matt. We're just gonna take him away from the group, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, <laughs> salty. And uh, we'll see if we can add him back. And, and we will em- we will employ internet discipline. Yeah. Wow, I really did get hit back there. Nope, you're still bad. No, really? no, Robo Matt. Holy well, cow! Talk amongst yourself. I'll be back. Yeah, reboot your router or something. Um, but yeah, I, I, and, and so it has taken me. I'm the naysayer on the group. I just feel like I got Dragon Quest at a wrong point in my life. So it has taken me all this time. You guys have spent talking, which uh, um, that when Matt was going over the story was nearly an hour. It took me that long to get from where I had saved on this island, uh, which was already partway past Simpleton, uh, to where Matt told me to go. Part of that was because I didn't know exactly where I was going, but by the time he showed me, I corrected my course, the ship is so slow, the random battles add time on there, and thankfully, as you point out, the 3DS has a fast-forward feature, which I have permanently turned on. Um, As did I. Yeah, yeah. As and did I. Things still look awesome and, with the fast forward on, and yeah. you get used to it very quickly. And I think I would have saved probably ten or so hours, maybe even more, combined with all that wonderful fast forwarding that I have the ability to do. Yeah, I don't feel like you're missing anything at all. And I mean, I, I just feel like JRPG battle systems need to be a lot faster. A long time ago, it's one of the. One of my, you know, I was also the kind of the guy at Arc Race Fantasia. It's awesome because when you're just doing straight up attacks, everybody takes their attacks all at once. You know, it's fast. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you just, you, you, I don't need everyone to go, Yegas attacks 12 points. Phil attacks 10 points. You know, like just get it done with. So the fast, the fast motion in here helps. So yeah, I do feel, I do feel bad for the peeps. And there was, there was, there was no, there was there a writing cat in the PS2? Yeah. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Okay, I did find the riding cat on my way to the casino town, uh, which which does help you get around, as you guys mentioned, helps you to get around that area. I'm glad in Dragon Quest Eleven you get a horse for transportation immediately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, do you get a power motor for your boat? Because you really need one here, just a power. That's all I'm asking for. A power motor. I don't. I don't know, but boat travel is pretty fast in 11. Maybe some deck hands um, to just, you know, yeah. man the oars a little bit faster. Because I know there's, there's oars on there, but they're just not doing a great job. We need some better uh, slaves. You could tell that they took a lot of criticism to this game to heart in 11, and we'll talk about that probably in two years. Yeah, there but, we go. Um, you know, that being, that being said, up until 11 came out, I do think this one was my favorite Dragon Quest game just because, you know, compared to 7, which was a slog to get through, this one felt a lot more streamlined. You know, I streamlined. I can't remember, Kelly. Did you play 7 only on 3DS or did you play both versions? I, I played both. I subjected myself to both, and both of them just felt like a slog. And I also played for both versions of this one, and for on 3DS and on PS3 or PS2. And well, I'd like everyone to remember that I played the PS1 version of Dragon Quest VII because Phil gave it to me. Thanks so much, Phil. Yay! But was it a better present than Mary Skelter? You re- oh, don't get him started on You were going to save factory. this until the final lap, and you want to have Mary Skelter be talked about in I, I our Dragon Quest talk? What is this? For a quick comparison, that's all. Uh, 
you know what? I'm going to say Mary Skelter is superior to the original version of Dragon Quest Seven. There, Yay, I said it. All right. Woo. You wanted me to say it? I said it. Nah. Yay. But, you know, tra- transitioning, um, I, I honestly think that this one was so good that I felt like the next one in the series was kind of a step back. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we want to go to that one quite yet. Well, we'll get there. I just, you know, that, put a pin in that. Remember how good this is, because we'll get to a comparison. But um, what haven't we talked about yet? Um, sound, combat, graphics, now, say, world. You know, I say I usually I usually love my graphics and stuff, um, but I, I, I think the 3DS, you know, you guys have talked about before, and, and the cities have maybe taken a step back or something, but... I mean, it looks pretty. It looks pretty darn good. Three um, DS option, notwithstanding, like the characters look, you know, very vibrant and you know, and and there's a lot of detail. I like it. I like the way and it looks. They definitely did themselves a, a service by doing cell shaded graphics instead of trying to go for realism like everything else was back in the day, because cell shading always ages so much better. Yeah, very much so. Well, let's see here. This came out in 2005. What were big... Uh, that's right around the time that Halo 2 came out, which I haven't played in something like 13 years. But I'm sure it looks just as good now as Dragon Quest VIII. Oh, I mean, <laughs> just just compare it to that Final Fantasy twelve demo that it came with. And yeah, even though the visuals are very detailed in Final Fantasy twelve, the character models did not age well at all. And that they still look very... I want to say muddy... Like their f- facial features don't really read all that well, uh, especially especially in twelve. Yeah, their facial features and um, in twelve. If <laughs> I remember the horror I had when I plugged that PS two to my first plasma TV, that's when my mm-hmm. old t- tube TV had, and I was playing Final Fantasy twelve when it blew up, and I had to I, you know the only thing you could buy then was plasma or LEDs or whatever. So I, I bought it and I I plugged it. In. I honestly thought my TV is broke. Final Fantasy twelve looks so bad. I honestly thought it was broke, and uh, and and I almost took it back before doing lots of searches on the internet and finding out no, because you know with the polygons and, and what they were trying to do with the textures and stuff, it just looked craptastic on any sort of modern television, you know, HD TV, whatever. But you go back and you play Dragon Quest, you know, eight with the cell shaded and stuff, and it looked just fine. It's funny you mentioned that because I had the same issue. My dad bought a cheap flat screen tv to use as a computer monitor and when he found out that it wouldn't work in the resolution that he wanted he was going to take it back and i was like well can i can i have it and use it as a tv and he's like go ahead and i mean that little tv served me well for a while but i remember ps2 games and um some of the uh later xbox games just looked so muddy and grainy and it wasn't until this game and i think like one of the valkyrie profiles Valkyrie Profile 2 that I plugged in that it, it kind of looked a lot better but still just you know like v- v- Vaseline on a TV screen more mm. or less <laughs> yeah it does uh, you know later on you know I found out you got to get I forget if they're called composite cases or whatever um, have you yeah, but com- get yeah get it get, get it get invest some money boys and girls if, you, if you're going back and do these retro games uh, invest money on a decent set of those because the quality does matter there uh, and yeah. now, for the most part, most of my PS2 games with those cables look uh, just so, just peachy. 
So ironically enough, when I moved in with my boyfriend, now husband, and he still had a CRT in his bedroom, and I hooked up my PS2 there and went back to his CRT, it's like, wow, that looks even worse than a, a, a LCD with crappy cables. <laughs> Something there's just no going back to. Yeah, yeah. Stop reminding me that people are leaving out their old TVs around here in the rain so that they're completely and utterly wet and useless and just taking up space on the sidewalk so that I have to walk around them. Hey, I I was a good girl and donated mine to Goodwill when I finally had to retire it. Actually take it? Yeah, yeah, they took it. I I still think that they'll take them just because um, retro collectors like to buy them. They don't take them. You can't even bring those in. Oh, Salvation I mean, bear in mind, that, pick was, them up. Huh, that was like t- 10 years ago, so I don't know now, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm, there are some CRTs on sale at the thrift store around here, but I, I think people just bring that in and leave it, and the thrift store people are stuck with it. <laughs> That's the thing, they'd be overflowing with those if they took all the ones that you're walking around on the sidewalks. <laughs> I don't think even the thrift store would allow something that has been left out in the rain for a couple of weeks to be dropped <laughs> off. That would probably be just be chucked onto the sidewalk or into their big dumpster. So oh, wait, true. It's, it's actually it's a uh, it's electronic waste. That means it can't go into a regular dumpster, right? That yeah, they they don't yeah the, the trash men don't even like picking that up. I think you've got to t- take a lot of that to Best Buy. I don't have a Best Buy. Oh no! So so let's anyway. let's let's wrap this up and let's uh, let's so go around the table and so give everyone you know your final thoughts uh, and and whether or not people should go and buy it. You can get the 3DS version still pretty easily enough in the in the thirty dollar range, just about anywhere. But um, uh, now, but our demanders want the best. I mean, our demanders, huh? Our our <laughs> listeners demand the best. The listeners who are demanders. Right, who are demanders, and I have spared no amount of free time to find you the absolutely, uh, you know, highest price, I mean, best quality version of Dragon Quest Eight here wait, on wait, eBay. Wait, wait, wait. Phil, Phil, is, is it on PS2 or 3DS? Or well, PS2, PS2, okay. yep, yep, of course. Uh, and I have managed to find... Um, uh, let's see. Uh, from uh, from uh, I think it's Australia because it says AU and then it gives the price. I think that means Australian. Uh, I'm thinking well, that means you have to look. You have, means you have to click on it, Phil, because it will convert the Australian dollars to US. Oh dollars. yeah, there it is. All right, all right, you're right. So um, oh, that's a shame. Now it's just got cheaper. Uh, so <laughs> I can't. Jeez, oh, I was all excited. Gosh, Bill. You need to go and straighten out the economy of Australia so that we don't have such discounts. But but it's from Japan Megastore, so I'm completely confused, Al. This is an Australian dollars from Japan Megastore. This uh, is well traveled. Yeah, just anywho, uh, this uh, this uh, this this brand new version of Dragon Quest Eight Japanese Edition will run you 146 Australian dollars, which is about 105 American dollars. But you'll you'll be happy to know that shipping is included. I was gonna say, can you find a and I NTSC version for that high? I mean, you can find you can find. Well, if it's Japanese, then it's NTSC. Because hmm. I I remember the original version coming coming out with like a or having an outer box for some reason, and there was nothing. I still have a box. 
Yeah, and there was nothing really inside of it other than the DVD case. So I don't know why it came with an outer box. It's <sighs> although it is an NTSC region locked, but so is the 3DS. <laughs> you're gonna have to get, you're gonna have to make some import enabling if you want to play your Japanese version of the game. Either way, oh wait, we didn't talk about the iPhone version. Oh, oh. No. I played this. I played this on an iPad 2 all the way to completion. Get out. Even did post game <laughs> on it. Put in 83 hours. Quest games released on the uh, iOS, gosh, five years ago. They actually started with this one first, which was an odd decision. And I take it that they charged Square Tech for it? Say it was 20 bucks. Wow. It's a lot well, for an iOS game. I, I, I'm really a little frustrated with the iOS thing, too, because I have a, an iPad, and I had bought, over the years, I had bought a lot of um, board games and, and some of the little easy, fast games that you can only play on Apple. But I really love the fact that it had all these cool board games like Settlers of Catan uh, and Ticket to Ride and the such. And then one day you get the little thing, hey, we're upgrading you to iOS 10 uh, or 11, uh, warning, half your stuff won't work anymore. And so, yeah, like, you open up those games, and they'll be like, you need to tell the manufacturer to update to 64-bit or whatever. Your game won't work anymore. So I, I, I've ignored all the updates on my iPad for well over a year now because I don't want to see half my games become completely defunct. Well, the two that yes, you just Matt. mentioned, I can confirm still work. My wife still plays Catan and uh, Settlers to Riot on our old iPad, too. Oh, then again, that may be why, now that I say that out loud. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you upgrade to, I think it's iOS 11 or 12, it Ooh. makes it officially 64-bit or 32-bit, whatever the bits is, and that's what makes it not work anymore. Wow. But does it ever get to 128-bit? Yeah, no, I think your iPod pad would explode. Just you wait, that that's coming one day. Well, Matt, it sounds like you have the most experience by far among us between the different versions, so would you yeah. recommend the, the iOS version... If you have Interesting a choice to play. <laughs> um was basically the Japanese version. The menus were back to uh they were in like Dragon Warrior days and, and stuff like that. So it didn't have a lot of the graphical enhancements that when they moved they localized it. Um so I put in eighty some hours. The touch controls are not nice. <laughs> they're 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 not your hand. I mean, in, unless you really love this game, that is definitely not a definitive way to go. 3DS, far superior, far superior. I, for the love of the game, I bought it, and I'm a little surprised I stuck with it for 80 hours. Uh, I guess nothing new and flashy came out at that point in my life. I got through. Well. Who, knew, who knows if it even works anymore? Speaking of like what Phil said, it may not even work, and it's not exactly out there. Yeah, it's kind of a, the nice thing. Yeah, when you buy your game, like, I'm a big fan, as everyone else, of GOG. And when we went to Windows, was it 7 or 10 that officially moved everybody into the 64-bit? Um, they would keep updating the game so that 98% of them still, you know, it might take them some time, like a year or two, some of the games didn't work. But they've gotten through and they patched all of them to where they'll work in the new Windows environment. But with Apple, you know, they're just relying on each individual, you know, manufacturer, whoever, developer to keep it up and yeah unless unless they're still around or they they're still making money on it there's no incentive for them to bother so yeah, yeah there's play. a lot of games just hold on to You're your old doing it. yeah hold on to your old i devices keep your old games going 
God, I think <laughs> I've got like an old iPhone 2 somewhere buried in a drawer or something. Dragon Quest might, will kill that, I guarantee you. <laughs> might still have like chaos rings on there. What about Final Fantasy All the Bravest? Did no. anybody get that? No, but I, I still play Final Fantasy Record Keeper. I booted it up again recently and got back into it. Anyway, enough of the derailment. Yeah, because so we're talking we're about Dragon sorry. Quest. Dragon Quest. So go around the table and say, do you like the game? What you like? We just, you know, it's your wrap up here. And would you pay 30 bucks for it? Uh, so we can start with Miss Relly. Um, up until 11, beat it out of the water, I'd say it was the best Dragon Quest game, and it's definitely worth $30 on PS2 or 3DS, but I think the 3DS one is more bang for your buck. These days, yes, and uh, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I could maybe quibble with my memories and have fond memories of Dragon Quest V and Four, but Dragon Quest Eight was the premiere. It really got the brand out there and they did as much as they could kind of like 11 is right now to make it for a wide as audience as possible and it was wonderful for 10 years yeah that that's been held up as the gold standard of dragon quest so whether you play it on ps2 for slightly better graphics and sound or 3ds for all the quality of life enhancements i'd skip the ios version Although I got my twenty dollars worth out of that, <laughs> but I mean, I've I bought this yeah, game three times. You, you paid about a quarter per hour, so I guess that was a pretty good return. Yet I I feel as if it would be difficult to recommend that universally. Yeah, I, I do not recommend that. I, I'm part of a Dragon Quest fan um, forum that I have been for like twelve years. I think I was the only one that beat that. There might have been one or two others. Hundreds of people on there and more active than it is these days. Forums seem to be going the way of uh, the typewriter, but uh, fans didn't. A lot of people bought it, played it a little bit, and was like, yep, that, we're good. Uh, how about you, Mr. Miki? Well, I didn't get to, I just sampled it briefly on PS2, but the 3DS version most assuredly held my interest for the entirety of the time. I ended up giving our site the review of the 3DS version and oh my goodness, I only gave it a 4 out of 5. That ruins its Metacritic average. But remember, RP Gamer uses the entirety of the scale, so if I give you a 4 out of 5, that means you have done a pretty darn good job with your game. That is not a bad thing. I enjoyed That's it enough that... All right. I played, actually, Max copy, because we didn't get an official review copy, and Mac, the good guy that he was, sent me his own copy which I played for something like 90 hours, and then when I got when I fi- finally had my fill and got killed in that bonus dungeon, I, set, I sent it back to him. And then I bought my own copy because I wanted to support the d- developers and actually do something to put a little bit of money their way and say that, yes, this game is worth my money. So just for the fact that I bought it again... Did I, did I buy it again? Whatever. <laughs> I, I got to play it for free, and then I bought it to show that I was in favor of supporting Dragon Quest VIII. So there, I, I must have done, it must have done quite a few things right. And and you reminded me, they really drug their heels on whether or not they was going to localize this one, too. I recall 7 taking even longer for... Yeah. 7 got announced, the, the announcement of 8 followed fairly soon after. I want to say they announced the two together they for did. the U.S. Yeah. They did, you're right. 
was maybe not as surprising at that point because I mean, yeah, it already been here in that version. But yeah, seven was like five years after it had released in Japan. Mm-hmm. I I was pretty much giving up hope we was ever going to get seven. Yeah, that in my mind that ship had sailed. It was like, well, maybe we'll get eight still. You know, it's only been a year, year and a half, and and then something happened. Memories of that game. Ants wrote letters. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. It can work. It can be made to work. <laughs> said it was those letters from people in France. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, for me, as y'all can tell, I'm kind of like, um, uh, kind of like, it's the game I really, 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 really want to love, and I just can't bring myself to do. <laughs> like, I keep giving it chance after chance after chance, and even just like, okay, I had put, as everyone who's listened to the show, I had been on a Dragon Quest run, and I and I played... And then 7 kind of took a lot of wind out of my sails. After putting 40 hours in, I kind of gave up on 7. And then eventually, I, you know, I started 8 again after, you know, farting around with it for a while on the PS2. Um, and I put I put 8 down for a while, and it all had to do with, I, I feel like the first, you know, the first part of the game was very much like you described. You know, it was pretty cool, and you're going from place to place. But everything in the game... Because of where I'm at in my life and just playing other games, it just feels there. My two criticisms is, and forbid I was playing this again on the PS2, but it, it all feels slow. Even with the fast forward and battle and everything else, it it just feels kind of slow to me. And then number two is that the combat doesn't doesn't feel deep, and so I feel like a lot of times if I'm if I'm in a fight with monsters and I'm losing it, I, I feel like it's not because I'm using the right strategy or the wrong strategy. I feel like it's just because I'm not leveled enough um, that there's not a whole lot of strategy. Whereas with something coming off of like Persona Q, where the spells and the types of spells you get, you use against the enemy and the abilities are so important and an enemy can disrupt that with his right skill. Um, so knowing your enemies and their skill sets and what they can do and it's not just as simple as, okay, if they work against ice, do that. That's the way it is at the beginning. But the deeper you get into it, the more you have to start. And it just show you know, games like that, you know, turn-based games like that show me that the turn-based JRPG formula does can have more depth to it than attack, attack, heal. And I just, with Dragon Quest, I'm just, you know, like I just told y'all, I just, I had died earlier. And I felt like I didn't, okay, they might have been fluke death. It happens, RNG. But it just feels like as I'm going through and just trying to explore the land, as Mike pointed out, you know, there's a lot of land to explore here, um, but I wanted, I don't want to keep skipping past, and I, I, you know, run past the enemies. I got that option, but if I do, I'm going to be vastly underleveled, um, so I fight them, and it, they just seem, the fights just seem to take, again, I can't imagine this at normal speed, but they just seem to take longer than they should. They drain my hit points more than they should, and there's not a lot I can do to defray that. It's just, I don't know, it just all feels kind of like walking through mud. It's not a complete stop, it's just... But the characters are really cute and they're interesting. And like you guys said, they got the cool accents and there's a cool, you know, the villain, uh, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit about Kefka. Um, you know, you kind of, uh-huh. you know, he's just, he's just a murdering hobo clown and you want to, you know, you want to, you want to stop him. And the characters are super, you know, interesting and they're not just your typical trope of happy-go-lucky uh, JRPG characters. So, um, uh, and the graphics are, are beautiful and I love the music. Uh, just even like the Overland battle music while I had, you know, the mic on mute, I had that cranked up a bit and it's just so nice and cool and soothing. And it's just, it's just really well done. The quality it's just screaming quality. It's just, you gotta be in the right place and you gotta be patient and you gotta be like, 
yeah, I want to have an 80-hour RPG that takes things a little on the slow side. And the exploring and thing, it's got to be something you're super like, yeah, I want to explore vast lands with hidden treasure chests. And and these, you know, the second half of the game very much throws you into this whole good luck. Now, bah, you know, here's three big, huge continents. And without an FAQ, I think, I try to always play without an FAQ, as you guys know. And, and when you get the ship, I might have missed a clue somewhere that says, hey, here's where you kind of need to go. I might have missed that. I totally admit that. But but I didn't know where to go. And riding around in that ship. Now, compare that. It was so freaking slow. And the random encounters, the fights just take longer. Now, I'm comparing this not just to, let's say, a Persona or something, which takes 80 hours on its own. But comparing that to, let's say, Dragon Quest Four, Granted, tile-based graphics and stuff. But your, zip, your ship kind of zipped around. And the fights just seem to click a little bit faster. You know, they didn't seem to take as many rounds, and the rounds just moved a little bit quicker because there wasn't the animation. Um, I like the animation. It's cute, but again, I can't even imagine this at regular speed. When the same attacks play out over and over again, and the battles are just taking so long, there's so many of them. But you don't want to skip them because, hell, I've been playing for 20-some hours, and I'm only level 21. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, I, I, just, I just feel like I'm kind of going through the motions over and over again with the battles, and it's just feeling mm-hmm. repetitious, and it's not... You know, it just, it needs, it needs something. If it's going to be an 80 hour experience, as opposed to like Dragon Quest four, which is like a 30 hour experience. If it's going to be a full blown 60, whatever plus hour experience, I just feel like the, the combat system needs more meat on the bones to justify that extra investment. Um, the story holds up. It's in the characters hold up. It's in the music holds up. It's in, um, and they've done as much as they can to make this world interesting. It's just for me, I'm more of a combat guy. As you guys know, I just, would have liked to see more in the combat. If you're going to make it a bigger game, you gotta also you spend more time in combat in JRPGs than anything else for the most part. Oh, so. by far, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's something we actually didn't talk much about the the skill system. Yeah, like each character gets a skill tree that you can put points into. I think and each part one of it had is based on the weapon four skill trees. Yeah, that, that's what it was. They had four skill trees. Each one could do three weapons and. Or, no, each one had two weapons, fisticuffs, which was unarmed, and then they each had their own um, little one. Uh, like, Jess- Jessica's fourth one was sex appeal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> puff, puff, and distract them and make them miss turns in battle. Does that, when you spit points in it, you were pretty much locked in, right? Yes. You are, but... You don't have to spend the points immediately on 3DS. You can save them for a little while, and it tells you what each what each point that you put in will access. So you can look at it and do a little planning. Yeah. So that's uh, that's um, that, that I, I have to take a look at that. To be honest, I've been hoarding those points, which probably doesn't help me get through battles because I get choice paralysis because I have played. You know, like Diablo. You guys have heard the Diablo speech mm-hmm. before. If you listen to this podcast for a while, Phil got pissed in Diablo because after spending a billion hours and found out his fire build wizard was useless in the third act because, you know, all the monsters were resistant to fire and nowhere does the game tell you that. So good luck and start over again. And the last thing I want to do with Dragon Quest Eight is start over again. Uh, so I, I thought that you very could much get so. talents at the church, but I might be confusing it with Eleven. That's Eleven. You could do that okay. at the... Uh... Yeah, it's See, point. it's just proving your point that Dragon Quest XI addresses so many issues Phil has with eight. Yeah, it did. It, it... Yeah. But uh, with that being said, went up again. Yeah, absolutely. But with that being said, I am not denying that this is an absolutely beautifully crafted game, and I agree with Mike. 
um, it was worth supporting. I bought the, even though I never really got through, you know, the, the PS2 version, when the 3DS version came out, as soon as I could afford it, I went ahead and bought a copy to support it because I want to see more games of this quality level, even if it's not exactly my rhythm. Um, but that's exactly what we want. Like, we want traditional, you know, JRPGs and we want to see more of them. And I hope they figure out a way to bring more of these to the 3DS. I hope that, you know, Dragon Quest XI Switch port isn't, you know, is not where it stops. So... It sounds like I that's cer- going to be a Sorry. good start, though. I certainly think that 8 did a much better job of bringing the series forward in time than 7 ever did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, not so well, much 8's fault. You, you know that you love 7, Phil. Everyone loves 7. We've oh, just been geez. hiding it very well. Oh my goodness! It's, it's part of our reverse psychology. Ago. I love seven. <laughs> I, I will say, I will. Well, I mean, I will say honestly, for me, on an on a weird, irrational, emotional level, I I I am probably actually a little bit more tired. I got tired of eight faster than I did seven. I, I take that for what it's worth. I, I I will fully admit that it's you know on every objective measure, it is a better game. But and it might be because I already played through seven for forty hours, and I'm just getting bored of the formula, and I'm getting and and I'm getting impatient with the slower pace. That it just seems to mm-hmm. me that the series has gotten slower paced, and, and, and that it's taken these games that used to be like thirty hour experiences that would tell you an epic adventure, but kept the pace going. You you were going from town to town, you were going through a town in an hour or so. You'd knock out a dungeon in twenty twenty five minutes, and then you know as as we got into six and especially seven and eight the worlds got larger the battle systems get slower the the you know there's much more to explore the dungeons are bigger which sounds like great bullet points on the back of a game and for the vast majority of players i'm sure that 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 totally makes their bacon but you know for me it was just like ah but you're but you're not doing anything with the battle system to make me excited for those 80 hours i've been in persona q for 50 hours and you know, and I'm still freaking want to play some more of it, and it's only because of the balances. Because Lord only knows, it's not the story and their jokes that are carrying me through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but but oh, let's, and I, can I chime in and also sure. say that if you're going to play it, play the 3DS version. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because more than anything, the portability just makes it for me nowadays. Mm-hmm. Port- portability oh, yeah. is so incredibly convenient. Yeah, and could you see? I mean, I could. Yeah, I couldn't see playing just taking up my time on a big TV playing this. I really couldn't. And I honestly think, honestly, for me, I, I might have to double dra- uh, del- as much as I hate to do it. I'll probably be double dipping on Dragon Quest um, Eleven because having that portable on the Switch just it just seems like a no brainer to me. Let me tell you what went on during that Nintendo Direct. I'm watching them do the train like, eh, I already played this. I don't want to play through it again. Oh, 2D mode? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Orchestrated, orchestrated music? Japanese voice acting? Well, crap. I guess I'm buying it again. You know... Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, throughout the years, Dragon Quest has been the system sellers for me. Um, I've had backlogs forever, like a lot of us do. And so I don't rush out and buy the system right away because... My God, I, I've still got probably three, four hundred hours of 3DS games to get through, and oh, God knows if I'll too. ever do that. I know you're trying to finish yours off this year. Yes. I know I won't even come close to that. I don't to, even to bother be... counting how many hours are left <laughs> on all the stuff that I have. I just have stuff. <laughs> to be fair, um, um, I have that same policy when it comes to new systems too. But for some reason, the Switch just 
hit the ground running and never stopped that first year. I, I think Dragon Quest Eleven S is going to be the system seller for me for the Switch. Because I've wanted that 2D mode. I, three, four years ago when it first was shown and we knew we were getting... Well, not we, but Japan was getting two different versions of it. I was like, oh my god, I want to play the really beautiful one and I want to play the three, the 2D mode. I couldn't care less about the dummy down 3DS 3D version. I was like, who cares about the mixed one? I want to play 2D and I want to play... I got my HD and now I really want that 2D. Yeah, I have to totally agree with you. Like, when I saw, you know, that they were going to have that 3DS version, and you're right, like, the wired-down 3D graphics don't do anything to, to sell me on that. But then he went 2D mode. I'm like, oh, when are we going to get that? When are we going to get uh, that? And now, especially with my gripes with Dragon Quest Eight having that experience, like, and watching that little clip that they had in, you know, of the 2D mode on the Switch, like, right now, if this had that version, if I, I would be switching to 2D mode. Because in the 2D mode, you see how fast they move over the overland. <laughs> They're covering like it's all about you speed. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah. The combats went a lot faster. Like the combats they did real quick in there, it looked like they were Dragon Quest Four types of combat. Just blip, you attack, you you know, and you put the speed on high, and you can get through those combats really quick. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's it's going to bring back all that eight bit nostalgia, you know, with I... the chip music and everything. I'm like, holy shiz, yeah. To be able to switch to that when the game starts to get grindy, but then to be able to switch back to the beautiful modes when you're ready to do cutscenes or you're just walking through a town or you want to see some of the battles, you know, the 3D models of the monsters, that that's just awesome sauce. Can yeah, you, do you, you know can... if you could switch on the fly? That's the way it looked it like It was at, I thought it was, well, the way the Maybe. 3DS version was, was I think you had to go to the church. Okay. Uh, uh, who knows what they're, but the Switch version is, you know, kind of a blend of that, so who knows? Maybe you could switch it up. Ah! You I'm might curious. be able to switch it up at any time. <laughs> I'm curious if it's going to have the exact same dialogue and if the D mode's even going to have the voice acting. Mm. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But we'll find out. Aren't we getting, aren't we getting a little ahead of ourselves? Authentic. Isn't there one between 8 and 11? Well, there's technically two. Dragon Quest Ten, the MO you'll never get to play. Oh, no. That is yep, never. We definitely need to talk about this because all of us have played it. We know it yeah. by heart. By heart. <laughs> No, we're gonna we're gonna take a. We've that's, been that's running. That's gonna be our in-depth import corner because all of us have Japanese MMO accounts, and we're gonna talk about all the experiences we have this with our well. Japanese player base. Totally. Before we do that, though, we are gonna take a break. We've been recording for two hours. I don't want to lose this, so hold on, right uh, tight. Listen to some music, and we'll be right back.
And welcome back. We continue our main event with Chit Chat and Banter about Dragon Quest IX Sentinels of the Starry Skies, developed by Level 5, published by Nintendo. This was released in North America on July 11th, 2010. Uh, this is a single-player and a multiplayer RPG experience for your Nintendo DS system. I believe it's yes, a multiplayer. It was multiplayer. You can find people who have the game in your local Wi-Fi zone, which I did not, so I well, never found multiplayer on it. W- oh, it wasn't even came... local Wi-Fi. It was yeah. you needed to be standing next to them. <laughs> oh, okay. That really explains why I never found anyone. When this came out, I think Monster Hunter Fever was at its peak in Japan, and uh, this particular Dragon Quest was capitalizing on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was watching some videos before our stream and was saying that, that people were playing this game so much in Japan that they had to designate like special areas outside of stores for people to play. Uh, and, you know, people were playing on trains. There was like special cafes set up for uh, people to play this game multiplayer. Um, in the U.S., not so much. Uh, I did play multiplayer one time. I uh, flew up to uh, New York City. I was there visiting family, and my wife and I were there for like eight, nine days. And one of the members of the um, forum that I mentioned before was like, hey, you guys got to come play with us. We've been doing this for like seven years. Um, My buddy Liam had been part of a Tag Mode Tuesday, and they used to get together at the um, flagship store in Rockefeller Plaza. And every Tuesday night, they would get together. I mean, it it became maybe the first Tuesday of the month or maybe one Tuesday per quarter year after a while. But uh, they would get together and just play multiplayer, um, mainly with the post-game grottos, bosses that you could fight over and over again um, to get special drops and whatever. And I did go there, and luckily I had one player at level 99, so I kind of fit in, um, was able to take that player and be part of the group and fight a couple legacy bosses and get some drops and actually tag and get the, cause there were tag modes in the game and you could trade treasure maps. Yes. I remember that. I, I distinctly remember hearing about um, cartridges that had uh, metal King slimes. For the I, got, I got one of those maps. I, I... Uh, cartridges for those uh, like Japanese copies going for a lot higher than regular. Ones. Yes. Yeah. But um, the the funny thing about the tag mode is apparently that's the reason why we have Street Pass on the 3DS. It is. Which it I is. find fascinating. It became such a big thing in Japan that they were like, hmm, you know, Nintendo, part of a thing. Like, wh- wh- why does it have to be just one game that can tag mm-hmm. others while your system's sleeping? Why not the whole system tag? Why can't we expand this? That's a cool little feature. Um, the answer was, we can. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I remember doing any sort of tag mode was when GameStop had, like, a specific tag mode event that was going on where you could, like, go in and um, win a t-shirt and get an exclusive poster and stickers that I I still have. Um, I had it tacked up to my wall for a while before I swapped it out with something else because the cats kept trying to tear down my posters. (laughs) I didn't want them to ruin it. But, yes... um, Shame that the multiplayer didn't take off in the U.S. because a lot, most of the game was pretty much balanced and centered around that. And I really feel like U.S. players kind of missed out on something awesome there. Well, wasn't the first 
released footage of this making it look like an ARPG? Yeah, I've I've heard rumors that it started as an ARPG and fans complained and they later repurposed it into uh I remember Adrian slash Omega on our site was initially interested until the turn-based nature became clear and then he just became bored because he considered standard Dragon Quest to be thoroughly uninteresting. And my own memories of this game, aside from a few vague things, like uh, I remember fighting a lot, but I really remember it feeling <laughs> much more like a grind toward the end. I remember a specific scene, which was animated in full animation cells, looked like, looked like it came out of anime, and you had to have equipped your protagonist with certain things beforehand because you were wearing those things in the scene, and it wouldn't. That was let the Dragon Warrior access. armor. Yep, your your party members completely irrelevant. Only the hero is in that scene. Oh, the the party members are completely irrelevant. The whole game. Yep. Except for the fact that they really help you out. If if you had to play it with just the hero, then you'd be dead <laughs> real fast. Outside of battle. They were meaningless. I mean, they didn't talk because they were no. just random whatevers. Um, no, the, a lot of the sorry, a lot of the game takes place up in heaven, the celestial realm. And when you go there, they're not there with you, but not the rest of your party. I mean, the idea was that it was supposed to be kind of drop in, drop out multiplayer, so that anybody could join your party at any time. But exactly. a lot of that, a lot of that was really lost. Uh, with the multiplayer component. The, the, the only nice thing was that it was nice to be able to uh, customize your mooks to however you wanted. Oh yeah, you could uh, play dress up, you could make them look, gather so many different skin tones and faces and hairstyles and all that. I ended up naming them after and lots all my and lots of, of equipment and whatnot that you can put onto them and make them look either intimidating or silly or non- interesting any kind of range in between i know played that wasn't, up because there was a whole commercial with seth green i was about to ask wasn't that how they marketed <laughs> the game in the u.s they did there were two seth green commercials and one you see this kid like looking at shirts he's gonna wear to go out on his date and seth green it's like oh well, i'm playing dragon quest 9 and i could wear a fur poncho if i want to and the next scene is the kid showing up for his date wearing this purple fur poncho I liked it she called it a cape, which made the kid upset, but, you know. Sure. But they they actually they played that up. The other one was uh, kind of equally as silly. It had some girls talking about who they were going to a concert with, and next thing you know, Seth Green's sitting there drinking his Frappuccino, and he's like, oh, well, you know who I'm taking? I don't know, maybe a warrior or martial artist. <laughs> and all at a concert, and there's this big warrior in chainmail there, like, throwing people around. So <laughs> they, they definitely played that up in their marketing. And to be fair, it worked because I, I, I was this was when I started listening to podcasts and started paying attention to sales, and I remember this game actually showing up on NPD. Um, it, I mean, it didn't do do nowhere near like um, Call of Duty or GTA numbers at the time, but the fact that a Dragon Quest game showed up in the top ten was kind of phenomenal. Yeah, just getting the mention, that's amazing. I imagine that this game probably helped Dragon Quest kind of become a little bit more popular in the U.S. It's never going to reach anything like the level of Japan, though. Oh, no, no. no. Dragon Quest is the national holiday in Japan. I, I don't <laughs> think that's actually true. No, I know. That's just a joke. Yeah, but hells, 
Let's, I think let's extrapolate power that. Spread that myth. Let's see. Dragon Quest IX sold something like four and a half million copies in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. So let's extrapolate that. If you could get those kind of numbers throughout the rest of the world, you would have the single best-selling game ever. And you wouldn't even have to use microtransactions, although I'm sure if it went to <laughs> the rest of the world, you would. But I thought according to Square Enix, a $4 million game was a failure, at least concerning no, no, no. It's, it's not a failure, Kelly. It just performed low expectations. <laughs> Remember, we expected it to sell $6 million. It only sold $4 million. That's <laughs> we're, we're ripping off our investors here. How can we have Sounds possibly... Like bankruptcy. It's a buyout. <laughs> as well it should just think of those poor poor developers they didn't they, they clearly didn't work hard enough if it only sold four million copies they didn't put any effort into that let's let's can them <laughs> you're playing this part a little bit too well you're making me want to punch you <laughs> you might want to stop <laughs> are you saying that capitalism in its current rendition has some unfavorable aspects you couldn't possibly be saying that Oh, I'm sure that four million or like what eight hundred Blizzard employees right now are probably feeling the same way. <laughs> Ouch! Well, yeah. just just wait. I'm sure now that Anthem is out and performing below expectations, Bioware employees will be letting go be let go soon. <laughs> oh, but but back on a more positive note, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad that this game did well enough that it actually made Dragon Quest relevant in the U.S. again. I mean, not that it wasn't relevant in the first place, but it just, I, I don't know, it just made it seem more a household name, I want to say. Oh, if it that got one that. Can, that one I can't speak to. Yeah. So, sorry. For, for it was always choice. a game in my household, but uh, I don't know. But I think it was a wider audience. I mean, you were on the DS. Mm-hmm. You weren't on the PS2. You weren't having it there with the hardcore gamers looking for the best cell-shaded graphics. And, I mean, it was, this was a game that, I mean, I was I was teaching at the time when Dragon Quest VIII came out, and none of my fourth or fifth graders would have picked that up or touched it. But started getting like DS remakes. Um, like my cell phone had ringtones, and they're like, "Oh, that that that's the sound from," or something like that, which came out around this time too. And younger demographics were starting to see this game. And this game was certainly accessible enough that I could see younger children wanting to get it, being able to get into it easily without having too much trouble. Yeah, I had one or two kids get it and play it. I mean, I don't think any nine-year-old was plugging through 60 hours of story for this. Um, um, But yeah, they played it. They enjoyed it. Though that that being said, I I did feel like the story in this game was a little bit of a step back compared to... um, just how good the story was in 8. Um, they brought back vignette gameplay, which, as I've said before, I'm not really a fan of. I'm trying to remember any of the vignettes right now, and it's probably because I haven't played the thing in eight and a half years. I also oh, seem to remember that it, even though it's it looks somewhat nonlinear, there is something of a progression that it has in mind, and I managed to go to a place that was stronger than I was anticipating, so I had to be mm-hmm. grinding for a while. And eventually I went to a different place and found, oh, I'm kind of, I don't really need to expend much effort here at all. I'm kind of crushing the enemies, as if I'd done it a little out of order. And yeah, there. I mean, there were times when it opened up and there were times where you could go to two or three different towns and do their, because the first game was pretty linear um, through the towns in a certain order. 
the second portion, not so much. You were kind of like, hey, you got to go find these seven figs. And there were points where you could go do two or three different ones. And probably the only limit to that was, as you just mentioned, well, this area I'm not strong enough to go into yet. But go there and do that, sure. Um, also, the class system in this game, um, the way it was almost in three. Didn't you have to do side quests? a big or... difference. Oh, you had to... The side quests... I mean, there's 150 numbered ones, at yeah, least. Yeah, and I, I remember very distinctly the one where you had to, like, use a very weak class to kill metal slimes in order... Yes. If you land a killing killing blow on metal slimes in order to unlock a class, and I'm thinking, this just feels like busy work. It was. I mean, you had something like eight jobs available... And it, it, it was a few hours into the story. Once you were able to go to the inn that allowed you to have other party members, um, you could recruit them with basic jobs like mage and warrior and um, your priest class and a couple others. But when later in the game, midway through, when or not even midway, but about a third of the way through, you go to the um, typical Dragon Quest All Trades Abbey, and uh, you know you had to uh, go find Jack because. Abbot Jack of all trades um, was the guy that ran all trades Abbey, and you know, he he was of none. Um, was a, a but when you open that up um, immediately in all trades Abbey, there were a few people that were like, "Hey, I've got a side quest for you. Use this very weak skill to kill." And one of them was just killing blue slimes. Other ones with metal slimes that were ridiculous. But yeah, to open up some like Armamentalist and uh, was Paladin and some of the Gladiator and Sage, um, Luminary, took quite difficult to do. They, they were not, they were, some of them were very luck-based. Mm-hmm. Were um, having to find certain monsters and see them. Sometimes you'd get into a battle with one guy on the... Um, world map, but obviously there's other monsters in the battle, so I mean later in Dragon Quest Eight, where you could slide to the left, slide to the right, and there mm-hmm. um, you had to walk around and really search for it, and then there were even some of these side quests were that were buried almost deep into the post-game, or the monsters were only found in the secret grottos that were available later. Yeah, the side the side quests in this game were very frustrating because you know if you put a num if for me if you put a number next to a side quest I'm gonna want to complete all of them <laughs> and <laughs> I had to like curb some of the OC with th- this game and you know understand that I'm not gonna finish some of these side quests for a while which I find to be just frustrating. You'd be encounter early on in the game like hey here's side quest number seventy eight and you're like what the hell. Yeah, where we're luckily, one through seventy-seven. Yeah, luckily the paper <laughs> guide for this one was a lot more useful than the paper guide for eight. And I, I wish that they would have put a more, put out a more portable paper guide just so that I could carry it around with me because I didn't want to miss stuff. Oh, you, the uh, four hundred and forty-seven page. Yeah, you could kill somebody with that thing. One was in my suitcase. I was on a business trip the last couple of days, and I brought this and the eight guide with me, and. Man, I could feel the difference in weight <laughs> with these in my. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it had everything in here, all the different and I mean side quests. Yeah, there, golly, there were one hundred and four. 
184. Number eight, 184. I'm sure this is a lovely uh, pun, too. It was called Bleats Me. <laughs> I'm sure that had something to do with a sheep somewhere. <laughs> so uh, an- another unfortunate aspect of this game is that it has parts of it that you can no longer access because of the um, DS Wi-Fi stuff being shut down, which I, I remember when it was brand new. Um, the the original, or I think it was the DSi. It was the original DS or the DSi. Um, couldn't access certain routers because of the security measures. So I would yeah, end up, WMA, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. One of so I ended up having to like do any kind of like downloads or anything like that at the laundromat because um. Oh. It wasn't compatible with my router, which was very frustrating because I felt like, you know, you had, you get, had uh, special characters that you could download. You could get special quests and stuff, special alchemy recipes, and you could only do that via the um, Nintendo Wi-Fi servers. And that, that was really frustrating. And also that yeah. inside quest at the... After you unlock the end, there was stuff with um, the, the street pass functionality where the end would open up depending on how many people you street passed with. And because nobody I knew played this game, I never got that end past like that first twenty-five person mark. Yeah, that's true. I um, yeah, the inn you could get um, visitors, and I mean this opened up. I I Dragon Quest Nine came out um, in kind of a two-year period where I didn't play a lot of video games. I was focused mm-hmm. on a lot of life stuff. And so when I finally got around to it, after it came out and was like, all right, I'm ready to put more than 20 hours that I've done in the past 18 months into this start over, play it. Um, there was a lot of things when I first connected to the server, it was like, you've got all these guests. And what it had was a lot of the um, characters from previous games mm-hmm. would come and visit you at the end. And they would each give you a piece of their equipment. You'd get um, Alina from Dragon Quest Four. You'd get a pair of her tights. You'd get this yeah, guy's I, sword or that guy's hat, and you could dress up like them. I think. I th- yeah, I think Alina was the only like special character I managed to get. Unfortunately. Oh yeah, they, I think there were twenty five. They even have one from the uh, Florette from the Dragon Quest Swords game that came out on the Wii. <laughs> um, dare say she was the most popular after Jessica. Looks wise, just, but, it um, sucks that. Sorry, uh, it just sucks okay. that such a cool feature was gated behind kind of primitive Wi-Fi features. Yeah, and there was a store that was open every week. The store, and it was based on calendar because there were fifty-two different weeks of sales, and you could buy different stuff. And I remember when I first started playing it, one of the first sales was like the Halloween sale that came up when I was um, starting in the fall. And I want to say for I. I money saved up and there was a pumpkin head that you could buy so i want to say for maybe about 15 hours that was the best helmet i had and all my people ran around in pumpkin heads it looked (laughs) absolutely ridiculous but santa's hat incredible defense ability compared to other stuff that i had at the time and again it was just because you know here it was a year later this and some of the better stuff just happened to pop up that time no, no, you, you were cutting out, so I didn't know when to chime in, because I remember it coming out in, like, July when it came out. So when I was playing it, it was, like, August, you know, August, September. It, it took me a while to get through the game, so they weren't really selling anything holiday-related at that time. So I didn't get any of the cool holiday gear. Oh, yeah. 
which kind of sucks. And you could end up you could end up buying also some of the gear that uh, characters from the old games too. If you missed getting that character at the end or something like that, you could buy like Bray's staff or um, Angelo's sword. That, that that's all long gone, mm-hmm. not available anymore. <sighs> that's sad. A moment of silence for the daily departed content. Well, you know, Squeenix is pretty remake happy. Maybe they'll do a definitive version of the game that'll actually have online multiplayer. Um, I mean, be next. You never know. I mean, eight's been remade, getting a definitive thing. I mean, unless they're going to uh, jump straight into twelve, you know, judging by past experiences, everything gets remade in the Dragon Quest series. Mm-hmm. For Japan, at least. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the next two years you get a Switch version of this. I would happily repurchase a Switch version that updated the graphics and kind of tweaked some of the balancing issues and hopefully redo some of the side quests to make them a little bit Yeah, if there's a remake, better. I would gladly play it again, but I have no urge or real inclination to play the original I, oh. I, I got my fill at the time, and I have felt no compulsion to go back to it. And I, I just remembered another f- fatal flaw. The game only had one save file. Yes. And I was reading last night that was due to... It was just so much on the DS cartridge. Mm-hmm. I remember when it was getting ready to come out in Japan, there was a fake image going around showing it on two DS carts. <laughs> At the time, that would not have surprised me. And, well, yeah, maybe, that was the thing. Nobody was gets... surprised by it. It was like, oh, wow, it's going to be on 2DS cards because it's so big. Maybe if it gets released digitally, re-released, then Square Enix will pull what Konami did recently, and you can buy a second save file. Oh, Why are you going to bring that up? Golly. Be- because publishers have only our best interests at heart, don't they? It, it... You're making me want to punch you again. Uh, I'm raising the fist. You might want to back to back down a little bit. <laughs> are, are are you saying that Square Enix is not exclusively concerned about the joys of its player base and would rather try to bilk as much money from people as possible? I can't imagine why you would say that. I mean, um, no way. I mean, I don't think Square is as bad as Konami or EA. You're setting the bar pretty low there, Kelly. I I know. I know. <laughs> They're not Satan themselves. I mean, come on, lesser demon. Anyway, that that would have, that would not have been possible on the DS because oh, you were you had a physical cartridge. You you would yeah. have had to upgrade your DS itself in order to get more save room and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what they said. There was just too there wasn't enough room left on the cartridge after they put all this in to do that. And I mean, there was a the post game in this was easily as long as the game if you wanted it to be. If not, I mean, I know people I who've done 500 that. hours. I remember the final boss itself had, I think, three phases, of course, and it was... I remember it being elevated on a big uh, series of hills or whatnot. Or terraces, I think. Mm-hmm. And then once I finally did kill it, I realized, holy cow! You want me to go through all this post-game stuff? Actually, I had just spent about 70 hours with it at that point, and I was done. I was not in the mood to go through however much post-game there was. So, I mean, and the post-game was all side quests, but a lot of the side quests had stories. Um, you could actually make some of the NPCs playable characters, so you just didn't have your blank slates anymore. 
they're joining you at level one. Oh my god. <laughs> game. So you've got these characters that are at like level 50 or 60 in seven different jobs, and you're going to go back to... I guess they're just like Pokemon. You just you catch them, and then you put them in your little t- recruitment box, and you never touch them again. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... It was like, oh, yay, this person joined me. Okay, that's not gonna... Yeah, exactly. Like, 99% of Pokemon, you're just never gonna touch them. I mean... Don't have to use them all. I, I, I know that it seems like we're being really negative on the game. It's a decent game, but you can definitely tell that it kind of reeks of the trends of the time. You, you know, be, being on the DS, which was the most popular system at the time, emulating Monster Hunter, which was the most popular game at the time, doing kind of downloady Wi-Fi features. And unfortunately, unless there is a remake that fixes a lot of these issues, it's one of those ones that I'm probably the least likely to go back to. I mean, this reminds me of other late level five, like the Professor Layton series, where, hey, you could log on every week and download yourself a new puzzle. And, you know, how long did that last? Have they, have they re-released a lot of Professor Layton games, though? But that series, well, I think I played three or four of them. I played the first two or three, and then I got one of the 3DS ones. And I logged on and was able to download a bunch of quests, but they were still oh. releasing, like, one new puzzle per week. I, see. I mean, the puzzles, the puzzles took three to four minutes to solve, so it was like, well, I'm not going to spend that time every week. To- and, and not only that, notice that we... Um, not only that, notice that we haven't gone over the story because the story is so bare bones in this one that even the cohesive glue that kind of holds it together is barely barely memorable. Yeah, let, I could probably do this in five minutes really quickly. I'm not going to go into any of the vignettes because, yeah, there were kind of memorable stories. Uh, what is it, eight months ago with Dragon Quest Seven, we kind of did that. We are just like, all right, the whole story is this, mm-hmm. and we all shared a favorite town vignette. I, I don't know if you do have a favorite town vignette. I, I don't have one because I I'm hard pressed. You can't remember <laughs> the doll. Um, the doll one was kind of cute. The one. The, the one, doll. Yeah, there's a doll. I remember something vaguely. It's been a few years. Okay. Where that vaguely, and even that vaguely. I mean, I wrote down the plot. I kind of copied it from two different things and put it together with the strategy guide last night. But basically, you're a Celestian. You're base. You're an angel. That make it put it in the easiest terms you've got wings you know you're you're this little protector of this town and uh trying to uh get this these figs from the world tree yggdrasil because um you angels um you celestrians want to talk to god and th- this might help you touch with him he's disappeared but um something happens up in the celestial realm and you are cast down out of the celestial realm you lose your wings and you end up in the town that you were protecting. And of course the town has got the pun name angel falls <laughs> Celestrian that literally fell to this town. Um, the first part of the game right away, you're alone for a while. You find um, to get back up to the celestial realm, you find the uh, starlight express magical flying train that will get you back up there, but it, it doesn't have enough power anymore. It's been injured in the, uh, so the first part of the game, you, you like the second town you head to is called Stornaway, and this girl Erin, E R I N N, to come start the inn at this town, and in this inn, um, it becomes like one of the main hubs of the whole game. But this is where you can recruit players, 
And so you build your party up. And then, yay, the first part of the game is just doing good things in towns, solving towns' problems for the benevolence. No longer see, because you're a fallen angel. But after enough time, enough towns, you do enough good things, and you're able to go back up to the heaven, the protectorate, where the angels are, and they're all like, dude, where's your wings? Um, But go up there, then they tell you, um, hey, by the way, cataclysm happened, all these figs, these little fruits, they look like... um, fell to the ground. You need, you need to go collect them. You know, all seven of them fell to seven different regions, seven different towns, and a person or monster that came across one and ate one became bad. So, hey, you've got seven bosses and another 20, 30 hours of time going from town to town. And this is where All Trades Abbey opens up, and you can start doing the classes um, or start changing classes. Uh, and I forgot, weren't all seven of them like part of the seven deadly sins? That does sound familiar too. A- again, it's been five, six years since I played it and very well might be. I- I'd have to play it again. I-, I barely picked up on that the first time through. And, and you know what? There are so many little things that unless it's pointed out, you mm. might not know. Um, one of the favorite ones, and I was talking about this on Q&A Quest a couple weeks ago because we were talking about puns in Yokai Watch. Well, one of the earlier towns you go to is called Zir. And about 15, 20 hours later, and there was some guy that had left that town, but that was just a minor part. You solved the problem. You got Benevolescence. You go to um, a mountain, and it's called the Heights of Loneliness. And, of course, at the top of the Heights of Loneliness, you... Um, find an exact copy of the town of Zir, and a stonemason has carved this out of rocks. And the name of this town Zoom list, when you can return a place, it's called Zir Rocks. <laughs> yeah, I remember that pun now. Yep, I... Zir Rocks is an exact copy of the town of Zir. I, I laughed pretty hard at that one, and I, I remember them being up on their pun game pretty hard. In this game, which I do appreciate, but unfortunately, it's been so long, and the, I thought the game was so forgettable, I don't remember half of them. The last places you got to get the seven figs was um, an academy where they, they kind of ripped this one right out of, like, Harry Potter, basically. Um, it was called the Swine Dimples Academy. <laughs> Hogwarts, but Swine Dimples. And uh, it was a school, and you had to play a detective in the school, and... There were ghosts, and you go through it. And this academy became a place later for tons and tons of really ridiculous side quests to open weapon classes and abilities. You want to do the best sword attack in the game? This bizarre sword attack 35 times on this monster or something like that. Just finished up kind of the second half of the game where you collect all the figs. You're like, woohoo, got all the figs. All's mm-hmm. going to be great. And you go up there, and again, your former mentor one of the angels up there for this oh hey we got a whole new antagonist going on here or actually it's the first time a real antagonist pops up Mm. the uh and here's the pun again the giddish empire with a g (laughs) the giddish empire that once controlled a large portion of the world and hasn't really been seen in a while um and your former mentor angel boss seems to be working with them and uh and cast down back into the world out of heaven, and um, the last third of the game is you getting back the Giddish Empire, um, and this is where they set up the final boss. You get cast down into this town called Wormwood, and it's spelled W-R-O-R-M, Wood, 
so Wormwood Creek, and they get annoyed with you because once upon a time an angel came to their town and really effed up their way of life. Um, so they don't like you being there. And as it turns up, um, remember their town used to be W-Y-R-M, Wormwood, and they were protected by or protected a mythical dragon that helped fight the Giddish Empire off. Um, and it's, this is really late into the game where you get just the final boss kind of pops into existence and you get rationale for it. Um, this guy, Corvus, an angel a long time ago, and this is the final boss. He was a Celestrian and um, he fell down into Wormwood Creek ages ago and was nursed back to health by a girl, Serena. The Giddish Empire invaded court, tried to take her for some reason, and he fought them back, and they retreated. He got captured or something like that, um, but she got killed her. And at the end of the game, you're, you're in the Giddish Empire, you, you're in jail, you, you delve through this, you're beating all the big bosses of the Giddish Empire one by one, and eventually you find Corvus. And Corvus is trying to destroy the angels and destroy the world because he mistakenly believes that, I think, Serena sold him out. He believes... Keep him safe. At one point, Serena gave him a sleeping potion so he wouldn't get killed by the Giddish Empire at one point. And then Serena's father betrayed her and him delivered him to the Giddish Empire, and he spent like 300 years being tortured by them. He believes Serena betrayed him, and love is bad, and oh my gosh, I should have never fallen in love with a human, and F the world, and let me blow everything up. And <laughs> comes the end, and Mike, that was the uh, the boss you beat at the end, and Hectorates, and something like that. And it, it, it was really it. That was it. Uh, but it comes so late in the game. I mean, you're two-thirds of the game before you have any sort of real antagonist and to be fair, because of the nature of this game, I kind of understand why they didn't put an emphasis on the story because they didn't want players, uh, you know, being further ahead in the story and having spoilers and stuff later on. But, you know, th we didn't get that multiplayer aspect here. So really this whole angel, fallen angel betrayal thing just comes out of nowhere and feels so tacked on. Yeah, I mean, you're a fallen angel. <laughs> and just yeah. hey, get back, find figs, great. <laughs> just just keep getting back up to heaven. Um, and at the end, uh, one of the things, one of the main aspects of the game is, and because you can't beat your when you get cast back down again, and he turns out to be a double agent. But Celestians can't attack each other. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the game, to actually take on Corvus, you have to eat. Um, one of these figs and become human celestrian um, to become human, to be able to fight him and actually attack him. And then game credit or during the credits or right after that, you find, Oh, there's another fig and you bite it and ta-da, you're back. You're celestrian. So we can do all the post game stuff now. <laughs> Yay. And don't you also get that, the, that train as a, uh, oh, yeah. at the end. Actually, um, a third of the way through the game, you can do it. Now, the problem is you can't really take it many places. There's like a blue tree. Right. And you can only take it to certain places. So, yeah, you got a train, but mainly it's a warp to no more than a few places in the entire game. Basically, it takes you up to the protectorate. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's its main purpose. 
So, yeah, that's that's that game in a nutshell. Um, there's, a, there's a little fairy called Stella that is... Uh, right, I forgot about her. Is, uh, quite the tan little fairy, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, she she's in the menu. When you go into the menu, she's always there, and uh, she's with you quite a bit of the game. Um, you can make your uh, little Veronica look like her in Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh, I forgot about you got that outfit. You can, that's one of the dress-up outfits that works in Dragon Quest Eleven. Is the Stella wear? Okay, I think, that, I think it's an armor. Yeah, I think th- now you're causing memories because I think I got that, and I couldn't remember why the name Stella was familiar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you just you just can't get enough of streetcar named desire that must be it yeah exactly no, and you know I mean... what on there being uh on the train she was very well connected to the Starflight express mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so, i yeah, haven't I mean, chimed in here be- much because yeah. i really don't can't can't remember much about this game <laughs> yeah i mean obviously i played it and i put a lot of time into it but it, it clearly did not leave an impression on me other than okay this is a very bare bones dragon quest game i mean yeah all your times are spent on side quests and vignettes mm-hmm. overarching thing is not there's not a lot of pressure all the time, which makes 150 side quests reasonable because whatever. I mean, there's really no pressure here to there someday. Once I find these figs, I might as well do 20 hours of side quests for a while. And the job system was set to go meant to be a grind fest for those data, those people that just wanted to play it because mm-hmm. you could get every job up to level 99 and then do what's called revocating where you go back down to level one in that job points. But, I mean, there were 12 jobs or something, and every time mm-hmm. you switch jobs, you stop back, you start back at level one. Yeah, that was particularly frustrating. Luckily, you got to at least keep your skill points, but um, you didn't exactly get to keep your abilities. There was um, one, and the job you had um it was almost like dragon quest 8 where you had a couple different weapons you could do and then there was a special vocation only skill tree mm-hmm. but the bonus was if you could get 100 points into that vocation only skill tree the last bonus that you unlocked became permanent right right I and because i remember now. at one i remember at one point because i mean dragon quest is not about getting to level 99 almost no. ever games at level 40 remember i think it was my second playthrough i was like okay i gotta make this easier on myself to go through it again and i found where i could farm the metal stuff pretty good and i just kept switching jobs with my characters things getting a lot of different jobs up to level 20 very quickly just for the skill points Mm -hmm. and dumping them all into the special paladin lot quest the paladin skill tree because at the bottom of that you got a permanent 80 hit point boost (laughs) dragon quest is not a lot about it's like Etrian Odyssey, you know. You're yeah. beating the game with probably 250, 300 hit points total. So having a permanent 80-point <laughs> boost was like, woohoo! Man, uh... 25 to 30%. Second playthrough, uh... Did you buy another copy, or did you just sacrifice your original save file? Sacrifice my original save file. Oh, that would have been so hard for me. I, I, again, it was... I was probably 70, 80 hours into it, and I was like, you know, I... Okay, well, if you're starting over, or... I knew I, I knew how to 
quickly go through stuff. I knew that second time around, I'm like, man, if I get that paladin skill really quickly, I can do this. I think the first time I beat it, I didn't even unlock Sage. There were just some job classes I never unlocked, and I'm it's like, if I'm going to do it again, I'll just start over. I honestly can't remember if I got all the jobs or not, or if I even did all of the side quests. Um, this, this one didn't really grab <laughs> me as hard as other ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a lot, a whole lot to say about it. It's. I was gonna say a, gameplay. You're your typical. It's your typical Dragon Quest turn-based mm-hmm. system. Um, I think Phil would say there were not a lot of innovation. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing that Dragon Quest usually always is. Um, it, it almost. I, I remember using the. Uh, gosh, and we said it again. Not the pep power, but um, tension. The tension system from kind of there. You had to be like one certain class and he could make other people tension up so it's hard to do massive amounts of damage because you couldn't just spend a couple turns pepping up and or tensioning up and then blasting away but, uh it was the first dragon quest in a long time that didn't have a set party mm-hmm. four through six had parties seven had the party eight had the party yeah well, you mentioned three this it, it really went back like to three in some respect. I mean, so, that's that's yeah, I mean, why it, I think this game really was kind of a step back for the series. The people I know that put a lot of times into it, they were. It, it was all about the post game. Um, these grottos, randomly generated grottos that you would go through just to beat a boss to get generated grotto, mm-hmm. and then uh, you'd, you'd eventually. Um, I guess one of the big things was there were grottos that you could fight. And all the bosses leading up from one through eight, when you fought them, they were level one. And at the end of beating that boss, you could either decide to take the experience from beating level one Dragon Lord into back to the Dragon Lord, and then run that Grotto again, and he'd be level two, level four. And you could get, wow. you could let them get up to level ninety nine. I cannot imagine fighting the same person ninety nine times. Um, only thing that would be good is the drops. You'd get better drops for better alchemy. Honestly, for the most part, once I could beat those guys or got to that point, I didn't really care about word that did another plus 10. <laughs> yeah, and I remember the uh, because, you know, this is a multiplayer game where you're supposed to get drops and stuff, the alchemy pot just having ridiculous requirements. Some of the some of the bigger stuff and there were even alchemiracles that you could like uh percentage chance of actually doing you mm-hmm. could have all the items and maybe it would make that maybe it wouldn't so i mean for those uh. that loved it and wanted to continually just play it something more but i mean oh th- th- this this is the perfect game for the pe- people that just want one game that they can sink hundreds and hundreds of hours into mm-hmm. like a, a dragon quest disgaea in a way but yeah data miners found ways to run timers because all the random them um uh treasure chests in those random grottos but there was ways to manipulate the game clock and you could know that you would go down on the fourth floor one of the treasure chests would have like an a level item in it and there was uh, there were whole dragon quests or not dragon quests but japanese sites that people translated and had all these tables breaking up again matt oh yep I think that's the podcast gods telling us that we're probably done with this game. I, 
you know, you could do do with worse games. I mean, it's certainly more playable than anything Idea Factory could ever put out. But there, there are much better Dragon Quest games in the series than this. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, no, Matt, you can't talk anymore. No, it's not working. Um, the the um, uh, definitely feel like uh, I echo all y'all said sentiments. Um, nine, it just kind of felt. I mean, Dragon Quest has kind of been about going from town to town to town, but it, it even felt there was a couple of cute stories in there, but definitely not enough to keep me going. Not even like Dragon Quest IV's overarching story and plot of saving the world to get you from town to town wasn't that compelling, but it was still mm-hmm. more compelling than this. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, in 8, at least, there was a cohesive glue to tie all of the different stories together. And even the oh, 11, yeah. um, you know, d- does pretty much the exact same thing. But this one is just, there's no cohesion. Yeah, and then, and then you know, and, 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 and like you said, for the people who want to spend hundreds of hours digging into, you know, all the crafting systems and stuff, uh, that's mm-hmm. great. For me, it, it, it just, again, where I'm at my life, I'm not big into that whole, you know, here's this big, huge open world with random, you know, with some random elements to it and uh, a crafting system that you have to look up big FAQs for. So go and kill off certain monsters and get your 5% drop rate. So you might be no, able to put this no, together. Phil, you don't have to look them up in FAQs. You can just spend 40 hours muddling about to accomplish pretty much nothing. And then yeah. look it up in an FAQ to see how to avoid another 40 hours mucking about not accomplishing anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, which, yeah, so much better in 8 with its, you know, it does have some things to help you out with the crafting system. Uh, and it just feels tighter. But yeah, there it was just huge and open. And I remember farting around with it a bit like, I'm really going to get into this crafting system because apparently it's the way that you kind of gear up. And after hunting like a whole bunch of monsters in the surrounding areas and not just just about getting nowhere with it. Um, just not I'm not a fan of eight, but nine somehow made it worse uh, of the crafting systems because I'm not big in me personally. That's why I'm just not big into item hunting. And oh, yeah, you got to look at this one. You look up an FAQ and like to make this really awesome sword. You had to look in this one cabinet way over here in this corner. You missed that cabinet. Oh, you missed your chance. Um, so anywho. Uh, it kind of felt like to me like an MMO, just lifeless because I didn't have lots of other people to talk to. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, kind of had that vibe to it. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend. I personally, I just I think you're much better off playing. You know, uh, eight, eleven, four, something else. You know, five. yeah, tales of something. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> five. Oh yeah, five. Oh my gosh, go play five. Oh please, please go play five. Five is the best one on the DS. Ah, love five. Without a doubt. Yeah, go play five. Four and five. Um... Anywho, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take uh, another break, and we'll come back with a blast from the recent past.
this is the last in the recent past where we take a look at some games that came out a couple of years ago about this time and we tell you whether or not they are worth your time energy harder money or whether you should just take those discs and turn them into coasters of course you know, since we're hitting a digital age it's that uh, that kind of tagline is going to get outdated here. Uh, the first game... Well, maybe, maybe that's for the best, Phil, because we know that game publishers really, really hate secondhand sales. Well, they do. They do. They are trying us, uh, get, for us to get rid of those discs. Luckily, uh, this game I do have on disc. It is Tales... And, and you know, we, we basically, it's one of those Tales of Games, Boys and Girls, but we've been having a big argument of how to pronounce it. So um, I'm going to say it's Tales of Balsamic Vinegar. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's one of the tastier entries in the uh, series, I believe. Well, you know, Tales, Tongues of Berseria. I, I don't know. Anyways, Tales of Ber- Berseria. This uh, was developed by Ban- Bandai Namco Studios, uh, published by Bandai Namco Entertainment. Uh, released on the PlayStation 4, at least here in North America, on January 24th, 2017. Uh, and released on Microsoft Windows just a few days after that. This is a single-player action Holy cow, doesn't, doesn't it feel weird to say that january 2017 was over two years ago i know right i mean, getting that so, definitely does i'm getting so freaking old uh but yeah no tales tales uh tales of assyria um I, I don't even know what really prompted me to buy this i'm not generally i go on to buy a tales of game i think it was it, you know i had a couple of friends say that it was really good had a different take and stuff got me interested enough to grab a copy maybe i grabbed it on sale i don't remember uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think most of you guys who listen know what a Tales of game is and what to kind of experience in regards to its combat system, uh, and when, what you're kind of getting into. Um, so well, I don't I know that Tales games have a whole lot of skits and the combat in the few that I've played has been, you control a character directly and you just trust in the AI to do everything else. Right, exactly. And, um... And, you know, it's, um, you know, everyone I think has heard my rant on Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm happy to report that with most Tales of games that I've experienced, including Tales of Viseria, while while I'm still not a fan of AI-driven team members, I I feel like these guys aren't quite as dumb as my Xenoblade counterparts. uh, And for the most part, kind of, you know, hold up what they're supposed to do, though. There's plenty of times where they just die off, and I don't know, nor do I care why they died off and what I could have done to protect them. Eh. Yeah, I usually get through the battles. At least I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of game overs because of their incompetence. Um, well, that's your fault, Phil. You, yeah, it You should be caring for more of your AI compatriots. It's people like you who are setting the AI revolution back. Did you ever think about that? I think that's what that what was that game, uh, Detroit Become Human, taught me. Uh, that I never played. My friends keep telling you, you gotta play it! And I just, I, I got too many things in my backlog. I, I'm sure it looks really cool. Save the AI robot, whatever. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, Tales of Games use the, uh, basically kind of like the, uh, motion battle system where you're running around and you're attacking things. Um, and, uh, and you can really, it's basically you're in a mini arena trapped with the, with the bad guys and you're, your your AI companions kind of doing their thing. You can give them commands, I believe, at any time. And there is some strategy tweaking you can do uh, in between the battles easily enough. Uh, you can go into the menu and kind of set 
give them some general directions on how they use their magic points or if they're conservative with them, if they try to support you. So there's plenty of things there. But when it comes to those side chats, when it comes to the battle system, I'm sure people who are really fans of the Tales of Gabe's could spend a long time talking about the difference between this game and the other games. But for somebody who's a more casual Tales of fan, who's just kind of like gotten halfway through like Tales of Symphonia and some of the other ones, it, it, it just feels the pretty much the, the combat system feels pretty much the same. What makes this game kind of different is it's, is it's tone. So it starts off as like this Cheerio, you know, story. You got this girl, and I'm horrible at names, so maybe if I just look it up, I could at least tell you what her name is. Uh, Velvet? Yeah, Velvet. Uh, the Velvet Crow. And her younger brother, uh, Lafacet, or we'll just call him Lancelot, maybe. But Lafacet, anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there a Percival? Percival or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, the beginning of the game, they're getting, you know, these two are kind of getting along really well, and it's this cute brother, you know, older sister, younger brother, and they joke around, uh, and, and it's all cheery and stuff, but at uh, at some point, you know, after that happy beginning or whatnot, um, and I mean, I played this two years ago, so I'm sure I'm screwing up the order of events here, but um, uh, there was a demon you know, attack uh, during a bloody moon night or whatever have you on the village. And, um, and Velvet's sister, you know, uh, was killed. Um, no, wait, that was in the past. Oh, I hate telling these stories. <sighs> I feel like what's her name does them so much Isn't better. Is Wiki there to help you? Yeah, probably. But Wiki's confusing me from my memories. There's probably a word for that when you're like reading a Wiki story and your, your memories don't want to jive with it and you're getting confused in the process. Anyways, okay, so her her sister got killed seven years ago. Now they're older. She's taking care of him. They seem to be getting along okay. So there's a little depression or whatever have you. But the Scarlet Knight returns, and demons are showing up again. Um, you know, uh, Velvet finds Orturius, who is uh, her brother-in-law that saved him last time, and he's been helping to raise them. Well-known, you know, get him a guy. But when she when she finds him, uh, she actually sees that uh, that that Artorius has her brother and her her younger brother and he's he Arturius is sacrificing uh Lapiset as part of a ritual and you you he he kills the little bratzoid uh, you don't really see that in too many JRPGs much less you know in a tales of game um he tries to do the same thing to her uh, after that, but she fights. Does he do it graphically, like Mortal Kombat, or is it kind of bloodless? Mm, you know, I I don't exactly remember, but I want to say this, this whole thing is pretty dark. If there might have been like the the blacked out blood that wasn't red, but you know, you knew it was blood type of thing. But it was all pretty gnarly. Um, he tries to then use. Again, I don't. I don't remember even Mortal Kombat actually killing children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you just you you, you see him kind of kill the kid. I don't say there's guts flying all about Mortal Kombat style, but he, you know, it's pretty clear he just sacrificed you know pumpkin to the demon gods. Um, and then uh, and then he tries to use her as well, but she fights back and uh, she gets she gets infected with this demon blight, you know, energy. And it possesses part of her body mutating her arm. And she lashes out with him. She gets all filled with rage and stuff. And, you know, and then it just, um, uh, she goes crazy and starts slaughtering nearby demons before, and, you know, going towards him before 
you know, passing out. And the rest of the game, you know, she wakes up eventually and she's in prison. But the rest of the game sees her really just on this thirst for revenge, you know, and she just really wants to go out and kill him. And this whole quest for revenge, again, it just feels like different playing games like Tales of Symphonia, where it's like, oh, let's go save the world and I'm here to protect the priestess. <laughs> and no, it's like, no, I'm going to kick all their asses. Every time somebody joins a team and mentions something to her, she's like, I'm going to kill him. This isn't up for debate. Let's go. Let's go kick his ass. Where is he at? We're gonna kill. I'm gonna kill him. Revenge. All she could think about is her brother and watching him die by someone she trusted. So is that why she never uh, fixes her clothes that are all ripped apart? Yeah. Looking at some screenshots of here, at least yeah. outfit on, and she's like, her outfit's torn to shreds. Right. Lots and lots of. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's going around now all in these shredded clothes. So she's you know, at the beginning of the game, she's like this wholesome dressed, you know, whatever. And then yeah, for pretty much the rest of the game, unless you change her outfit and setting somewhere, uh, she is going around in this yeah this tattered thing. Uh, she yeah. doesn't care what she looks like anymore. She looks like a badass, uh, but she doesn't care what people think. Um, yeah, she's just a totally different person. It's completely changed her life, and she just wants revenge. So it's a really great setup and definitely had me interested to figure out, you know, how was that going to turn out? Uh, I say that and then I got about halfway through and I got distracted by other more fun games. So, um, you know, but, but it, I, I want to go back. I do want to see, you know, um, you know, how it's going to finish. Oh, yes. Now that I see the screenshot, I, uh, uh, you have jogged my memory. So <laughs> because One of those outfits is not like the others. Yeah, it's not just torn up, but it's, it's scantily clad. I should mention that, of course. Uh, definitely some fan service going on there. Um, she does eventually meet other characters who, you know, they have their own reasons for joining her. One of them is like a little little priest guy or whatever have you that pretty much is um, there to, you know, he's kind, he kind of reminds her a lot of, of her younger brother. He looks, there's some similarities there. Is that the there. in a white robe I see of yeah. in that picture? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it, does, does he speak like a child? Oh, my dear lo- I like you so much. Let me help you. I'm not doing it. Bro. Uh, nope that that one's not ringing any bells. There, can't can't okay. say can't say good. Can't say that's, that's doing good. it. Yeah, but there's definitely some interesting themes. Um, you know, a little cliche in the fact that so you know at least I got about I think about halfway through. Uh, so maybe some things change, but most of the people in the church. So there's this kind of religious church that's out to destroy the the demons or demons, whatever they're called. And they maintain kind of like a law and order, and the kid is part of that church. Uh, and 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 there's a little bit of a cliche in there when okay, the church is the bad guy again. Um, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of bad things going on. You know, with the whole church, and she's the one standing up to the church, and she's the protagonist again. Um, so I find that a little bit to be a little bit cliche. But um, but the other characters uh, are pretty interesting, especially since they're not just you know all here just to save the world or anything like that. You know, she's got her quest for visions, and everyone else who joins up kind of has um, their own uh, motivations. Uh, Row whatever his name is. That's the guy, if you're looking at the picture, he's the one in the robes with the long samurai sword uh, strapped to his back. Uh, he, you know, he's also kind of a half demon uh, or a full, I basically he's kind of like a full demon. I mean, she really looks like she's a demon when she hand lashes out, but um, he's just, he has a human form pretty much all the time, but he's really a demon. Um, but he wants to, he wants to defeat his uh, stronger elder brother, um for for reasons and you gotta play the game to find out a little bit more about those reasons um 
but he joins her because he's escaping some some of the I can't remember if it's the church people or somebody else who was after after him. And you actually get him pretty early. I want to say she helped him escape from the, the prison that she was in. And he's basically journeying with her to pay his debt because he's kind of honor bound. So he's a demon with honor. And because she helped him find his sword, which is very important to him for, for reasons. So Demon with honor. You're making me think of SMT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely kind of uh, along those lines. So, um, yeah. There's, there's definitely, I think the characters are, are, are very interesting, and some of the side conversations are very interesting. So I, I definitely think it's worth uh, worth picking up uh, after, like I said, playing it halfway through. I do strongly desire to get back in there and jump into it and finish it at some point, um, because it, it is pretty cool. Just to see, if nothing else, what's going to happen with the story. Like I said, the battle system for me is nothing, it's tales of. You either love them or you hate them. And this game's not going to change your mind either way. There's some, you know, item creation stuff underneath the hood. And I just, I just don't care about any of that. I just, I just, I want to get on with the story. Uh, Killing stuff is fun enough, I suppose. I get through the battles are fine. So, but I I could definitely recommend it. I could definitely recommend it. If you pick it up, pick it up on sale or something and and give it a whirl. Especially if you love Tales of games. I think, well, it looks that I have it on Steam. I think that just came because there was a Steam sale, and I saw something in there. Oh, hey, look at all these Tales games that are on sale. Okay, I'll get a couple. Well, there but, you go. But it's been only a little more than a year since I played Tales of Hearts, so I think I'll wait a little. I, I have a margin of several years between Tales games, and then I'll be ready for another one. <laughs> we reviewed this game very highly. Yeah, I was about to... Yeah. About... 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, who is a reviewer on that? I think that Colin. was the reason why I bought it was our review. What's that? Colin Milliken. Okay. I read that right. Not All sure. those I's and L's and yeah, really not sure who that is. But yeah, good, good, good game overall. It review. It wasn't just us. A lot of people reviewed it. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to say they gave it 4.5 out of five, but I think most of the reviews were like in the eights. So well, you know that an eight from IGN is a mark of quality. Well, absolutely. You know, absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, IGN is known for using the entirety of its review scale. Uh, 8.8 on IGN. So there you go. A surefire winner. Yeah. uh, Just think of all the games that didn't make it up to an 8.8 on IGN. Mm. Every game that ever got an (laughs) 8.4? Or an 8.3? Or a 7.8? is maybe the median score on that site. I feel like somebody has probably done that study by now. Yeah. There we go. I just feel like they find more ways to make her pose and show more flesh somehow. Uh, so I pasted that in just so you guys could uh, never uh, yes, unsee no. that. When we talked about Tales of Hearts last year, we brought up the DLC costumes and swimsuits. Was Namco Bandai trying to extort money from people through these on Berseria? Or do you remember? Mm, I think so, actually. I want to say yes, that that was like something you could do. You could go and buy the swimsuits. Um yeah. Oh, look, at, look at poor Velvet. That's not a good swim attire. This now, is her regular outfit, normal style. Now, I do remember I did have the option. Now, I, I will say I could see, you know, some people being a little uncomfortable with that. And so I will say you can uh, put back on <laughs> her. You do have other options. They're laughing because I pasted a picture. So I pasted, that's the picture of her village outfit. It just so happens that's also her wearing a mustache and uh, uh, buddy rabbit ears as well. But the clothes, you can wear normal villager clothes 
if you're tired of seeing her run around in shredded clothing. Um, Do you go through any any cold environments, Phil? Oh, yeah. She walks around like these ice mountains wearing those shredded clothing. Because I was thinking exactly <laughs> that. Like, that has got to be a little uncomfortable. But no, it doesn't stop her. She's just so fired up for vengeance that she can ignore all aspects of the climate that are conspiring against her. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what, that mustache is a perfect accessory, reading the screenshot. It is an accessory that has been uh, fished up. Mm-hmm. Those who walk their own paths. There you go. I think we should leave it there. The we don't really want to go any deeper down that hole right now. Yeah. So one thing you'll notice is that she keeps her, uh, you know, after that event that happens her really at the beginning, the first couple hours of the game, uh, and she becomes like, a, a, you know, a daemon or a half daemon or whatever. Her uh, left arm is covered in bandages, uh, you know, so people can't see that it's really a demon arm. And when when she lashes out, it gets really big and she scratches, you know, she claws or whatever with it. And then suddenly it goes back and wraps up and it's it's like Mumra, you know, from the Thundercats. You know, when he gets done busting out those, you know, he's big Mumra and, he, and then he goes back into his pyramid to rest and he shrinks back again. Suddenly the wrappings just come back on magically. It's the same thing. She's like half Mumra. There you go. Thundercat reference for the win. Uh, anywho, uh, that's what I have to say about Tales of Basari. We got one more game here on this segment. It is Ease Origins. Uh, this was developed by Nihon Falcom, published uh, here in uh, in the world, uh, well, basically worldwide, by XC Games on the PC anyways, and that, that's the version uh, we're talking about. Uh, it was released on May 31st, 2012 on Windows. The reason why it's here on this segment is it also came out a couple of years ago uh, February 21st, 2017 on PlayStation 4, May 30th, 2017 on the Vita. Uh, and it's essentially the same game across the board here. So we, we feel it's fine just to go ahead and, and chit-chat about it in case, you know, you're wondering whether or not this two-year-old game is worth getting on sale. And to help us with that, Mr. Minky is going to walk us through his experience with the game. I suppose I should mention that this also came out on the Xbox One last year. And I'm very curious how many people played it only on the Xbox One. This yeah. doesn't seem like a very good, a very large market for JRPG lovers who own Xbox Ones and nothing else. I know, right? Okay, Ease Origin. Story. You actually get to pick between two people at the start of the game. You get to pick between Unica, who is a standard character type. Oh my goodness, she is not confident in her abilities, even though she has been trained to do something for years. But she wields an axe, so even though she looks like a little wafy girl... Oh my goodness, she wields an axe, and she gets up there and smacks things in the face, so she is not your typical little mage girl. Your other character choice is Hugo, a long, long descendant ancestor of the evil dark fact from the very first E's, which doesn't really mean anything, but it's kind of, for those who are up on their E's lore, this is critical knowledge. If you play as him, you do not have an axe. Instead, you are a magician, and you have a couple of orbs that hang off of you, and you get to shoot things from a distance, which makes it play differently than any other Ease game, that's for sure. And the two of them go through pretty much the same story. You're stuck down on the floor, you have to go through the entire Tower of Dom, which you've gone through in a couple of other Ease games, but now you get to do it again. And it's the entirety of the game, and just like before, it has 30 stories, and they're much, much bigger than they were in Ease 1, because that was a very short game, and this is much longer. Combat. Falcom has a knack for having good combat. This continues here. 
You have, I believe, five different difficulty settings. I tried it on the medium. I didn't get that far on the medium. Honestly, it requires some some serious pattern recognition that I just wasn't feeling at the time. But you can play it on super easy or super easy and just blast through it, having fun. The controls are nice and tight. It looks pretty good. You get a nice variety of enemies, even though all of it is inside the damn tower. It's you wouldn't you'd be surprised just how much ground this one gigantic tower can hold. It has underwater sections. It of course has flaming sections. It has a desert inside. Most towers don't have that, but this one does. You get to the top, you fight a boss, which is again a reference to earlier E's history because this is the he's the the head subordinate of the bad guy in E's too. You fight him, you kick his ass with both people. Only once you've played through it with Unica and Hugo do you get the real option. There's this guy who's been hanging around with the bad guys all game. He's called... He has a nickname, The Claw, because that's his weapon. Claws. Which, yeah, I guess that makes him look a little like Wolverine, but so be it. Once you, be, once you are able to play with him, things are a little different. Because, well, now you're actually fighting some of the people who are nominally your allies, at least. And when you get to to the top of the of the tower, yeah, you fight the same boss that everybody that the other two people did. But then you get to go on to the real final boss, which doesn't appear for the other characters. Ooh! And once you kick its ass, there's a real ending, and I'm not remembering what it was right now, unfortunately. <laughs> which shows you how incredibly memorable the story was that I played through the game three times, and I still can't remember what the final ending was. But it's a fun experience, like most other ease games that I've played. It's Quick moving, responsive stuff, enjoyable to play, and again, as there's a theme with the E series of some quality tunes to listen to while you do this, that continues here, and I don't regret the spending any time with it because it was a lot of fun. Good action RPG in the in the nice East tradition. There. Well, thanks, Mike. I, I you know, I, I've I've heard, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, you talk about uh, about this game and others you know, in the series and it's got me super interested. It's, it's, it's like one of those uh, the series I'm dying to play. Um, and I just need more time. Well, you've got plenty of options, Phil. And at the very least, I can say that it's a pretty short game. If you only play mm-hmm. through one character, you can get it done in easily under 10 hours, which I know time is a constraint. It is for most people now. So maybe that helps. Is that a characteristic you see in many of the games later in the series? Most of the Ease games are relatively short. Ease 7 isn't, and that's that's kind of a detriment in Ease 7's case. Ease 8 also isn't, but it sustained its length pretty well, I thought. Hmm. Most, uh, most other games in the series, you can easily finish them in under 20 hours, and you kind of have to be making an effort to take longer than 10 for a lot of them. So I, I, might, yeah. uh, I might see if I can't add those into... Um, you know, a lot of those are on PC, so I might add those uh, into the rotation for 2020's um, CRPG Club, because it's nice having those shorter games in between the more epic RPGs. And one thing that might make it easier for you on PC is the fact that Falcom, unlike so many other Japanese developers, has been developing for PCs for a long time, and I haven't experienced any problems in its PC games. They work just fine which wouldn't be something I felt the need to mention, except that with some other Japanese developers on PC, it does seem to be a consistent issue. So mm. there's that. And I shouldn't have to mention that the game works flawlessly on PC 
as a positive, but apparently I have to. Now, how – yeah, no, you shouldn't, and it's a shame, but it's a, it's totally a thing. Um, or how is Origin different than Chronicles? I mean, are they – is is Origin, like, before Ease 1, like, as far as the timeline goes? Yeah, as far as the timeline, it's set hundreds of years before the rest of them. There are some references to later games that you won't get if you, this is your first one, but it does make a nice starter place because – the series lead of Adol, he is—he isn't even in this game until you. I think he's a bonus character if you beat it on, if you meet certain conditions. But he's not in the story, and for, Adol doesn't talk; so he's a mute. Whereas Unica and Hugo and the Claw do speak, which makes it also a little different from your usual Ease games. But mm. the core experience is pretty similar. With Unica, with Hugo, it does play a little differently because he shoots things from a distance. But none of the enemies are going to want to let you stay at a distance, so you're going to have to constantly be on the move with him. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I can tell you. So, um, you know, looking at looking at my library here, I know that uh, Ease Origins, Ease One and Two, Ease Seven and Ease Eight, for a fact, are on uh, GOG. Um, I know Ease uh, Celsetta is also on Steam. Yeah, it, Celsetta was made straight for the Vita, and I'm not sure if it's what else it could be on yet because Falcom, we know we know the sadness of the Vita not doing as well as it could and should have. Yeah. So uh, many, Steam, Steam also. Vita, this is one of those Vita ex- exclusives that isn't anymore because Falcom, not unreasonably wanted to have it available to a slightly wider audience hmm. um ease uh ease uh blah, 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 ease six the arc of nepotism and ease um uh ease the oath of uh, felgana i think is that five the oath, oath of felgana, felgana is four four okay so you can get four and uh, six on steam those aren't on gog from what i can see but they are on steam that's weird I would think six would be on GOG. Also, six uses pretty much the same engine. Oh, as Origin. nope, it is. I found it. Yeah, both of those, Celsetta and uh, Oath of. Uh, uh, is that the one I had said it was on? Yeah, yeah, they are both on GOG as well. So get them DRM oh, oh, free. Okay. okay, there's Oath and Felgana, which is a remake of three, mm. and there's uh, Arch- whatever the Celsetta one. That's the remake of four. Oh, and let me just see if nepotism is in uh, GOG. GOG. Yeah, because I'm having to like type these in, like, because if you just put in YS, it just it doesn't work. You find work. a lot of stuff. It just it doesn't work out. You know, um, it's uh, amazing how many times Y and S follow each other on game titles. It really is. Uh, yeah, nepo- uh, nepotism or nepotism or whatever the hell it's called. I'm not see. I think that's the one that huh. might not be on. GOG. I'm a, I'm gonna try a different way of search. I'm just gonna search on Google for GOG results and see if I can pull it up that way. Um, or what if I just search for BI because it really is that's in the title. Not oh, too many BIs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, like too many Roman numeral sixes out there. Try and yeah, trying to find these e games. You know, in these stores that have thousands of games, it's just not the right title for it. You know, and then they spell them weird, so it's not like you can just remember it and type it in. All right, here we go. Uh, that seems to be a thing with Falcom. Falcom likes to come up with, well, 
the oh. way it distinguishes these things is with it's I found it. Yeah, nep- nepotisms in there. Well, I, have a, I must have a lot of I must have a lot of ease games. Holy cow! And six, you can finish pretty fast. Oath and Felgana, you can finish pretty fast. Uh, Celsetta, that one will take you a little longer, so I wouldn't recommend it as your first. But I had a lot of fun with it. Wow. And that leaves, of course, exactly one ease game that has never been officially released outside of Japan, and Falcom might be remaking as we speak. Ease five. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. I figured out a way to pull them all up in GOG. At least I have. Okay, so I definitely have Ease one, <laughs> Ease two, Ease Origin, uh, Ease Felgana, which you said is three, right? Yes. And then uh, Nepotism. Oh no, Nepotism six. So Celsada is four. Four. Five hasn't come out. Six, seven, and then eight. So uh, I can play them all except for the one that never got out of here. And is that like a big miss out? Like, do you feel like you're missing a big part of the story because we don't have that one out here? I, I played it in Japanese. I don't remember a whole lot of the story, but it felt kind of bland and generic. So you don't feel fine. like there's this big hole in your life when you went from the no. English version of four to six or anything like that. No. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. I mean, because they do t- take play goofy things with timelines anyway. Eight takes place before seven for some reason. Ah. Interesting. You know, we, we, yeah, we may very well start weaving these in. It might take 20, 2020 and 2021 because we'll do it like, you know, we'll just kind of weave them in with the gold box games and everything else we're doing. But yeah, I, I think that'll be a good idea for next year. Cool. All right. You convinced me. Just remind me in case I forget. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Sorry about any typing. I was trying to softly type as I was searching for all these ease games. If you got that on the recording, <laughs> it's just, I'm like trying, I have a very loud keyboard. There's like no niceness and softness to it. Uh, anywho, well, thank you, Mr. Mike. That's our blast from the segment. We're going to take a break and wrap this up uh, by reading lots of your comments here on the final lap.
Alrighty, welcome back. This is uh, the final app where we read your comments, talk, tell you what we're all doing, kitchen sink stuff, uh, and the such. We're going to start off with the comments, of course. Uh, and our last episode was number 200, our Magnus Opus, <laughs> an octopus at the opera. And we have a few comments. There is. Yeah, it looks, the first one seems to be from some crazy guy with a couple of slimes as a mascot. Who yeah. could it be? Uh, I think he's a slimy individual, whoever he is. He says, by some accounts, the longest backtrack ever. Well, if, if, if ever we need... 14 seconds, it was. If ever we need... If ever we really, really want to exceed this record, we know how to do it. We'll find something with a really memorable soundtrack and just post pretty much all of it. Yeah. Yeah, we worked that, really... That... Really hard. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. Like, so before uh, before this, uh, it was the Disgaea episode, I believe. That was our longest, right? Um, Correct. I and think, yeah. I don't... And th- th- well, that partly came about because we had a whole lot of time to do our final lap because our effort to do the main event and the final lap in one night went down due to technical difficulties. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, to be honest, I don't remember if on that episode I was using uh, the, I use compression nowadays where I will take out, like if there is a pause in our conversations, we're trying to think about what to say next. It removes those and it could take a, a four hour podcast and reduce it to chop off 20 minutes or so. Cause those little pauses all add up. I don't remember if I was doing that back in those days, but I definitely did it I on the final you, fantasy. I think you were. The, the Disgaea episode wasn't uh, too pausey. I want to say the Disgaea episode was about five years ago. Yeah. The, the ums and the ooms and the let me thinks will still make it in because it doesn't trigger the filter. But if we just stay, if you just stay silent, the filter filters those out nowadays. But yeah, I've been using it for a while, so it's not brand new. But I found out it really makes the the podcast a little bit more listenable. And of course, if you're using your famous, uh, if you're using your favorite podcast player, I listen to podcasts all the time. Uh, it, it's always nice to use those faster options if you want to hear faster. And a lot of podcasts I listen to, I usually play uh, at least one point five to one point eight, depending on the speaker. But if they got like a heavy British accent, I gotta slow it down to like one point three because otherwise it just gets crazy, crazy. Uh, Wheel says, really bummed I couldn't make it this week. But then thinking about it, I haven't actually played through Final Fantasy VI in some time. Time to fix that. Well, that, I, I, there's no excuse. Sorry, Wheels. There's no excuse why you haven't played Final Fantasy VI lately. I'm also not sure what, what was so important that you couldn't be there. Yeah. What did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, are you saying that maybe your family came first? What the heck is this? Your priority Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was too busy playing Overwatch, probably. The uh, Shaman, uh, Shaman says. Do you want to read what Shaman said? My turn? Yeah. Regarding CRPG Club Valkyria Chronicles, original on Switch is $20. Same as the manufacturer's standard retail price on other platforms. It just doesn't go on sale as often. I remember seeing FF3, which of course was FF3 back then, for the first time when my brother's friend brought over the game to show off the ending. And I remember how he broke the fight in half with Ultima Spam, which you can do. I tried to get into the Super Nintendo version, but didn't end up beating it until the GBA. In retrospect, that should have been a sign. And then some—I believe somebody responded to that particular comment. Maybe you know who whose response this is, Phil. Well, well yes, I do. In fact, uh, he says, "Ah, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, <clears throat> gotta use the right voice here." Well, that's good to know. 
I just know when my brother was looking at buying it, it was running 30 to 40 dollars while I was seeing like 10 dollars on the Steam version. Should have been a sign of what? As far as the other line goes, you know. Retrospection yeah, and sign. I'm not I'm not sure what what a sign it is of. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely get Valkyria Chronicles uh on the Switch for 20 bucks. I I did verify that, uh, you know, after that, so I'll do a retraction there. I think it was just back when we were looking at it when it first came out. Uh maybe I'm wrong. But my brother was looking at it, and and he was telling me that's what it was. So I was just going on his word on it. Uh, he's also in a different region, so it's possible it was just a region pricing issue. Uh, but yeah, if you want to buy it nowadays, it's twenty bucks. Uh, and and you know, as I said before, I, I definitely think it's worth uh, you know discount tw- you know twenty bucks. I'll, I'll still say the Steam version if you have a choice and you don't mind like the, the Steam version. You'll get it usually. You can find it on sale. Uh, for cheaper than that, I mean, it does retail twenty bucks on Steam though, but Steam has more sales. Is the point? Uh, and the Steam version, I feel like, will probably look a little bit better. But yeah, you know, it's it's a it's an older game, so I, I don't think it would look too bad on the Switch. And it's you know cell shaded, so it's just a question of how well the you know the Switch could handle its output. And since I didn't play Switch version, I can't really say. But uh, well, try of it. course, we know that everyone wants to buy it on the iPhone version. Uh, yeah, be, I know, right? I will say after playing after playing some of the PSP Valkyrie Chronicles too, like if you're really hankering for Valkyrie Chronicles on the go, just play the Switch. Please, just play the Switch version. Just do yourself a favor, play the Switch version. Um, yeah, because that's not worth it. It just no, no. I'm sorry. Um, well, yeah. we maybe we maybe everyone should get Valkyria Revolution instead. Yeah, I will say I will say like Valkyria Chronicles Four. Um, uh, that's another one that is constantly going on sale for thirty bucks. And but if you buy it retail, either on Steam on the Switch, it's sixty. But uh, you're gonna find it. I I I don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen it on the Switch on sale. Not that I'm necessarily looking for it, but I have seen it pop up on, on Steam. I will say another problem with, with Switch, I love Switch, don't get me wrong, but when you know on Steam, I can wishlist stuff, and it will send me an email when those things go on sale, but Switch doesn't send me email. I don't even think I do wishlist. There's no wishlist on... I tend to bookmark the games I'm looking for on the Switch on their store, and I just have to go and look at my bookmark once in a while, or I see it on Twitter because somebody tweeted it. It's kind of silly. They need to do a better job of that. Silly Nintendo. We digress. I believe, I believe that statement could be applied to an innumerable number of scenarios, don't you, Phil? I know, right? Yeah, especially when it comes to Nintendo's online presence and functionality. Yeah. Hey, Mr. New Guy, do you have the comments pulled up? I do, I do. You want to go right. ahead and read uh, Sucker Angels? Well, now, the funny thing is you responded. So, Minky, you read it since we both responded. We'll do our responses. <laughs> Congrats for the 200th episode. I believe this is my first time commenting on the show. I have been following the show since episode 15. For me, FF6 is a great entry in the series, even though FF5 is my favorite. You know, I'm not going to come down on you for liking FF5. That's a really good game. I like FF6 more, but that's just me. A great addition to a Super Nintendo collection. With the version on Steam or cell phones... Just because of the sprites. People hate it. But it still has the great experience overall. That's possible. That's possible. Okay. I don't feel like I don't feel like trying it though. About Compile Heart slash Idea Factory trashing for the last five episodes in a row. I've been a fan for the Neptunias and some of the other games, minus Agarest. Those are awful, wretched, horrible pieces of filth that deserve destruction. 
I may have added a bit there, but you get the idea. You might paraphrase his four-letter word. Mary Skelter is very good. I've been addicted to dungeon crawlers, and this game is fun. Out of the purification system, you have to do at least one for the character in your party. And I think I know exactly what he's referencing, something that will make me feel uncomfortable later. Mary Skelter is a fun game. Uh, I disagree, but I'll say <clears throat> that it's better than other Idea Factory and Compile Heart stuff that I've played, which isn't setting the bar very high, but is nevertheless safely cleared. So there you go. I will agree with you that Mary Skelter is better than Agarest. What a compliment. And Dead End Request via the, made by the same team. So there. Congrats again, guys. And I hope one day for a Compile Heart episode from you guys. He even paid us money for it. I'm not... Where'd the money go? I didn't see any money. Did you see money, Phil? Yeah, I, I, no, yeah, I paid you money for it. I missed that line. Um, yeah, okay. I, I saw that at one point and then forgot, but yeah, that, that was stuck out there again in the reading. All right. Uh, well, we'll let we'll let new guy read his response. Some new guy posted it right after that one. It was like, long-time listener, question mark. That was me last year, and then I bit the bullet, tried out, and joined the staff, and have enjoyed being on the backtrack. What other Compile Heart games do you enjoy or would enjoy hearing about? And, and I will say, like, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, we mentioned this, I think, when you first joined on our show, but it's really mm-hmm. funny because I first met Matt on the Facebook group, the Turn-Based RPG group, um, where I chatted there for a while, and, and, and Matt and I went, you know, back and forth and chit-chatted about some stuff. I, I got kind of... Um, let's say up unhappy with Facebook and left, which means I was out of that group too. Uh, but Matt kind of followed me over here to RP gamer. I was, I was, I was often posting like RPG backtrack episodes over there and, and, and sharing the, the joy and awesomeness of RP gamer. I keep it up. The last one, episode 200 had uh, quite a lot of comments on it. Oh, there you go. Uh, then meanwhile, I'm a Luddite who doesn't even use Facebook. No, no. As much as I miss being part of that community, that was probably one of the bright spots of my Facebook history. There's just too much darkness going on over there. So, uh, I won't get into the politics of it. Do your own research. Anywho, uh, I wrote back first. I want to thank you for listening. It is awesome that you have listened to nearly all our shows. That, my friend, is dedication. Second, we'll definitely discuss these comments on the air. And I'm pretty curious as to what other Compile Heart games you enjoy as well. Thank you again. And so, and what I want to say to that is we we, we, we will take on your challenge. Mickey's already playing a, a game. Um, he has uh, so joyfully donated a game into my account for the cause. And uh, and I have started it on that today, actually. And Matt, weren't you, weren't you saying that you are, you are taking on a Neptunia for yourself? Yep, I'm going to do a Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth number three. And the funny thing is, those games are on Humble Bundle. I tweeted this. They're like, you can get like a bajillion of them now for like 10 bucks. Think yeah, about- there's nine, nine of them, I think, in a package right now. Yeah, think about the think about the value there. There's like hundreds and hundreds of of awesome game in there. I feel like I need to buy it just to gift it to somebody. I wonder who ever figures out what your intro, your new intro is about. Wait, wait, wait. 
Maybe you should give it to Wheels. Ooh. Yeah, that's what he should get just, for just not. Give him, just give him, just give him a Neptunia. Don't we know he won't take Mugen Soul Z? Oh, there's no Mugen Souls. It's all Neptunia games. Um, we actually, if, if I we're think discussing this ironically, Wheels likes the Neptunia. I think I don't think he likes all of them, but he has liked at least one that I know. Correct. Yeah. You get you get Amnesia Memories, which I, I've never heard of that one before. You get Hyperdimension Rebirth 1, which has overwhelmingly positive. 95% out of 8,003 users have given it a thumbs up on Steam. Yeah. That one just got a whole bunch of DLC added to it within the past month, too. Well, and you get you get the Coliseum and character DLC with that. I was just about to mention that, and that looks like it's 90% for DLC. That's pretty damn good. You, you get Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 2, the Deluxe Edition. Um, for, uh, and that, that is what you get, I think, for $1. For $7, you get, uh, Rebirth 3, which is Hyperdimension Neptunia 5 Generation. I don't know how that, that works. Hyperdimension Neptunia 5 Rebirth 3. If that doesn't confuse the sh out of you, I don't know what does. You get, every title does. <laughs> you get Hyperdimension Neptunia U Action Unleashed. You get Four Goddesses <laughs> Online Deluxe Pack. Uh, which actually the full name is Cyber Dimension Neptunia Four Goddesses Online Deluxe Pack. Oh, um, Cyber Dimension Neptunia. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite as hyper. It's not quite as hyper. Uh, but it is very cyber now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just hmm. and for twelve bucks total, you get to add on uh, Mega Dimension Neptunia Five Digital Deluxe Edition. And you also get wow. the VR edition of that game as well, the Mega Dimension Neptunia 7R Deluxe Bundle, which I believe is the VR edition. So, yeah. Now, you, where are you looking for these? Are you uh, on PSN? Yeah, just go to just uh, Humble Bundle. No, just just go to humblebundle.com. Okay. It's right on there. Because holy cow, look, they are not on sale on Steam at the moment. Yeah, Idea no. Factory Complete Neptunia Bundle for. $199.91. So why I know our listeners wow. only want the best, so why pay 12 bucks on Humble when you can pay $200 on Steam? <laughs> now let's, let's compare apples to apples here. Mike, getting for that $200, surely it cannot be a simple nine-game bundle like this. Well, I have to actually look. I was looking at the results for all of Steam's Neptunia searches, and oh my goodness, contact in this content in this product may not be appropriate for all ages or may not be appropriate for viewing at work yeah that is that is hey My that goodness. is hyper dementia for you speaking of by the way i will say um, oh, oh that 199.91 that's 20 percent off Ooh, well wait a minute our listeners our, our listeners want the best the they'll they'll wait for it to come off sale oh, you get hyper hyper dimension neptunia rebirth one Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 3 V Generation. Hyperdimension Rebirth 2 Sisters Generation. Hyperdimension Neptunia U Action Unleashed. Hyperdevotion Noir Goddess Blackheart. Mega Dimension Neptunia 7. Mega Tagmension Blanc plus Neptune versus Zombies. Hyperdimension Neptune versus Sega Hard Girls. And Cyber Dimension Neptunia Four Goddesses Online. That, that's only nine games again. This humble bundle is looking more and more amazing at every time. 
Yeah, and I believe it gives me the Steam code, so the best part is I can actually give this. And that's kind of important because now I think I mentioned I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but Steam doesn't let me buy games anymore to gift. Like if there's a Steam sale going on, what I used to do was I would buy them and then gift them to you guys, usually like Twitter giveaways and things like that. Um, they took that away because I guess what people were doing was they were turning around and selling them on black markets for, for a markup when the games were no longer on sale. Uh, GOG still lets me do that, so uh, from what I understand. Uh, and But if you're on a Humble Bundle, um, whether you're on the monthly deal or you do a, a thing like this, it's just giving you the Steam codes, which you can then give to your friends. So it's pretty funny because the black market thing could still be a thing. Um, I'm sure someone's got Neptunia black market they're working on right now after listening to this podcast. Uh, just going to really make people pay out the wazoo for these Neptunia games. Or mm, maybe... I just thought of a way to get a little bit of extra money here. Thank yeah, you. I know, right? It reminds me, like, back in the day, I remember it was so hard to find um, Alpha Centauri. Um, you know, the term-based Sid Meier. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. kind of like a Civilization spinoff. And I really wanted it. But everywhere I look on eBay, it was so expensive. And this is before it was on GOG. So, but then one day I walk into Walmart and they had it as part of a five different game collection. I think that include like Red Alert and stuff for like 20 bucks, but there was only like a few games there. So I bought them all and then I turned around to eBay and sold them. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah, I made myself a little profit off of that. So, um, you, you said you were in uh, Walmart for that one? Yeah, it was like, I think, I believe it was Walmart back in the day. So, I want to say my, my only eBay turnaround and sell something I bought was uh, digital cameras in, like, 2002 at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Deep discount. And, ooh, you get a three-megapixel camera back then. Ooh. When everybody was at two, and I think I paid, like, 150 for five cameras and immediately went home and had to buy it now for 200 on all of them. Hmm. Well, at least mm-hmm, you nice. weren't a couple, or at least you weren't one of the people who was buying up NES classics and selling them later for ridiculous upgrade. Oh, yeah. um, right, mm-hmm. right. That I, wasn't I, you. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I do not have my NES classic. I want to install it either. Guess I should put that in there too. Well, of course, if you were doing that, then you weren't buying it to play it. You were just buying it, keeping it in the box, and then immediately reselling it. Sounds like some uh, good business sense to me. Capitalism. It's a wonderful thing for some. Okay. For the people selling. Buy low, sell high. While I'm on here, uh, you know, it's really, I, I don't look at Humble Bundle, I guess, enough. There is, uh, you, you know, you guys have listened to me. You know, I love tabletop RPGs. Uh, I'm mostly playing D&D 5th Edition nowadays, but I still do play Pathfinder. I do have one group that, that plays Pathfinder still. And I really love the the, the setting, you know, Galarian. Um and I've got a ton of their books, you know, on the shelves, and I'm not getting rid of them. But they have this humble bundle deal where, for 18 bucks, you get a crap ton of their books. A lot of rule books, a lot of flavor books. So even if you're not in, if if you're playing D and D fifth, and you just want, you know, like you know, books that get go in more in detail about humans and halflings and such, that's all included. The flavor books, uh, race books. But if you haven't, if you haven't got any of the rule books, they're all here as PDF, which I use nowadays. Um, while I have the physical books on the shelf, more times than not, I'm opening up the PDFs and looking through those and reading them on my iPad. Uh, but they got that for eighteen bucks. This is the if you bought these PDFs separately, it would be hundreds of dollars, if not up to a thousand. Um, that's a pretty darn good deal. So yeah, six more days. I don't know if I will get the podcast edited that quick. I'm gonna try, but dang, nab it. 
That is really cool. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tweet that. Anywho, I mean, you already you already tra- tweeted out the Neptunia. I yeah, I know, right? I bought the, the, the other one has to deserve a tweet. Yeah, I just uh, I that is that is pretty pretty good. Oh, and they've got a whole bunch of oh, they got like a bunch of Star Trek comic books. Um, yeah, got some pretty cool things in here. Something worth looking at. I guess I should keep an eye on the website sometimes. Uh, and their monthly deal, while we're sitting here giving this free plug that they are totally not paying us because they really aren't. Uh, I got to plug this just because it's got one of my favorite games in it. But if you become a monthly member now, which I'm not, but I'm just saying if you do, you get Earth Defense 4.1. One of the best games of all time on your PC. <laughs> Seriously, I play with my brothers on the PC. I got both. I paid for both the... I paid for both the PC and the PlayStation 4 version of that game. And I think I paid, what, is it 40, 50 bucks? So I've paid 100 bucks altogether because Earth Defense Force is that much fun. Uh, and here you can get it for 12 bucks and you're going to get Warhammer Vermintide Collector's Edition with that. And and some, you'll get, you know, you'll get more games next month, I guess. If you're, anywho, but yeah, pretty cool. I wonder if that comes with the DLC. There were some extra mission DLCs. They're not critical, but they're cute. Anywho, uh, we we oh we were reading comments right. So back to the comments about the, somehow we started. It does we were, come with all the DLC. It says up there in the banner. Ooh, there you go. All the DLC. So you're going to get those extra missions. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's like it already comes. The base game already comes with like 80, 90 missions, and those DLCs each have a couple of dozen. So oh yeah, it's, it's an insane amount of missions. It's so much fun to play with your friends. Uh, it works really well with Steam. The controls inside of Steam to get the group together is a little funky, but once you get used to it, it's fun. Play Wing Diver or Ranger. Ranger's a little bit easier. Wing Diver is more mobile and uh, more glass cannon-y, but, um, but just a ton of fun. Uh, anyways, going back to uh, a Sucker Angel's uh, comment. Yes, we are all now playing a Compile Heart game where you take it on your challenge. You never told us which one uh, on on the comments, so we just all kind of like picked our – well, somebody picked for me. But, you know, we're all picking our, our game, and we'll give it our best shot. And we're going to put together a Compile Heart episode just because you requested it. I don't know what Mike's probably thinking. You're thinking that might be like in 10 episodes or so? We'll see. We'll see. He's got a schedule, so and whenever he's working it in. I need some time to work through it because uh, I'm playing mine at, when I'm working out on the PlayStation. So, and I work out like two to four hours a week. So it'll, it'll take me probably two to three months, depending on how long it is. And if you want a clue as to which game I'm playing, just follow my Twitter handle, at JCServant, because I just uploaded a screenshot. And you know it's really Compile Hearts game because they made sure to put their little stamp on the bottom with the screenshot. Copyright stamp. It's hilarious. All right, new guy, why don't you read Badai's comment? All right, quite good there on your estimate of about two months, looking at how long to beat. But beside that, let's go back to Budai here. Uh, Budai said, yeah, I got a little behind on the podcast backlog, and I was saving this one. So I sit down, the five-hour epicness of this one, good as it looks, since like many of you, Final Fantasy VI is my all-time favorite game. Where you, but I, well, yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy we made you happy. Uh, that's what we aim to I do. No, what it looks like. What looks? Good as it looks. As good as it looks. <laughs> it looks like a five-hour time bar on your podcast, your favorite podcast player. <laughs> that's, that, that's about it. Uh, if we upload my face as like the cover art. <laughs> Then it's going to look dashing and debonair, but we didn't. So 
I think you got like the RP gamer dragon or something along those lines. I should, so, I should... so basically, likely he never followed up with any other comments after that, but he probably likely did find it as good as it looks. Yeah, and hopefully better. Yeah. Well, I think it looks like the Final Fantasy VI logo, which oh, is... that that is true. Oh, okay. There we go. Well, he was that, on the, well, well, that does look good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're using that, that that does look good there, right? I, I guess I could have gone retro and dug up a Final Fantasy III logo, but you know, we've known what it really is for years now. It's nice to remember when it was Final Fantasy III, but uh, we don't need we don't need to lie to ourselves anymore. It's six, and the real Final Fantasy III is not as good as the Final Fantasy III that we thought was not that we thought was not six for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, hmm. So thank you. Thank you all so much for your comments. Uh, definitely really appreciate them. You can always do that, uh, over at rpgamer.com. Just go to RPG backtrack. Always leave your comments on the latest show. Even if you're listening to old shows, uh, because that's the only place I look, I don't look through all the old shows comments, uh, you know, and the such, uh, that would be way too much work. Uh, I also got, uh, we also got a lot of likes when we posted that up, uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, the show we got lots of likes on it. So we really, really appreciate those of you who are following us on Twitter or following me on Twitter uh, and sharing uh, this with your with your followers uh, or putting a like on it, which usually makes it show up on their timeline. So we really, really appreciate the shout outs. Uh, it's really encouraging. And it's one of the reasons why we continue to do this. We like to see that. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can you can also use the hashtag RPG backcheck, by the way. If you ever want to reach out and leave some comments, just do hashtag RPG Backtrack, um, and I will see it. Um, and in fact, speaking, yeah, no, that comment's really too old. I won't read that one. <laughs> Someone used it, used the hashtag, but it's kind of out of date. I use it a lot. If you, if you just don't want to, I know not everybody wants to follow, you know, everything that I say because um, I'm a little political sometimes. Totally understandable. If you're just following the hashtag RPG Backtrack, whenever I am tweeting about the crpg club i use that hashtag when i'm tweeting about the podcast i use rpg backtrack and sometimes i use both so it's a good way to kind of keep up with what's going on without you know worrying about the other stuff i write about so cool there's a little twitter that's one of the reasons i like twitter uh anywho uh i guess we could do the round table oh, i will mention that uh we will be you know when we get around to rpg backtrack at number 202 uh we it's uh, it's going to be about a little known series very obscure uh in fact i i i doubt you know many of our i'd be surprised if even two of our many many listeners have heard of it mr minky is it the one that we actually got a new nerd episode recently focusing on yeah yeah i believe so and 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 i think the i think the key to knowing which series we're talking about is you got to look into yourself you got to look into your past you got to look into your childhood it's just it's just it's going to be hard because some of you have to go really far back and it, you, it, you especially it have to think about all the things that weren't part of people's childhoods when this series started but now have become part of it of people's childhoods because this series keeps going and the entity with properties that are used in it continues to grow and grab more properties. And sometimes you just got to let it go. Yes, you do. Sometimes you can't, you just can't hold it back anymore. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. But maybe the cold don't bother you anyway, so it's not a big deal. (laughs) 
Anyway, so you can look forward to that. That's episode 202. Um, hopefully we'll get to that. We got kind of a tentative date of March 12th for recording, so we'll see how well that works out. Uh, let's do our famous... We're definitely going to need Miss Kelly for that one because I can't speak much about that series. No, I have played one game out of like the 28 and a half weirdly named titles there are game to, you know so yeah um yeah you definitely don't want me you know being the only voice uh of non-reason on that one um anywho uh let's talk let's do round tabley stuff uh and and since miss relly had to step out uh since we're running so late i guess new guy gets to go first yay um Start off since we were talking about a uh, old podcasts um, fan. There brought that up. Um, I thought it was interesting this weekend. I was listening to episode eighty-two. Um, I think you were doing the Div- Digital Devil Survivors, um, and a couple real gems from there. First off, Manny is awesome when you listen to him at like one point eight speed. Uh, you guys used <laughs> to have on sped up. I mean, it, it, it's you're talking like a chipmunk because. He was. He already talks pretty quick, but listening to the final lap of that is a great one because it has the original first impression about his uh, Mugen Souls. Nice. That is referenced all the time. I hear him talk about that as a horror story. He even tweeted about it when you tweeted out the humble bundle yesterday. So, uh, just he was like, "Yeah, I got this new game, Mugen Souls." And instantly, my ears perked up. I'm like, oh, the origin story. So that was pretty funny. Um, have, let's see, since last we spoke, since episode 200, I have finished Etrian Odyssey Nexus. Um, clock and the completion time are about 10 hours off. So uh, I, I definitely had a lot of game overs in there. And I had to do some backtracking and reloading. So I did not play a lot of the staff I've heard... Um, did the picnic mode. I, I didn't go quite that easy. I went the second easiest level, and it took about 70 hours. So it, it's a good amount of content. Uh, the post game, from what I understand, is quite extensive. I think I'll take my uh, DRPG break for a while before I touch that one. Um, it's a good game. This is a perfect send-off on the 3DS. Um, I know they've already hinted last summer that they'll uh, continue this series and seems likely to be on the switch. Interesting to see what they do with that. But this game, it's a, it's a lovely stuff brings back a lot of the old stuff. Maybe wanted to love it a little bit more than I did. Um, Back away from a lot of the experimental stuff like untold one and two did, but then again, Etrian Odyssey five did as well. Um, Like with Grimoire's, the Grimoire Stones, and they had some cooking elements in games that could add bonuses to dungeons back to um, four, the earlier entries. It's got a lot of the quality of life stuff. Um, not so much game-breaking ones, but it, it's it got a bunch of dungeons from the old games. It's got a bunch of dungeons from the new ones. Um, in Odyssey 5, people thought maybe it was a step too far back with just having your Five stratums of five levels and 25 levels, and boom, you're done. This one's got way more than that. Five dungeons, like four had, and single floor ones, and all these different things returning. So I really had a fun time with that. And I have started along with Wheels. We've been playing uh, Yokai Watch 3. 
we moved into, which is an appropriate one to talk about with uh, our Dragon Quest chat here tonight, because the puns are definitely as strong in Yokai Watch 3 as they were in Dragon Quest 8 and 9. It, it, it's pretty great. I've had some conversations um, with Mr. Baker trying to figure out how some of these puns that work so well in English, how did they work in Japanese as well? And he's done a little research for me, and they do. They really put forth a lot of effort. They can. I yeah, I've read. I don't know. His, who... I've read some of his articles. I particularly found ridiculously in depth the article on Bubsy chapter titles in Japanese. That was <laughs> wow. I don't think there were more than five people in the world clamoring for that. But uh, thank you, good sir, because no one else was ever going to to. Fill that function. <laughs> um, it was a little bit of an adventure, actually, to find and purchase. Um, like, this one got released, and I mean, I know the 3DS is all but dead here with Persona Q2 coming up, and that's about it. But it, it's it's a real surprise this game even came out in the United States. The tree titles haven't really been tearing up the charts. And this is a big game. It's got a lot of content, and there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of puns to make. Day it came out, Amazon had been telling me for a few weeks they had no clue what they. We don't know. We have no date for you. We don't know if we'll get it to you. Um, the day it went out, I just happened to be in downtown Orlando, and I live twenty miles outside of Orlando. And I thought, yeah, I'm here. I'm usually not downtown. I need to weave my way back home. And I called all the Game Stops along the way as I was going, and I think every Game Stop had one copy and. One copy reserved by somebody, and finally on my third or fourth try, the uh, lady had to ask me to repeat the name of the game. You know, always a good sign when the manager is like, "What? I, what game is that? I don't even know what that game that is." Um, and she found one buried in a box in the back of the room. I had no idea it was release day or whatever, but I did get my copy, and I've been playing for a couple weeks, and I'm enjoying it as much as I have the first two. Uh, I need to get my Nexus review together this weekend. And we'll see where the winds of fate or uh, Alex Fuller take me next. Um, sweet. I, I really love hearing you talk about Nexus. It's right here on my, it's like right here in front of me on my, <laughs> I'm never going to get to it in this lifetime because I want to play the other ones first. But of course <laughs> I bought it because I, I love dungeon crawlers. I love Persona Q and, and it's just going to sit here until I get to it one day. Are you going to talk about how far you are in Persona Q? Because I know you've been playing that. Yeah, I can. I love Q. Anywho, anything else? Um, That's about it. haven't really done much on the site because I've been spending a whole month getting through Nexus, but I have some exciting Dragon Quest things to put up since this is a Dragon Quest podcast. Tonight, I uh, hope to get a Dragon Quest feature started in the next uh, month or two. I've out Nexus, and once I get that up, we'll see what we can do with that. That's about it for me right now helps if I'm not on mute. How about you, Mr. Minky? <laughs> well, let's see here. I put up a review for something called Heroes Trials last week, I want to say, which I didn't talk about because it was a very short game that I completed in under two hours. And yet it took me a little while to get that review up because it was also not a particularly interesting game. It's clearly geared around speed runs because you are on a timer throughout the game. Ooh. Uh, you get a quick panel of text from your instructor saying, this is what you've got to go do now. And then the timer starts. 
and if you, the timer runs down, you get game over. So e- even though there are a few points when people talk to you, the timer is still going. So you can't, re- you really don't necessarily want to, you want to be paying attention to that more. And okay, so getting past that, uh, you play as a brother and a sister who want to become heroes. The brother fights pretty much identically to Link in overhead Zelda titles. He's got a sword. If you hold the attack button for a minute, he'll do a spinning slash, and he learns to use bombs, and that's that's really about it, because this is a short game. And his sister, she can shoot things from a distance. And you go through, you kill some stuff, you get up to a shocking plot twist that means nothing, because the script for this game could probably be performed by someone in audio form in under a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the final boss that I'm still not entirely sure how I beat it, but I did. And then, oh my goodness, I got the credits and I think it took me back to a point where I could do something else, but it froze and I couldn't get it to do anything. So I closed the game down after sitting there for about 10 minutes, alternately seeing if the Vita was just frozen or... No, it wasn't the Vita, it was just the game. And I gave it a review. And I don't have a whole lot more to say about it except to go through each individual stage, which even then wouldn't take that long because there aren't very many of them. So, Heroes Trials. This is all good to know because when you got the Vita code, or code being thrown around too, and after you said you would do it and play it, and I was given the PS4 code, and I have not yet put that in, probably take me now longer to put in. <laughs> well, at the very least, I have doubtless given you the useful information that it is very short. Yeah, I could see taking a couple hours one night and doing something different. It may not, it may even take an hour and a half or less. I, I mean, I got a couple of game overs, but this thing is clearly geared around getting it done fast and then making a record and then bragging to people about it. <laughs> I was going to say, is this some sort of a trophy hunter game for PSN? doesn't seem to be. I mean, I got some trophies in it, but I have seen footage of a few Trophy Hunter games. I was not getting trophies popping up constantly. Though, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm just missing it, and I played it so badly that I could have been getting trophies constantly and didn't. I, I don't think I'm that bad, but it's possible. Anyway, that's that's Heroes Trials. I Honestly, you can go read the review, and even that isn't particularly long, because this isn't a very complicated game. Anyway, that's Heroes Trials. I also finally finished a review for Pillars of Eternity, which will probably be going up soon, as soon as I can get a second proof for it. Ooh, and I think I could get on that tonight. Up to you, man. It's not exactly a burning urge on the site, but since the new site isn't completely filled with our old content yet, Scott's review for original review for Pillars of Eternity hasn't yet been ported onto it, which might be good for some purpose. Could happen. <laughs> and then there's this thing that I've been playing. This thing called Mary Sayer Nightmares. Hi ho, hi ho! It's off to work we go. I just, you know, it's just think Snow White, Seven Dwarves. My mind goes there. You know, before I go into the characters, Phil. I want. I wrote this down. There is a merchant who sells all of the items that I'm about to name, which are affection items. You give these to the girls, and they might like them, they might not. So let's go through this. Water bottle. Cheap poultice. 
napped sheet, pilled blanket, large flower seed, damaged canteen, torn crafting book, sweet romance novel, secret (laughs) gardening, stink poison manual, boring comic book, modern ancient tome, fashionable ribbon, metal orgill, open piggy bank, partial sewing set, dangerous solder, torn pillow, wood mug, frayed sunshade, broken umbrella, etched fountain pen, one-eared teddy bear, (laughs) painted canvas, lucky clover, charred newt, meatless pancake, I find that interesting. I've never thought of pancakes <laughs> as being meat filled with meat. <laughs> I guess not. Ugly meteor chunk. Old basketball. Steel bat. Power hitter's bat. Spiked baseball. Sticky gloss. Lame chic cosmetics. Sturdy sandbag. Eerie wood doll. Handmade charm. UV sun no block. Dark makeup. <laughs> Super shampoo brush, high-end fragrance, pencil lipstick, slimy moisturizer, decorated origami, strange crystal, cute insectivore, violet mirror, melodic compact, novelesque planner, moody paper lamp, homemade liquor, burned pan, legendary album, delicious bouquet, heart-shaped cards, ornamental elf, Yes, you can buy ornamental elves to give to the girls. <laughs> Holographic watch, basket keychain, witch specimen, giant's treasure, fine minotaur steak, hangover honey. Maybe you could use that. <laughs> Troubling grimoire, pink projector, Asian Ouija board, mobile fish tank, talking moai statue, safe elevator boots, iron fist gloves. Collared apron, near broken radio, and jumping plane model. I would love to see your official review of the game just be that list. Every number at the bottom that you put could almost be justified just by that list. Why do I? Why do I feel like those are like some of the names of the robots in Mega Man games? <laughs> I don't know, like Mega Man X games. Those had some weird names to them. Are, are you thinking of things like Tornado Tunyon or Infinity? yeah? yeah like i don't know it's just kind of going through my head i'm thinking okay this just reminds me of you know yeah and remember that's one merchant there are some others that you find from other merchants like there's a quest i'm on to get some abstract paintings (laughs) so (laughs) well you know you probably uh i i don't really know what to say to that but now Here's how you. Here's how this giving mechanic works. You pick an item. You you can buy multiple uh, multiples of these things, all of them, because you know everyone appreciates a gift exactly the sa- the same amount if you give them the same thing multiple times, right? It, if I was to be given uh, a new car, I would be equally appreciative if you gave me seven new cars in a row, right? Oh, I mean, after a while, how many cars can you drive? Or I don't know if you if I was to be given a a fresh a basket of fresh fruit, and then you would give me another basket of fresh fruit and another and another and another, and eventually I would start to say, "I can't eat all of this before it rots. Stop, please." <laughs> but 
These work by you go into a girl's room. You have a choice. Here are all of the affection items that you have in stock. You give her one. She either likes it or she doesn't. And if she likes it, you might as well just give her all of them right now. Oh, you just gave me 12 abstract paintings. Wow, I like you so much. Thanks. And eventually you get affection ratings raised up to the top. And you, the only reason you want to do that in the game is because the girls actually learn new special moves once. And then you, you have to go through a goofy scene because these are goofy characters. And I think I need to share this. These are what the girls say once you've got their affections. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, never mind. I, I'm in battle. I, I'm not able to get them to talk right now. But <laughs> They're busy. But they, They're say, busy. they say things like, I would do anything for you. Or Sleeping Beauty will say, want to take a nap together? <laughs> these are these are very well-developed relationships. I see absolutely no flaws here. So all of these things you kind of seem to be saying as a negative. But, I mean, I've put in hundreds of hours in a Rune Factory game where I could only give one gift per day. I would love to have dumped 97 turnips at somebody's front door. <laughs> And she would love each and every one of them just as much. Exactly. I mean, who doesn't love naps? Who doesn't (laughs) love somebody that would do anything for you? Yeah, I'm not really sure what the problem is here. I mean, these girls sound pretty interesting. Who's turning a positive into negative for some reason? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, okay. Here, I'm going to come up with an actual negative for it here. In town, you can buy a few basic items. You know how you get new weapons or most of these affection items randomly found merchants in the dungeons okay now that 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 is not fun so you have to just hope that eventually a merchant will come along instead of yet another random battle to allow you to buy stuff or you wander around the dungeon and you might get some good stuff from a random battle uh, they occasionally drop weapons or you might find something at a collection but yeah and then there's the wonderful wonderful I think I'm spoiled from playing Etrian Odyssey because the the map here isn't necessarily bad, but there are points where you have the ability to do something with the walls uh, to break them, or you need to do you need a new character's ability in order to move on from a certain point. And the map doesn't have a means to put a note down to let you know that, and you can only look at the current floor. You have to actually go to the other floors in order to see what you might be wanting to do on them. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I can see where uh, Etrian Odyssey ruins a lot of mapping systems in games that don't do what they do. Etrian Odyssey just ruins dungeon crawlers in general. <laughs> Definitely. In a good way. She's back! Yes, yeah, sorry about that. Dog okay. problems. Busy. And it's so weird that, in addition to random battles, you will see these these black vague shadow things that are encounters you can't avoid. You have to kill them. But even though you have out-of-battle abilities that you can use to interact with the environment, you can't use them to affect these things. You just have to walk into them and fight. There's absolutely nothing you can do to take advantage of the fact that you can see them beforehand. And then there's the freaking nightmares, which just aggravate me. They're like FOEs a little bit. They're big things that are coming along on the map... But when you get into a nightmare's range, suddenly it's in real time. This is a turn-based bat- combat system. Everything is turn-based, but you have to move and think in real time because it's moving in real time. You can't pause it right now. Oh. And if you get into a fight right now, 
the the nightmare is moving toward you in real time, not as you take turns like an Etrian. No. So unless you kill something fast, then that monster will just be able to get free shots in on you because it will be able to shoot a down a corridor or something while you're fighting something else. That that's cheap. And you can't have just like play the game in easy mode and just punch these nightmares, can you? No. Ugh. And it's only done this once with one nightmare, but this was absolutely horrible. You learn hurriedly about this new mechanic where you go to a map you've never been to before. The map, the nightmare has grown to a gigantic size, and you have to use things on this map to deal damage to it, to imperil it in some way. All of this is in real time because the nightmare is attacking you. It can hit the floor, and it again, you have to be moving in real time or else when the floor gets hit, you'll take damage. You can't go into the menu because you can't pause. If you get into a random battle with fixed enemies, you have to use items there to heal yourself. You can't do it out of battle. And you have to fight the nightmare on all four floors of this thing in order to actually kill it. You beat it on one floor, and then you can't fight it anymore there. You have to go to another floor and fight it some more. And remember, this is first-person dungeon crawling view, so you have to crawl around as fast as you can on a map that you've never seen before and hope that you're doing it right, because if every second that you waste is a chance for it to hit you some more and probably give you a game over once you get too much damage. Wow. That sucked. Sucked yeah. a lot. Oh, and it has an inventory limit, which 99 may seem like a lot, but... That whole list of things that I read off of affection items, each one of those takes its own slot. And no. when you're constantly... Yes. Each and every one of them. Ugh. Okay, games in 2019... Well, I don't know when this game came out. I guess 2017. it was 20, 2017. That don't have a stacking inventory. That's just unacceptable. No, uh, they stack. But each and every one of those affections... There are so many of them. Oh, I see. And there are also, of course, a lot of healing items, and if you go back through an earlier dungeon, then you're going to get slammed with worthless junk that you can't use anymore because it's so piddly. And it may sound like a lot because they do stack, but really, it fills up fast when you're constantly getting spoils from battle or yeah. finding things on the field. How many items did I le- did I read off? That was about 50, right? It, it, it took you a few minutes. So, yeah, easily. And there are even more. Ah. <sighs> Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, apparently there's this crap where I didn't know this until I looked around, but if you don't do this specific thing in Chapter 3, and you then you can't get the real ending, and you get some crappy, worthless ending. I don't know this for sure, because I haven't gotten to the end yet, but this seems to be a thing that Compile Heart likes to pull a lot, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they do. It has to be in Chapter 3. You can't do it in in, in Chapter 4 or Chapter 5, even though the same option is there. No. Uh, so basically, I, you need to play this with a guide at some... Yep. Yep. Phil, that's your favorite. Hmm. But you get to lick! Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I haven't heard anything the about licking. the licking again today. You know what? I re- what was it here? I forget which one of the girls it was. Whatever the reason, licking your blood seemed to calm me down. I felt as if my anger melted away. <laughs> and then there's the mechanic that our board commenter mentioned. You can put your blood on the girls out of battle and give them a slight stat boost. And you do that 
by there's an image of the girl in, of course, a one-piece swimsuit for some reason with some purple splotches of blood on her, and you have to use the Vita's touchscreen to just rub your finger on them to rub off the blood, and she'll make lovely sounds. Ooh, oh! And then you, uh, your purge is successful, and her, her hit points are raised until you leave the dungeon again. I suppose I should mention who all of these ladies are. Oh, the lead is some guy named Jack. And he's, I, I have no idea why the writers decided to go for this, but aside from his ability to just squirt his blood on the ladies and calm them down in the throes of their passions from having the blood of enemies squirted all over them, he can't really do anything except use items. That's interesting. So, we've got Alice. I'm pretty sure she's an Alice in Wonderland lady, but so far... No real Wonderland traits for her. We've got Red Riding Hood. Would you believe it? She has to wear a hood. If she doesn't wear a hood, she feels insecure. We've got Snow White. Uh, she likes to refer to herself in the third person a lot. Or not quite sure. We've got Sleeping Beauty. Most of Sleeping Beauty's desi- dialogue boils down to, yep, yep, or... <laughs> she, she doesn't say a whole lot. She, Oh, and here's her trait. When she's around people she trusts, she falls asleep while standing up. Oh, and she's... Have you seen um, the trust fall? Haven't seen that yet. Though, this has the kind of cheap animations where they'll play a few stock images of the ladies in whatever poses and a flat background. So you really don't see much of what they're describing. You just have to picture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's Thumbelina! Thumbelina likes to be in cramped places, apparently. I, I'm i not sure. She's not a tiny lady. She just likes to be in really claustrophobic environments, I think. Then we have Cinderella. Cinderella got really, really freaked out when she lost an earring, but was in the shape of a glass slipper. Ha-ha! Oh, no. Also, Cinderella compulsively cleans things. And she has massive kung fu prowess, I think. I'm not, I don't remember that part of Cinderella's story, but I may have forgotten. There's Princess Kaguya, who is from a story that I actually don't know. It's a Japanese one. Her character trait is she's incredibly lazy. And she has a floating chair that allows her to just move around without having to move her body. The chair does it all. I That doesn't jive with the setting of this game being the interior of a horrible place that tortures people, but what the hell do I know? Then we've got Rapunzel. Rapunzel is a young girl who was described as a golden hairball before you found her because her golden hair can cover her entire body. She doesn't like to wear clothes, so you occasionally get to see an image of her with just one eye poking through a gigantic hair mat like Cousin It. And she thinks... You're making me think Bayonetta. Haven't played it, so I can't speak to that. Uh, then we've got Gretel. Yes, Gretel did have a brother named Hansel. You you had to kill Hansel. <laughs> he was a monster. Gretel then... I don't remember this part of the Hansel and Gretel tale where Gretel was a dispassionate knowledge seeker who would just devour any kind of information you would give her. But I guess that's part of her story now. 
And then you've got Hamelm, Hamelm, the girl who is apparently a secret, but uh, her character trait is that she wears a long cloak. She occasionally stutters her speech, and her long cloak will occasionally trip her on things. So, what a great, fantastic cast we have. That sounds like quite the uh, cast of characters. Well, unlike a Kingdom Hearts game, right? You know, go through all these... Well, when you're uh, going through classic fairy tales for your inspirations, it's good to see how faithfully we're upholding the <laughs> the limited characterization that the the Grimm brothers would usually bring to the table. Honestly, I'm surprised that we haven't seen that there's no Ariel counterpart in here because the original version of A Little Mermaid would be grim enough that it might fix, fit in here. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, a lot of I these fairy tales used to be pretty scary. Yeah, before Disney came along and sanitized them for mass market consumption to remove the the children control factor. I think that was a major part of them. It was, children, do what your elders say or really nasty things happen to you. But now so one might say Idea Factory is being historically accurate here. You know, Matt, if you want to construct a, a PhD-level thesis on the faithfulness of Idea Factory and Compile Heart to its literary inspirations in the construction of the Mary Skelter Nightmares narrative, go for it. You may, in fact, find an appreciative audience among the many, many college environments around the world that are constantly looking for new papers to publish. Publisher, uh, get out of the game. I would... Uh, I want to give it some mild praise by saying that even though the dungeons tend to be kind of samey in that there are a lot of sections that just look identical, they still managed to at least not feel completely blah. But that, yeah, that's uh, that's my moderate praise. Oh, and uh, if you know what you're doing and just keep hitting enemies with their weaknesses, then you can mop the floor with them and splatter the walls with blood. And when you do that, your ladies will be regenerating their HP and S and magic points because uh, when they get splashed with blood, they get life force, I guess. <laughs> oh, Sounds yes. Like I, a forgot, winner. I forgot to mention this part. How I praised E's origin earlier for its performance. Well, I can st- I can place that in direct comparison to Final Fantasy XIII two on Steam. I attempted to play that recently. I got to the same point thrice. It crashed each one of those times. Just booted me back to my desktop. And apparently, that's just something that happens on the Steam version because Square Enix couldn't be bothered to program it so that it wouldn't necessarily crash when it transitions between scenes. Good job, guys. And it doesn't even give me a crash notification. The game just stops. I'm back on the desktop. Thanks. So when I say that Falcom is doing better than Square Enix on PC implementation of its software, that may not be setting the bar particularly high, but it's nevertheless true. All right. And last, I would like to say that I went to a movie over the weekend, and I was barraged by trailers. The first, I got barraged by a trailer for The Secret Life of Pets 2, then a trailer for Aladdin, then a trailer for Dumbo, and then a trailer for The Lion King. Thank you, Disney. (laughs) They're they're really cranking them out. I have to admit, I'm kind of looking forward to The Lion King one. I'll probably end up seeing it, but when its whole goal is to as slavishly recreate the animated movie as possible, it's probably not going to be much 
worth talking about. I I felt the same way at first, but then I um, saw like the first teaser trailer, and when my heart melted at little Simba, it was like, okay, Disney, you got me. <laughs> I'm not denying that little Simba is super cute there. I know. I am loudly questioning, was it really necessary to spend $150 million plus marketing on a slavish recreation of the movie that we can all watch whenever we want? James Earl Jones is even Mufasa again. <laughs> I know people are going to him, so that's why they're remaking him. Um, did you see the Jungle Book live action one? That you one did? wasn't a slavish, complete recreation, so it was kind of interesting. In yeah, that one was actually really good. And having Christopher Walken as King Louis was kind of inspired. Oh, I, I think I might have embarrassed my sister when we saw it, because when Mowgli picked up the cowbell, I started cackling like an idiot, and I was the only person in the entire theater laughing. You know, Christopher Walken, more cowbell. Yep. <laughs> Gotta have more cowbell. Um, how to Train Your Dragon Hidden World. Oh, okay. I, I saw that too. I have to admit, I the allergies got to me at the end. I, I like parts of it, but I honestly, I would I would rate it the lowest of the How to Train Your Dragon movies. It just yeah. wasn't very tense for the most part. With, without getting into spoilers, it kind of felt like a rehash of the second one. And when Astrid got, there's a scene with her near the end, where she's actually wearing a dress and she looks very much like Ilsa and Anna from Frozen to me hmm. when wearing a dress. Oh, I found out I had to really turn my brain off for those movies because of, you know, Scottish Vikings and hmm. Vikings with horns and, like, no, it's wrong. But I digress. Uh, oh, and speaking of slavishly recreating things, how's about Will Smith as the genie? Oh. I hear that's going over real well with test audiences. Haven't you seen an image of it, Phil? Oh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's just yeah. no going back. There's no going back. To be fair, I did see a nice little Photoshop of Will Smith Genie as Kill Jaden from Warcraft. <laughs> and they were calling him Will Jaden, and that was pretty clever. Well, if the goal is to make him look as much like the one Robin Williams voiced as possible, they've more or less nailed it. I'm not sure that was a worthy goal, though. Anyway, enough. I, Kelly, I think you're up. Yes, uh, PC issues and pet issues aside, my my week has involved real-life Pokemon catching. Because I had a skunk in my yard last week, and my little dog, who is about 20 pounds soaking wet, decided to pick a fight with the skunk. And how he got, how he didn't get sprayed is beyond me because he chased the thing out of my yard. And I definitely saw Skunk's tail go up like it was going to spray. So I had to call a wildlife expert to come in and um, set up a trap to trap the skunk, which I didn't realize that, you know, your local animal control doesn't take care of that. At least in my county. I don't know about everybody else's county, but I like had to call us a specialist. And my entire week this week has been going out, checking the trap, seeing if there's a cat in it, letting the cat out, and then rebaiting the trap. And thus far, I caught a possum, two cats, and then finally the skunk. Was it the skunk or just a skunk? 
I I don't know. I I have a suspicion it was the the skunk. Finally, I haven't seen any other ones out there. Um, if I do, I'm probably gonna have to recall the guy. But you know, you you never know. You know, it's not like I you know put a collar on the thing or whatever. It it was a skunk. And sure. the only reason the only reason why I even cared is because obviously I don't want my dog picking a fight with the thing. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Kelly. I have been around dogs that got sprayed by skunks, and let me tell you, it's some of the most fun you're ever going to have. Making sure that the dog doesn't try to rub off, rub it off all over the house, that's just a joy. Oh, and, and that was the frustrating part about that, was that, you know, my, my morning routine is the second my alarm goes off, the dog demands to be let out to go to the bathroom, so I let him out, and if it's if it's really cold out, he runs out, Peas runs right back in. Well, the first thing he does when he runs back into the house is jump right back into the bed under the covers with my husband. So, you know, he does that. I can't even sniff test him. So it's like he better not have just ran, picked a fight with the skunk and then ran in. Luckily, he didn't get sprayed. But, uh, you know, this and, time. And I, I know one of these days he's he's going to get sprayed if there's more skunks out there because this is not the first fight he has tried to pick with one. And I, luckily you can buy like a skunk shampoo at Walmart and I've got a can of that on hand just in case. It'll help, but that odor just does not go away quickly with anything. You can't unsmell it. Ah. Oh no, it doesn't. It, 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 permeates the walls when some of those things get back there sometimes and I I smell it and it just it doesn't even leave my sinuses because I, I have a very sensitive nose anyway um, like certain air fresheners like if I get any air freshener with lavender it gives me a headache because it gets in my sinuses and doesn't leave so I, I'm just dreading the day when you know the dog Pokemon battle and he gets caught with like what nasty scent Toxic spray, whatever the the top poison Pokemon moves are, oh, but that that was most of my week was you know b- being a live action Pokemon trapper. I've still been playing Etrian Odyssey Nexus, and boy, that game is good. You know, Mister Mister New Guy was was talking about that earlier. What's your take on it? Um, I it makes me sad that it's the last Etrian game that we're going to get for a while unless um they bring it to the Switch because uh it, it's probably the best one in the series especially after what a disappointment 5 was. I agree. I, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. Now, was it was 5 a disappoint I I I it was I I we were talking about this earlier that a lot of 5 disappointed a lot of people because it it didn't have, you know, a whole lot of floors. But was it a dis uh, you know as as for you who's played a lot of these games was it a disappointment to you? Yeah, very much so. The the story wasn't there at all. Um I didn't like the classes that were available. They my favorite thing about Etrian Odyssey is being able to kind of pick my own classes and kind of carve my own path. And with five, I felt like I had to look up, you know, what the opti- optimal build was or like what the optimal party was just to get through it. Because um, the other problem was it didn't have picnic mode. Um, I don't think there was any sort of difficulty slider in that. So it was back to. You know the DS trilogy where you really had to tough it out, and granted, no, there, I don't... Was, there was a difficulty challenge or option. 
it didn't make it particularly easy, but it did give you some more leeway. Yeah. You could have that restart after losing a battle, at least. Yeah. Um, Germany I just, or whatever. I'd just gotten very spoiled on the picnic mode um, very easily, so not having it was kind of diminished my enjoyment of the game a little bit. And then it, it felt like... You know, I had to really had to overlevel my characters to compensate, and then I hit max level pretty quick, and then hit the final boss. Um, the final boss was such a difficulty spike. I don't know. Just it, it seemed it, like. Oh, go ahead. Five to me wasn't anything special. I guess I wasn't disappointed by it, but it just was like, oh hum, this is a game. It was like one and two. When I played one and two a dozen years ago, I enjoyed them. One and Untold Two showed me how much better they could be, mm-hmm. and three and four were better than one and two. Five down with one and two. Not that I didn't enjoy it; it just it didn't do things or offer things that the other games did. The map of four. It didn't have the big in the middle of three and the fun with the boat in three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they, they might have gone too far back. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like, oh, we did all this boating in three and all this in four, and we added extra areas and extra stories and set teams and untold one and two. What do we do next? Well, we return to... Mm. I think Nexus yeah, does a much uh, better job of blending the beginning with the other good ideas in the series. Yeah. Uh, and That being said, Nexus, um, I think I'm on Labyrinth. Actually, I am on Labyrinth 9 now. And when you could first jump on walls in Nexus, I was like, wow, this changes everything. That is a neat gameplay mechanic. Although I will say it did get old by the third or fourth labyrinth that it's in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, you've done this. In any of the other games, it would have been there for five floors and done back in Nexus. But then you have to push the pill bugs around to make uh, bridges in the walls. You're right, you're right. It did offer some variations. I will say each labyrinth, because it was in the shrines, Mm -hmm. every shrine that it pops up in did offer its own little twist on it. And you're going to find the same with Picnic Mode, and I think I heard you say it on uh, that I did. Eventually, some of the puzzles towards the end of that, with the going up on the walls and the down, I'd rather just blast through the foe and not be worried about that puzzle. Yeah, yeah, and I ended up doing, I think you heard me talking about that, where I Mm -hmm. was getting really annoyed at the sliding platform puzzles. Yeah, and the um, the something bridge, the pedal bridge. Yeah, because I I hate those kinds of puzzles anyway, just to me, they're just very lazy to me, and they're also puzzles that unless you know exactly what you're doing, you can... Uh, get yourself stuck very easily. So those puzzles kind of frustrate me. You know Um, what puzzle didn't appear the whole game, and I was a little surprised, and I wonder if I was saving it for a ridiculous bonus dungeon or something, is there's no warping from place to place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, they're probably saving that little fun puzzle for uh, Persona 2 2. (laughs) Oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> I love Persona Q. I love Persona Q too, but man, it, it should make me tense I have to throw stuff at you that's frustrating. Can't be a cakewalk the whole way through. Nope. No, I get it. You're going to have to work for it. At least in um, 
Strange Journey Redux when they threw that puzzle at you. Um, if you went to the bonus or the optional dungeon, yes, um, you, you could I get did a... that. I did that at every possible junction. Yeah, because I quickly found out that not only is it kind of critical to the new content, but I can mm-hmm. get some good stuff. And that new function to show you just. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's still kind of annoying having to tap very precisely on your map, but seeing where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it, it took yeah. out it took out so much of the the trial and error of those types of puzzles or that type of puzzle, which is what's so frustrating about it. Oh, definitely, yeah, I, especially I the ones where you can't warp back. Yeah, all the yeah. one way warps. I had looked around and seen some of the stuff people had talked about with the original. And you really needed to just freaking make a map, even though you have the second screen, the DS screen there. Mm-hmm. No, you've got to you've got to make your own map, or else you have to freaking remember where each of these warps goes. Have fun with that. What I've done before is I've taken a picture on my smartphone, and because because I have the smartphone with the stylus, I can um, make notes that way. Okay, which which, which helps. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, a lot of old school puzzles and passwords like that can be mitigated by smartphones now. Like, I think I was playing Mega Man X or something and took a picture of one of the passwords with my phone, which is kind of uh, neat. But um, I don't think you'd even need to do that. The Mega Man X passwords weren't that long, I remember. Yeah, but I, I'm lazy and I didn't want to write it down. So, eh. but um, the only other thing I've I've really been playing is I um. Because I finished Kingdom Hearts and had nothing else really on my plate to work on, they, uh, um, I basically put a call out on Twitter. It's like, okay, shame me into finishing Trails of Cold Steel so that I could justify buying that $100 collector's edition later this year. So, of course, Wheels and Josh and I think Anna were all like, you know, posting the Shia LaBeouf do it gif. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it! That would have the opposite effect on me. I hate Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, but the, that particular meme is hilarious, at least to me. But um, I don't know if you've seen those. Have you seen those? Just does Shia LaBeouf just do it videos, Mike? I probably have. I thought, oh, yep, that's Shia LaBeouf. He's doing yeah. something that I don't immediately hate, well, but I still, I still look at his face and don't want to look at it anymore. I hate that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but no, the funny thing is what people have done with with you know because he did it in front of a green screen screen, so you could put it into any video. And so it's just funny what people have done. If y'all are ever bored sometime, just look up Shia LaBeouf, just do it on YouTube and see what people have done. Like they've inserted him into the Superman versus Batman trailer and Batman's like wondering whether he should take on Superman. He's behind, you know, Batman going, just do it. (laughs) Make your (laughs) dreams come true. Just do it. I showed that to my boss years ago and I mean, it's kind of still the ongoing joke once in a while uh, Mm. because it's just so yeah, it's just so weird. Like that. Weird. <laughs> what was that? I don't know, but that was weird. It sounded like an audible fart. Either that or something, bare skin on uh, leather, maybe? I, I guess. That but, might um, be my uh, legs up on the uh, table here. <laughs> I, I've but, slowly sunk down in my chair. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm on like chapter four of Trails of Cold Steel 1 right now and i'm kind of slowly getting through that the, the problem is that work i've i've been so busy at work that literally the, the second i hit the couch and one of the cats gets on me i am just out like a light so 
And and Trails of Cold Steel, while the story is really good, they're very slow games. Oh, they're slow burns, yes. Yeah. Very much so. And be, because of that, it's like, okay, I'm going to make progress in, then, in this, and then 30 minutes of cutscenes, and then <laughs> cat on my lap, and I'm just... And I'm, I'm really trying to get through it, and I really like the game. They're just so slow. And it's weird because I like I like games with lots of story like that, and I really like all of the characters in this huge world that Falcom has built up with the Kaseki series. Mm. Just You've got to be in the right mood to play them, and lately I just have not been in the right mood. I get it. I did Cold Steel 1 right about a year, right about now. I think it took me like mid-January to mid-March. To mm-hmm. play through it, and I had to have one or two other things to play and go back and forth. I mean, I liked it. I, I have the second one, and even with the announcement of number three, I can't get myself to put it in the Vita yet because I just know how long it's going to be. <laughs> I've got other things I need to take care of before I get back into that mindset. Yeah, and. You know, the, the funny thing is that they really remind me of the Persona series with how it's a classroom and each the, the story progression is day by day, which I, I really loved out of Persona. It just it seemed like Persona it was a little bit better paced. Well, I mean, a day in Persona, unless you're going into the dungeon for an hour or two, is not what a day in Cold Steel is. Yeah. Not, not even close. But that, that's all I've been playing. I haven't had haven't had a chance to draw very much lately. Just like I said, because work has been ha- having me so burned out by the time I get off or get, get done work for the day. Stupid work. That's how I. That's how I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was feeling yesterday. Uh, stupid work. Um. Anywho, uh, for me, well. Um, mostly been focused on the CRPG Club game of this month, which I still haven't beat, and it's already in a month, which is uh, Secret of the Silver Blades. Uh, fun, you know, we'll talk more about that when we get to that segment next show. Uh, did uh, did play more, as we were ta- as y'all were talking Persona Q, and I enjoyed a lot. I am, uh, I, you know, I might have to look up an FAQ, maybe I'm missing something here, but I've, I'm in the middle of, I think it's the third... It's either the third or fourth floor of the horror hospital house, whatever it is. The horror uh, hospital yes, floors. The, the freaky, creepy baby things. Yeah, the baby the baby dolls yeah. that come Those after you. are tough. Yeah, and you I... You gotta listen to the sounds or... Yeah, they jump down behind you. You run away from them. Yeah. Not a big deal. And I can actually beat them because I think I had a quest to steal one of the rattles or something like that. And they're longer fights. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I mean, normally I just run away from them because it's not worth the trade off uh, for all the time it takes to beat them. But, uh, but if I just really want their, you know, their, their drops, that isn't a big deal. What is a big deal is that there are these, um, evil little ladies. Uh, that pop up in dark areas and they'll just spring up in front of you. Okay, no big deal. You don't run into them. And eventually you Mm -hmm. learn that turning on lights makes it to where they don't spring up anymore. So you can, you know, so there's a bit of a puzzle mechanic in turning on the lights to get around them. Okay, not a big whoop. Now for kicks and giggles, after I had just saved, I decided to take one on. And those things cast Mudo, you know, instant death, darkness on your entire party. And it's like the medium strength one that you you know will at least kill one, if not three people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, and since the battles are going on so long, since those things are such hit point sponges, it's it's just usually a matter of rounds before she gets around to casting it once or twice. So good luck with that. Okay, so I figure, okay, well, not a big deal. You're not really supposed to be taking on foes. And she is pretty avoidable. But then I get to like the third or fourth floor where you, now she can move. And not only can she move, she can move two squares to your every one. And the idea is that you're supposed to be able to go into the areas of light and she won't come, you know, into the areas of light. But like in certain rooms where I could see the door to, you know, to get out, I can't seem to figure out how to exploit this, this advantage to be able to get to the door before she hits me, you know, and forces an encounter because she can move mm-hmm. two squares to my every one. So there's, uh, yeah, I might have to FAQ it, um, but I'm not a huge fan of, I, I just want to kick her ass really, which is what I've been able to do with any foe. <laughs> Up to this point, I mean, except for when you first get there, but I've also worked hard to keep my characters um, plenty grinded up, so level's not really an issue. Uh, but when she casts freaking Moodle on everybody, uh, I suppose I might be able to. I, I can't. I don't think your sub persona gives you gives you immunity, so you'd really have to figure out a way to get cards or something along those lines, or something. Uh, uh, I, I don't think there's a an accessory that gives me. I have to take a look. Maybe there's an accessory that gives you death immunity, dark darkness, you, death immunity, Mudo you, immunity. Are you running with Naoto? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Maybe she's. I, I think I've tried like light and stuff like that. See, it's really fun when you kill like a, a boss yeah. or something with an instant light spell. Those are pretty fun. Um, but um, but yeah, yeah. So it's just- Typically, when stuff casts Muda, that means that they're weak to light. Yeah, but yeah, no, and it didn't catch, but maybe I need to try, you know, maybe I only tried like twice and you have to like get it till it catches. Um, and then, you know, it'll say, okay, they're weak. But if, if you just missed, it, it won't reveal whether they're strong or weak to it. Yeah. Um, it just says miss. So that's the weird thing about Muda, right? If you cast fire on somebody, you know, it'll tell you really quick, you know, if you just look, you know, at the set, you know, in the enemy weakness screen, whether or not they were mm-hmm. strong, weak, or normal damage to it, unless they dodged it, which is rare. But with Mudo or Hama or whatever, yeah, they'll dodge it quite often, so you're kind of out of the loop. Again, I could I could probably FAQ it, but that kind of, you know, usually I'm playing this line in bed and I don't have anything next to me aside from, you know, the, the DS. So that kind of made me hit a stopping point there. Uh, and then, you know, since we've been talking about Dragon Quest, I played some more Dragon Quest, and you guys have already kind of heard my rants. I do want to get through it, despite my rants and my nagging on it. Uh, I do want to see what's going on with the story. But what's really funny is I popped in the certain Compile Hearts game that a certain somebody sent me uh, when I was exercising today. And it's hilarious, right? I'm never going to suggest that this game is better than Dragon Quest Eight. But I will say, like, the combat is super fast and slick, and the 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 trash mob encounters is just you just go up and the, the you just hit them and you smack them and they're dead it's just so fast and because it you know this thing is written all of these all of these compile heart games i swear are so similar because there's a lot of similarities between this and the hyper dimension games i've i've dipped my toes into in that there's really no overworld and you don't even walk around in towns when you're in towns it's more menu driven like do you want to talk to this person this person or this person right and then when mm-hmm. you're on the overworld there's just some spots for you to pick from and it kind of tells you what's in that dungeon do you want to go into the dungeon now is there an event in that dungeon or will it move the story um 
And and so, you know, as I was complaining earlier about how slow it seems to take like 45 minutes for me just to get to the next town in Dragon Quest. And then the fights that move slowly and take a solid 60 to, you know, 60 seconds to two or three minutes even for some of those regular random mob fights, uh, you know, on your way from point A to point B. Whereas, <laughs> so I was exercising playing this is like, oh, this is cool. I get a battle done in 15 seconds and there's no getting lost in the overworld because there is no overworld. No overworld. <laughs> the dungeons, the dungeons are pretty straightforward. And, you know, it, yeah, yeah, I guess maybe that's why somewhere these games must do good enough because they keep cranking them out and that somehow they're making a profit on these things and employing people. Um Maybe it's boiling down some of these things to those those elements. So, but we'll talk we'll talk more about the specifics of the game when we get to that episode. But it just it is just pretty funny in contrast to what we were saying earlier. Uh, maybe it's just a point in my life right now where I just don't have a lot of patience for the slower the slower things in life. It sounds as if somebody wished on a monkey's paw to be like, well, I, I want dra- I want a RPG, but I don't want all the slowness of the overworld of Dragon Quest. Can you give me something? That's f- quicker paced. Well, okay. Here's here's an idea factory game. Yeah, I know, a right? Art game. A compile. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, as Mike said, the nice thing about eight is at least you can avoid the vast majority of counters if you're in that mood uh, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get from point A to point B. Um, which, in playing that particular game, I was running out of time on exercise uh, and needed to get ready for this podcast. So it was nice that I could, but I was in a dungeon, but I really wanted to see what was at the end just to get to the next bit of story. Um, and sure enough, you know, just like in Dragon Quest eight, you can just kind of run around the monsters and get to it if that's what you want to do. And then go back later and grind, you know, which was actually pretty beneficial because at the end of that dungeon, you get a second party member. So it makes more sense to go back and grind when you have two people instead of one people because you're not nearly as outnumbered. So, and battles will go a lot faster and you have to heal a lot less <laughs> um, because you don't have the, the the ratio against you. So, uh, but, but I think that's pretty, yeah, just haven't, haven't had a lot of time for, for anything in the other games. Just been doing a lot of tabletop. We've been having a lot of fun with tabletop, uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, playing a homebrew that I made up, having some guys over. We did that all day Saturday um, and the guys had a great time. So I'm always a fan of pen and paper. That's where it all kind of started from. So, pen and paper, woo! DD 5th edition, pretty darn solid. Just really, it's just an easy to get into system, but retains a lot of what's what was old for us old fogies. It's it's pretty good. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Anywho, I think that's about it. Uh, I will, I will, I will remind everybody though uh, that, you know, RP Gamer produces rpg backtrack and that's where we host the podcast and everything else so head over to rpgamer.com not only to go through our massive library now of 200 shows uh, but to hear other podcasts about rpgs as well as read all of our really cool articles that we have on there we have a review for death in request uh we have some write-ups about i believe that's another compile heart game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people on the site playing a lot of compile heart games right now i i it, don't it's hard to keep up that company just keeps freaking going i have no idea why i i and and here's what's scary is it got a 3.5 spoiler it got a mm-hmm. good score so the factory pumped out a um a golden turd happen. it can't have 
once in a blue moon, right? Once in a blue moon. Well, and and the challenge for us, uh, um, uh, Kelly uh, was out. When I don't know if you've taken up the challenge too, but the three of us uh, we're reading uh, one of our listeners' challenge to us to play some Compile Hearts games and and do a show because we're always time talking smack about it. Uh, so, are you okay. taking up the challenge? Are you will you play I, Compile Hearts game? I, uh, I'm game. I I am wrapping up. Uh, Etrian Nexus 2, so I can certainly boot up the Vita and try something. Let's see what let's see what I can try to pull. I know I know a lot of the hyper dimensions are on the Vita. Yeah, I have all those. So though that one of those might be worth you looking can't into. Give me the humble bundle then. I know, right? <laughs> I, I probably have. Them. Oh, 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 yeah! If you don't have them, I I do have some free codes apparently for for <laughs> Hyper Dementia Re whatever what was it called, guy? Hyper Rebirth. Rebirth one, two, and three. Blanc. <laughs> no, no, don't have that one. Cyber Dimension Neptunia for Goddesses Online. <laughs> I, I wonder if I Don't need to Mike subject myself to um, no, uh, Hyper Dimension Blanc Noir because that was Ooh. the strategy RPG, and that was oh, the may- one. That... Maybe maybe you should play Mujin Soul Z in order to find out just how well, right or wrong Wheels is about it. Well, if if I'm gonna subject myself, I want to do a Vita game mainly because you know I want to be able to set, set it down or or. I don't think so. I, I'm not I cannot keep track of what these things are on because they're constantly changing. There's a lot of them on Vita. They had a sale. Yeah. I think it were, that's what we were talking about. That's yep. how this all started back in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also Trill- Trillion God of Destruction. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's uh, a compile heart. Yeah, I think that is. Is that compile heart? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got the I've got the Wikipedia list up right now. Oh, there you go. So oh. so. So Kelly's going to pick her poison, and at some point in the future here, we will do a Compile Heart episode wait, wait, where wait. all of us will share I, our I know, experiences. I know Alex played it a while back, but you can always play the Caligula effect. I I have played Sorcery Saga, Curse of the Great Curry God. There we go. How far did you get? I beat it, but it was a roguelike, so it wasn't that hard to get into. Um, yeah. Yeah, so 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 Miss Kelly will join us, and we will make a show of that to take up our our listeners' challenge uh, to see if we can come up if we can force ourselves to say some good things. Uh, we're, we we're we're trying to pick de- the more decent games uh, from the list to see if we can be somewhat even handed. Um. <laughs> so you're saying that what you gave me was one of the more decent games, right, Phil? <laughs> I told you how well it was reviewing. People like it. They like the licking. You know, I, I I don't know what to tell you, man. It's it's popular. I'm surprised they haven't pumped out a sequel. They have. Oh right, but it's not coming out here. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not coming out here. It's got very positive on 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 Steam. Eighty eight percent of 150 users have given this a thumbs up, Mike. Eighty eight percent. That's all. Yeah. Well, you know, most of them are playing it. I guess someplace else. I mean, you know, that's. I mean, hyper- what did we talk about? What the hyper, the first hyper dimension Neptunia Rebirth one that had what a few thousand? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, hell, Mike, that's a lot better than Labyrinth of Refrain um, by Ooh. by Nippon Ichi and IS whatever, and because that's only got a seventy two. So I mean, come on, this is knocking the out the park. Don't lie. Yeah, yeah, it's totally calling you, my friend. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I'm so grateful, Phil, for this wonderful experience that you have bequeathed oh, unto me. Oh my gosh, it's got the same, it's got even, it's even higher than Disgaea. Disgaea wow. has 87%, it's an 88. Mary Skelter's an 88, Mike. How many people rated Disgaea? 2,000. And this is the original Disgaea where, while there have been... What are we on? This is, I think this is Disgaea's now. Yeah, for counting the T2s and the. Whereas Mary Skelter, we don't even know what Mary Skelter Two is like. So uh, this this proves something. I don't know what. I don't know what, but I'm telling you, it's um, it's something. It's it's definitely something. Speaking of something, Mike, uh, and 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 as I look through, you know, we were talking about the, our website, of course, RP Game, RG the plug every time chance I get. But we also have an article on there about Bard's Tale, you know, trilogy. Um, all of our you know listeners can go and read that. But uh, you know, I, of course, I'm the 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 computer gaming person you know, champion, so to speak, I think for the podcast, if not the entire site. But uh, I know I, I saw that you might be uh, looking into this trilogy yourself. We got a review code offered on Steam. Alex said that nobody else claimed it, so I got it. I will play it. You know, the problem here, Phil, is that you gave me this Mary Skelter thing, and I can't very well start into Bard's Tale while I'm still knee-deep in Mary Skelter. Now, can I? No, Phil overrules everything. You gotta go with Mary. Just knock her out, man. Just, 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 you just, how many licks does it take to, to get to the center <laughs> of Mary Skelter? You know, just. Uh, the world may never know. I mean, how. The world how, needs to know, Mike. You can tell the world. You can tell the world how many licks it takes. The world is going to be disappointed. No matter how many licks I take, I don't get to the center. Uh, it's, 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 uh, anywho. Um, I no, but I bring it up because I am super excited because you and I share a love for you know uh, DRPGs and the such. Uh, so, but 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 usually you know we're on different uh, platforms more or less. But I'm super excited to hear your take on this PC classic uh, dungeon crawler. So uh, I'm very excited to see how that turns out. Be a trio of classics. Trio, yeah, I know your soul will belong to Dwarf's Tales. Those are not quick trips. So. God bless your heart. Um, well, but, nobody better anticipate the review of that coming soon. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Like next, not not going to happen next week or next month. It's it's a long that's a long burn if you're going to go through all three. But we do I'm have. Gonna, I'm going to try. Maybe I can review each one of them in turn. Oh, that'd be cool. In fact, I probably will. I don't think yeah. we have reviews for any of them. No, and they no, and and even if we did these, uh, you know, I'm very. I would I would like to see how the remasters. Yeah, I'd like to see them reviewed separately because, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, you can't even, you can't, you know, the, the original Bard's Tale trilogy, I I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a way to play those nowadays without, you know, going to some abandoned air website and really tweaking around with DOSBox, you know, and the such. It's not on GOG where, you know, I'm playing the Gold Box games and a number of other really good classic RPGs from around the same. You can play the Wizardry games, you can play the Ultima games, you can play a lot of those. But Bard's Tale, you know, must have been tied up in rights issues. Um, I was waiting for it. And then all of a sudden they came out with these with this remaster. And while I would love to be able just to jump into the originals again, just 
you know, j- just for at least an hour or two to relive some of those early memories. Uh, I'm super excited that we've got this, you know, tweaked version that's going to, you know, going to work better with a modern keyboard. Um, it's got some souped up graphics uh, and a few other modern life conveniences uh, while still holding true to the spirit, uh, you know, very much so of the original. From what I understand, again, your review will help illuminate that. I, I just don't have the time to jump into it with everything else I'm working on. So I'm super sure. excited to see what you're going to. Uh, to hear your thoughts on it, your detailed thoughts. Uh, but yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of other articles for people to read. You know, on there. Whether you're into computer role playing games, we have an article about Pathfinder Keymakers Second DLC they're working on. Uh, you're looking for reviews. We got one. I got another one on Animusha, uh, Warlords, uh, and just a whole bunch of articles. So go and check it out. It's all at RPGamer.com by people who love RPGs, unlike certain people of other certain three letter websites that just really care um anywho not much what about GameSpot? we yeah. know that's a, that's a place which loves the rpgs i know right totally uh anywho uh thank you <laughs> uh, as, as i'm getting a text message from from some new guy here <laughs> saying this might actually be longer than final fantasy 6 we've been going so long tonight because we've been kind of been rambling uh anywho but yeah go check out our website uh and and rp gamer blah 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 um, I'm sure there's some other speech. It is late. Um, I'm supposed to see a review. Oh, uh, leave us your comments. Uh, I'm at JC Servant at Twitter. is probably the easiest way to shoot me off a comment. Uh, Mr. Minky's at you may send. Uh, one of the new guy here, he's at new guy RP gamer or something. <laughs> I think that's his handle, right? Isn't it at, isn't it at new guy RP gamer? Uh, I think that'd be a great hashtag. Maybe, uh, to get yeah. Me. Maybe you need to, to go right that one. Uh, what are you there? Platinum yeah. three or something rather? Three. Okay. And uh, your Red Rock something? Nine six three. Nine six three. So you can hit any of us up on Twitter. Of course, you can always hit up at RP Gamer, uh, and usually they do a great job of making sure we see that. Anyways, uh, but yeah, feel free to shoot us up on Twitter and uh, or like I said, leave comments on uh, on our little messaging thing there on the on the website. Uh, you can also shoot me off an email, which I should probably check that. Some I'd be funny if someone actually shot me off an email. I just didn't read it. Does people use emails? I, I don't even know if they're saying Discord. Use Discord. We all look at Discord. Everyone uses Discord. You can find out how to do that at rpgamer.com and go up to community and join our Discord server. We'd love to chit-chat with you. Uh, Mr. Miki, would you like to put us to bed? There's a Dragon Quest game we didn't talk about tonight, and that's because we're probably never going to get to play it. Dragon Quest X. There's not much even to say about it. You just have to look at footage and just think, why didn't this get released outside of Japan? Oh, right, because 75% or more of the Dragon Quest fan bases in Japan. So on that, on that lovely note, good night.